tonight that you could always speak your mind. You work so hard to say what's right. I watch you do it all the time. And when I called you on the phone, you said that. That is the Monroes from 1982, What Do All the People Know? A pretty obscure song. You may not remember it even if you were old enough to remember it at the time. Interesting story I read on the web regarding the Monroes and this song. Someone posted uh, a little story from 1988 that they were working as uh, a dishwasher in a Minnesota restaurant. And uh, this song came on, and one of the cooks said, hey, you know, Tony sings this. And the dishwasher couldn't believe it because Tony was one of the other cooks there. So Tony was working a very low-paying job in 1988 as a cook at this restaurant. 
probably making fairly close to minimum wage. And this dishwasher couldn't believe that he would be the one as one of the singers of this song, which was only six years old at the time. So when Tony came in, asked him, hey, were you really one of the singers in the song? And he said, yes. And the guy's name was Tony Ortiz. And indeed, he was one of the members of the Monroes when this one-hit wonder made it big. I guess kind of big at the time. But uh, Tony ended up quitting the Monroes in 1986. And two years later, he was there as a cook. So I guess he blew whatever money he made off of this song being a one-hit wonder. Though in 82, they made a lot less, even adjusted for inflation. And he was one of several people in the band. So I, I guess it's understandable that maybe there wasn't that much. <laughs> Disposition said I was working with Tony. He was great. He's saying that in the chat room. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is being recorded and broadcast live on Wednesday, May 17th. Right now, the time is 8.28 p.m. Pacific Time. Wednesday is our regular night for the show, though sometimes we're on Thursday, sometimes we're on a different day. I try to get the show done once a week. Occasionally we miss a week, usually not. Usually we're here. But uh, we're back to our regular schedule. And 8 p.m. is the scheduled start time. We usually start a little bit late. That's my fault, but that's just what happens. And... Of course, the show is always available in the archives. Several ways to listen in the archives. You can go to iTunes, Google Play, the TuneIn app, the Stitcher app. Uh, you can download the MP3 directly or play the MP3 directly off of the Poker Fraud Alert website. Just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com, scroll down to the archives section. You'll see the little icons to click for the various ways to listen. And... You can then do so. One little warning about the TuneIn app. If you have an older iOS, that is iOS 9 or before, the TuneIn app won't work for you. Not sure why, but it just stopped working for older iOS versions. So if you've decided to stick with one of the older iOS versions, you probably can't use the TuneIn app. You can get the Stitcher app. You can listen on iTunes, whatever. Just uh, on iPhones, the iOS uh, 9 or earlier, TuneIn no longer works. But... Most of you have iOS 10 or later, so that's not really an issue. And even if it were an issue, there's nothing I can do about it because I do not own the TuneIn app. If there's another way you would like us to provide for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, please let me know. As long as it's not too much trouble, then I will do it. Someone once asked about SoundCloud. I said, okay, I'll take a look into SoundCloud. And it turned out I had to manually upload a SoundCloud. And I said, screw it. If it cannot take an RSS feed which is basically a way that automatically updates the show to these various services, then I don't want it. But anything that takes an RSS feed, let me know, and I'll put it up. And uh, we have a co-host on the line, probably not anyone that's going to surprise you since he's been here very consistently over the past several months. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Drew? Well, I am doing just about all better. I've, I've been plagued with colds this spring. You didn't have any appendages fall off or anything? No, no. It, it, it's uh, it's just about gone. I have a little bit of a cough. I'll try to mute quickly if I have to cough, but uh, it's just about gone. So hopefully there will not be a third cold plaguing me, especially as the World Series is coming up. And we have a free roll tonight, which I should get to describing because it is starting in just 10 minutes. 
The free roll, as always. I'm going to get some liquor, Druff. I'll be right okay, back. Okay, okay. Calwine is like the only person that I'll allow to drink on this show. Because usually when others drink on this show, they, they claim they can handle it, and then they turn into rambling idiots. Somehow Calwatt, he can handle his, he can handle his liquor very well. He, he drinks, and you can't even tell he's drinking. So he's okay. I'm not against usage of alcohol on the show in theory, just if it makes people into angry, rambling idiots, then then I've got the problem. Especially people who are already prone to being that way without alcohol. So, as Cal Watt goes and gets the liquor, I'll continue with the show intro here. If you want to listen to the show, but are maybe out on the road that you don't have a very good uh, cell connection, you don't want to waste your data, we have the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a phone number you can call from anywhere in the world, from any phone that can dial a U.S. number, and you just listen to the show on it. You can't call and talk to me on it, but you can call and listen to the show at any time, from anywhere. does not require a cell phone, the internet, a data plan, a computer, nothing like that. It just, if you can dial a number, it works, and it won't waste even a byte of data if you do have a data plan. And it does not require a very strong cell phone signal. Even one bar is good enough. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. It's located in a shack in the town of Carroll, Iowa. And you can call at any time, even when we're not live on the air, then you will hear one of our streaming reruns where the computer just picks a random show and runs it as if it's live, and then when that show's over, it picks another one over and over from our library of more than 225 shows. That's I've, what we call the poker potluck, right? It pretty much is, yeah. I, I actually like it better that way. I like I like listening that way rather than picking a show myself, because when I go walk the very uh, old and large pug that I have, I, I put on the call to listen line typically. And I like the fact that I'm just hearing a regular, a random show picked out of the air. I, I like when the computer chooses for me. It can be like Russian roulette, though, Drew. It can be. <laughs> it, it can be. And especially like if I get a bad show, I kind of feel like I'm being shot in the head. But anyway, that's the call to listen line. And if you forget the phone number or any of the phone numbers associated with the show, just click on the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com. It's the radio tab near the top of the screen. It'll show you all the phone numbers. The other phone number is involved if you want to call into the show. 775-FRAUD55. 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. It's a separate line into the show. It's an old 70s rotary telephone on top of Mount Charleston in a cabin up there that forwards to wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. And... No matter which line you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you won't get through. Then, if you want to text the show, you can text the main phone number anytime before, after, or during the show at 775-372-8355. Same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. I will respond to you. I really will. Probably. Probably. And I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to in the beginning of the text. So I'll check it various times throughout the show. 
We also have a chat room that runs during the show, mainly to chat with other listeners, but I look occasionally, and Calwatt looks even more. That chat room, you just click chat near the top of the screen. You need a Poker Fraud Alert account on the forum that is validated and in good standing, and you need a Flash-enabled device. We have our free roll starting in five minutes. That's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Click No Fraud Online Poker, that tab on PokerFraudAlert.com. Rather large free roll this week. Not the largest, but uh, larger than average. We have more than $100 we're giving away. Much of it is thanks to our co-host right now, Calwatt, who has donated a good deal. Uh, it is a $92.50. Wow, that's right. I mean, it's really the recycling growth, you know? It's your money. He's he's saying that he won uh, he won this money in previous free rolls, and he's recycling it back. But that that money right. is no less valid than money that you pull out of your wallet and hand to me. It's the same thing because once you win in the free roll, then I owe you the money. And if you choose to recycle it back, as as some people do, and nobody's expected to, by the way, if you want to claim the entire thing, I won't think you're a jerk or a cheapskate. Or if I do think that, you'll never know because I'll never tell you. But everybody is welcome to collect the full prize. Some, You're making people feel a lot better about getting sloppy seconds. <laughs> some people choose to donate it back. Some choose to do- donate part of it back. Some choose to just keep it all. And either, whatever, it's fine. I don't ever want to tell anyone what to do with their money. And once you win in the free roll, provided that you have qualified for it, it is your money. So it's a $92.50 free roll plus a $13 bounty on CalWatt. So if you knock CalWatt out, you automatically get... Uh, you automatically get $13. Come get some, bitches. <laughs> it just goes It goes right to you. And this week we got $64 from CalWatt. We got $20 from Mr. Smith9999, plus another $5 from him for a CalWatt bounty. $8 for the CalWatt bounty also, which comes from Snow Tracks. And SMI Florida sent $8.50. So this is the way that the prize money is going to be broken down. First place will get $46. Second place will get $25.50. Third place will get $13. Fourth place will get $8. So that's 46, 25 and a half, 13, 8, and the bounty for 13. Thank you to everybody who donated. The free roll is starting in three minutes. But you have 25 more minutes of late registration to where you can get a full stack all the way up through 9.05 Pacific Time. And if you want to know the rules as to qualifying for the free roll, they have changed as of a few weeks ago. Go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. That's all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. All one word. And make sure you understand the rules, because if you do not qualify, you will not get paid. I, if you do win, I'll pay you by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by cash, by check, only if you've accumulated uh, $100 or more. In fact, same with cash, unless I see you at the World Series. So I don't want to send cash or check in the U.S. mail unless you've accumulated $100 of winnings or more. And that's just because it became a pain in my ass, and I, didn't, I don't feel like doing it anymore. So it's 2017. You need to either get a bank account, get PayPal, uh, get Bitcoin, whatever, and uh, you need you need electronic payment methods. And if there's something I'm not listing here, 
and you want me to get it, then go ahead and let me know. And I'll try to get that so I can pay you. But I want to pay electronically. Like I can send to any bank in the U.S. You have to trust me with your bank account info, but believe me, I'm not going to steal from your bank account. Believe me, that's not going to happen. So if, if that's your concern, don't worry about it. And if you do worry about it, then just wait until you accumulate $100 worth of uh, worth of winnings, and then you can request the check or cash. So, I'm just trying to make it easier. This show is being done for free. I don't make money from it. I don't try to make money from it. I probably should, but I don't. So, I, I want to keep the manual labor to a minimum. The agenda for tonight. A few World Series stories. The World Series has been busy in making some changes a few weeks before the series. The biggest story is that the World Series of Poker has announced a partnership with Poker Central, which seems to be rising from its ashes to kind of exist and be relevant again. Or, I guess, relevant for the first time. It was never really relevant before this. But uh, the World Series has announced a partnership with Poker Central to televise much of their streaming content. And the November 9, something that almost nobody liked, is going to be gone. It's all going to finish in July this year. The World Series Player of the Year, which was much criticized because they were using the Global Poker Index, which wasn't really appropriate for the Player of the Year. It basically screwed anyone who was winning deep field, no limit events. They have revamped the Player of the Year calculations. And the main person responsible was longtime media figure Jess Wellman. So they haven't given that many details, but we'll talk a bit about that. And I'm going to talk a bit about Jess Wellman, who I really haven't talked about much on this show. Uh, I've just, yeah, I have some opinions about her, and uh, I've never really expressed them. Nothing too shocking, but uh, we'll get to that at that time. So you know uh, the Global Poker Index... You know that they're expanding that to include esports. No, I didn't. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> you mean like um, part, part of the club? You mean is it combining with poker, or just it's, they're doing esports index too? I mean, I, I don't know the exact details, but I think it's going to be renamed like Global Player Index or something. There's a Poker News article on oh, it. That's stupid. Maybe about a week ago, but yeah, I mean <laughs> they're getting into the uh, the esports market here. That's that's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird thing to combine. Like like think of it in baseball. If there were, it was the the World Series of both baseball and uh, and chess. And uh, you, you know if you, you you can be the world champion in baseball only if you're also good at chess. Well, you know I don't want to be cynical about it, but you remember you know some of the money issues he had, and he's got investors in Hong Kong and all that. Yeah. Real easy to sell them on the esports market, yeah. From the true. point of view of it's growing, and this is how much money is there, and you know maybe yeah. that's kind of what it's about. It probably know. is. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, I actually put it in the chat already, but I'll put it in Skype too. There's a link to the article that I'm talking about. I think it's gonna be called like the Global Player Index or okay. something. Like well, we'll that. talk about that too in that same topic. 
the, the World Series of Poker Circuit has added events in Sacramento and in Florida. We'll talk a bit about that. I don't usually talk about the circuit here, but I know a number of you who listen to the show are not really pro poker players, but you do like the World Series. You do want to try to win a circuit ring. And, uh, and it's a lot easier to play one of the circuit events that comes fairly close to where you live than to travel all the way across the country to Las Vegas for the main World Series of Poker, which is understandable. So we'll talk a bit about the new circuit events. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew Barber. We've talked about him a lot on this show. And I th- someone said, may have been you, Cal Watt, that he probably wouldn't come on this show. And I, yeah. I said, I think he might. I said, of all the social justice warriors on Twitter that are associated with poker, I thought he was the one that might be willing to do that. So, sure enough, he's willing to. He got he got very mad at Karina Jett. He listened to one of the shows we had recently where Karina Jett said some things about what he supposedly said at the poker table. He denied saying these things and then said he may sue Karina and... Then he was saying that uh, he wants to talk, and I thought, okay, maybe he wants to come on the show. So I said, okay, you can come on any time. He said, no, no, I meant meet in person to talk. I said, well, if, you, if you're going to be at the World Series and you want to meet with me, that's fine, but you can also come on the show, so he's going to come on the show. So tonight, he, I have his phone number. Uh, I'm, you know, as, now, as much as uh, I've argued with him on Twitter and may argue with him on Twitter in the future, and as heated as it may get, I am trustworthy with phone numbers. I'm not going to give out his phone number. So even if you, you think, oh, you have Andrew Barber's phone number, give it to me so we can prank him. We're not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to give out his phone number. But we will call him tonight and have an interview with him. Nice. We also will have... I tell you, like you said before, I mean, props to anyone that's going to come on and uh, defend their position. Yes. Right? I have. I, I think anybody we talk about positively or negatively, if, if they are willing to come on, Especially I'm prepared about- to be called a douchebag. <laughs> I, I even told Calwatt, look, if you don't want to participate in this, you don't have to. But, uh, but well, said, I'm going to do what I always do, which is just kind of you know let you do your thing. And if it gets slow or if it makes sense, I'll chime in. But I think having three people talk all over each other is not fun for anyone. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. So, yeah, anybody who we talk about on the show that wants to come on and give their side or their point of view or defend themselves. They're welcome to come on. I don't want to just come on here and rant about someone and then don't give them a chance to respond. That's not fair. That's not fair. I wouldn't like that if someone did that to me. So Mm -hmm. if someone wants to come on here and, and give their side, I may not agree with them. I may not agree after they've given their side. I may argue with them on the air, but they have the chance to come on. So I, I think that's brave of anyone to come on instead of just, hiding or, or responding online where they can take a long time to think about what they say. And well, as, Like you said, man, even if I don't agree with someone, I do re- give him some respect and props for coming yes, on. I, I do. So he's and if to- after all this buildup, he dodges the phone call, all bets are off. <laughs> I don't think he will. I, I think he's probably going to answer. Uh, Brandon Cantu, speaking of someone who we hope will answer, if you remember... We couldn't reach him for the important update on the feet washing thing with genocide because his I'm dying, I'm dying. His What's phone number on? is disconnected. So I looked on Twitter today and I saw he was back on Twitter. So I messaged him and said, "Hey, give me your new phone number." Well, apparently the old phone number is uh, reconnected. I don't know what happened with it, but his phone number is back. And I've texted with him today, and he's willing to come on. So we're going to have a an update call with Brandon Cantu tonight as well. 
I'm just going to fast forward to it, Drew. I think a lot of people. This is, this is this is the hook for the show. Everybody's been waiting weeks to find out where his feet really hand washed by genocide ten years ago. I mean, these are the important issues of our times. Yeah, I, I like yeah. how I like how he volunteered to just go message her after not talking to her for many years after a bad breakup. I say, think he got curious too to say, "Hey, genocide! It's been many years, and I know I broke your heart, but uh, I, I just want to let you know: Did you ever wash my feet with a hand cloth ten years ago?" <laughs> like, like he really did that. That's really what he did. So I, I've got to hear He's the probably response. Curious. Yeah, I've got to hear he the response. Probably didn't know himself. He's curious. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of talk about the Rio, which a lot of people are going to stay at during the World Series of Poker, and there have been many people saying, "Don't stay there. It's not safe. You're going to get your valuable stolen. People will break into your room safe. Your laptop's going to get stolen. All these terrible things are going to happen if you stay at the Rio. You may get mugged." The Rio is portrayed to be a horrible place. I will give you my opinion as to whether you should really be afraid to stay at the Rio. And I will go over some claims that have been made over the years by people who stayed there that uh, claim bad things have happened to them. Not going to name people specifically, but go through just what the claims were and tell you whether those claims should ever be taken seriously or which one should and which one shouldn't. Jow Poker, we had a rep on last week, Tam Nguyen. We had him on during an interview. We've had some controversy since then. Uh, Tam Nguyen seemed to come away from the interview believing that our minds were changed and that we thought Jow Poker was a great site, which everyone should sign up for and also be an affiliate for. He changed our mind. He turned our minds around according to what he thought and that we should delete our critical posts on Poker Fraud Alert about this. Uh, We also had an Australian gentleman Going around telling people lies That Poker Fraud Alert Had shaken them down for advertising money And that when they would not advertise here That we started to talk trash about them Clearly, this did not happen. I'm going to read. I read that in the forums, and I started laughing. Yeah, clearly, this person didn't know the site very well when he would. You know why I was laughing? Because I could just imagine your reaction as soon as you saw that. You were probably like, "What? What? 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 What?" Oh, I was furious. I was furious when I read this. We'll tell you a bit about (laughs) about this. I'll tell you who said it. You guys can find Uh, him on Twitter if you want. I mean, I'm, I'm really pissed about this. The guy just made it up. Now, so we'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Uh, Poker stars. And Ruff, if you were that hard up for advertising, you could have just said something. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, man. Poker stars. <laughs> the funny thing is, I bet they would have accepted that deal too. If I really proposed that to them, like, hey, you know, advertise on here, and I'll I'll give you my little seal of approval. They would say, oh, great, okay. How much do you want? Like, I could I could picture that. As long as it wasn't more than the uh, what what is that? The giant buy-in, you know? Yeah. The, the $250 initiation. <laughs> you know what their marketing budget is now. So as long as it's not more than that, you probably would have gotten in there. Um, the uh, Poker Stars, they had some kind of issue and went offline temporarily. And, of course, this crashed some tournaments and some spinning goes. Poker Stars did not handle it well. And a number of players got screwed, according to reports. So I'm going to tell you what happened here and... Why the players got screwed, and believe it or not, this this is going to shock everybody. Believe it or not, I actually agree, or maybe the very first time, with Justin Bonomo. 
I actually agree with him about something. Mm. Speaking of poker stars, Amaya, which has a name that kind of confuses people since their main business is poker stars and you always have to say Amaya slash poker stars or Amaya, the owner of poker stars. They're tired of that. They're changing their name to the stars group. Nevada state attorney general, Adam Lixalt, L-A-X-A-L-T is how you spell his last name. You may have heard of him because he was the one prosecuting one Brian Mikon for running a Bitcoin poker site called Seals with Clubs. Adam Lixalt is now in controversy himself. He's the focus of an ethics probe involving doing favors for Sheldon Adelson. So the attorney general of Nevada may be in some trouble. That, for some reason, that region of the country has problems with these state attorney generals. Uh, we've, uh, we had the two in Utah that got in trouble for accepting bribes from a telemarketing scammer named Jeremy Johnson, who also was a major poker payment processor. And now we have uh, Adam McSalt, who has not been charged with anything, but maybe, as it's a pretty serious probe, and there seems to be some pretty strong evidence against him. So I'm sure Micon is laughing somewhere right now. The American Gaming Association, which is a, a group of casinos and their interests, they are backing legalized sports betting in any state which wants it. They've, they've kind of changed their minds on this. They've decided that they want sports betting to expand in the U.S., not just be confined to Nevada as it currently is. Finally, a non-poker... Non-gambling topic, but something I think is worth discussing. A while back, the FBI asked Best Buy to have their geek squad on the lookout for child porn on any computers that they're working on. In fact, they offered a $500 reward for anyone who finds child porn on any computer turned in to be worked on there. Which, as you might imagine, might be a problem because they're incentivizing finding something that could easily be slipped on there for that incentive. Yeah, couldn't, they, couldn't they just like boot it up and find one and be like, oh, there it is, you know? Yeah, so that's... That'd uh, be, that would be horrible. Yeah, wouldn't it be you bring, you bring your computer in to be fixed and you've totally not done this and they just sneak it on there? Like, do they get a reward for whenever they turn someone in? Because if they do, I mean... Yes. They're they, incentivized well, to right, fuck you. Right, so they, they had that and somehow... This went on for a while, and there was a case that's been going on for years against a uh, uh, a guy whose computer child porn was found on it. And the guy was probably guilty, to be honest, but uh, his case has been thrown out, and we'll discuss a bit about this whole plan and the flaws with it and what really should be done. How far should the government go to stop child porn? Because it's a pretty serious problem. There are some large child porn rings on the internet where it's exchanged, and you wouldn't believe some of the sick stuff that's being exchanged. I'm not talking about, like, 16-year-olds having sex. I'm talking about, like, real little kids. It's really, really disgusting. Like, if you were to... I mean, you wouldn't want to see it, but if you had heard the description of some of these videos that were found on there, you would, you would just want to find that person and shoot them in the head. At least that's kind of, like, my reaction when I read about some of this stuff. So, really you horrible. You have a carry permit. Just saying. <laughs> real real uh, horrible people involved with this. So for sure something's got to be done. 
and not enough is being done right now, in my opinion. So we're going to discuss the whole thing. And that is our agenda for tonight. And if anything else comes up, you never know. That happens on this show. So what I think we'll do is we'll discuss the World Series stuff. Then we'll get to the Andrew Barber interview, the Brandon Cantu call, and then we'll do the rest of the show. So the World Series of Poker, they they had their ESPN broadcast, which has been dwindling down over the years as far as how much they show. Now, last year they showed the heads up, or maybe even the whole final table live uh, in November on ESPN. I think it's ESPN 2. Someone might be getting a bounty here, Drew. Oh, you already going to be out? I got bottom set, man. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's seven, four, ten, two heart board. I got pocket fours. What I, am I, I going to do? I think you're looking pretty good, honestly. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, for now. But oh. it's it looks like it's going to be a three-way all-in, though. Okay, well, it sounds like you're complaining like you're getting it in bad, but it, it sounds to me like... I, I don't think I'm getting it in bad. Okay, well. Yeah. Um, no, you're going to no. win. You're going to win the whole thing. I can see it. It's yeah. going to happen again. Cal watches... Oh. The- do I get collect to collect my own bounty if no one knocks me off? <laughs> I, yeah, you actually do. You actually do. And you, Calwatch has run so well on these things. It's amazing. You just, I, I think people are just shooting off their money in the free roll, trying to knock you out. I mean, that's the value thing to do. That's the correct strategy. But they don't understand. You just never lose. Well, I mean, the way I play is no set, no bet. So. You know they gotta they gotta be careful. If you ran, no, I mean, they, they, one of the hands was reasonable. He had uh, he had mid pair and a second nut flush draw. Yeah, that's. Know? But of course, against you, he's never going to get. It's kind of like Jamie Gold in two thousand six. Yeah. Just people, whenever they had a draw against him, it was just always brick brick every time. I'm not really sure how to take that draw. I <laughs> is that a compliment? Well, it's that, a, it just it means you're running well. It just means you're running well. There's there only one person in, in all of 2006's main event that run, that uh, bad beat Jamie Gold, and that was actually Brian Mycon, oh, who, nice. who got it on with twos against tens and flopped a two. But that, that's the only person I saw. Every other time Jamie Gold got it in, there'd be huge draws against him, and just never got there, never. So that's part of the reason he did so well that year. Where he's not doing so well right now, though. So. Back to the World Series. They, they, uh, what they would do is, other than the main event, ESPN wasn't televising the smaller events, like they had back when the poker boom was at its peak. But you would typically be able to find, for some events at least, streaming for the final tables of of the smaller events. And with commentating, in fact, uh, Cal Watch friend uh, David Tuckman did a lot of that and, and did a good job. People enjoy Tuckman's commentating. In fact, he commentated the final table I made four years ago, which was streamed in a similar way. Now, the chat room can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'll admit I didn't watch any of these streams because with all the World Series of Poker I play, I don't really feel like watching it also unless it's someone I know at the table or know pretty well. So, I, last I heard, they were streaming this on ESPN3, but maybe they weren't anymore. I, it was being streamed somewhere. I know WSOP.com was being used for the streaming. I don't know if it's still on ESPN3, which is like an internet-only uh, ESPN, which was used, it used to be called ESPN360, 
And in fact, in 2009, I was one of the commentators for the Limit Hold'em final table for the 10K. That was what what, uh, Greg Mueller won that one. So you guys can let me know in the chat room if I'm wrong about that. But anyway, this year, Poker Central now has the rights to streaming this content. They they basically have what Calwatt called the Sloppy Seconds Agreement. <laughs> That's really what they have. It's a ESPN gets the good stuff. They get whatever they think is going to bring the most ratings. And then everything else, including portions of the main event, are going to be broadcast on Poker Central. So Poker who, Central who would use such crude terminology. I, I I'm just quoting what <laughs> I was told. By it's, some, by I mean someone. it it's kind of fitting though. It is. It? I'm not saying I disagree. Yeah. So, Poker Central, you might remember we talked about it in December. And that is, it's a poker-only network that tried very hard to become a real television channel, a real television cable channel. Poker Central's dream was that you'd turn on your cable cable guide and you'd uh, scroll down. And one of the choices, maybe on channel uh, 467, would be Poker Central. Then you'd see various poker programming on there. A little bit original, most of it reruns of stuff that was done in the past. And you'd click on it and you'd watch that. And it would just be one of many, many channels that are offered to you through your cable package. Well, somehow this didn't work. Somehow nobody wanted to carry it. I think they got one taker in Ohio somewhere. Some small cable provider in Ohio took it. That was it. All the other cable and satellite providers said, no, we don't want it. Which honestly surprised me. Because the way these channels are carried by your cable company, is it, they often it's something where it's a, a marketing partnership that's mutually beneficial and neither pays the other. So if it's, a, if it's a channel that's something everyone wants to watch, a big channel like ESPN, TBS, TNT, CNN, Fox News, whatever, you, those people really want to see. So those networks get paid a lot of money by the cable company. They pay per subscriber to these, you know, to these providers. And that's where they make a lot of their money. Then the rest of their money comes from ads they also run during the programming. But smaller networks, smaller stations that are carried by your cable company that don't have such demand are carried for either very little money or for free, where the station is happy to be carried anywhere, so this way their sponsors will want to pay for something, and the cable company is just happy to have an additional channel that gives people more choice. So it's kind of a win-win. Now, before the days of everyone having an advanced converter box that could carry pretty much almost an unlimited number of channels, back in the days before that, there was only a limited number of channels that these converter boxes could carry, or if you didn't have a converter box, even fewer channels that your TV could access just through a coaxial cable connection. So there they couldn't just frivolously add channels that had a very small niche following. But, but these days, to, to add a cable network on there that they don't have to pay for is, is pretty easy. And, and pretty, it costs them very little. 
And I would think something like Poker Central would be one of the perfect candidates for this. But for whatever reason, I'm not a cable company executive. I don't, I'm not an expert in that field. So for whatever reason, this was not attractive to any cable company, any satellite provider, except for this one in Ohio, which eventually dropped it too. So Poker Central had really no outlet other than the web. And there's so much material available to watch on the web, as I'm sure you all know. Yeah, that's the thing, Druff. I mean, it almost feels like to be... I realize it's a lot of work to become like your own cable channel these days. But it almost feels like it's late to the party. I mean, cable is on its way out. You know? I mean, this whole uh, program TV just seems so antiquated. I mean, I, I just canceled my cable, as I told you a little while ago. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, so Poker Central, despite failing in becoming a broadcast provider, and they really did fail, there appears to have been a lot of money behind Poker Central, at least originally. And when we looked into it during our December broadcast, we found a number of people involved with Poker Central who worked for them that seemed like they were probably getting paid a lot of money. They were either getting paid a lot or they were talked into owning a part of it and and working for whatever the profits were, in which case they weren't doing very well. But they, they grabbed a lot of executives from uh, various television networks around the country who you know didn't come cheap, unless, again, they were talked into some sort of uh, ownership piece and working very cheap or for nothing. So... This was a real serious effort. This wasn't just a few idiots putting together what they thought was an idea for a poker channel and then failing. This There was a lot of money, it seemed, behind this, probably coming from uh, uh, th- through a venture capital e- effort. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, it's it's Kerry it's Katz, right? Was it Kerry Katz? It's... Yeah, Kerry Katz is the guy that oh, that's right, founded it. Was, it. That's right. It was Kerry Katz. Yeah, see, and, already... he's, and he's got piles of money from... That's right. That's right. He... he he apparently started a college loan corporation, so he's got piles of money from extorting kids into buying more college than they can afford. That's right. That's right. He's now rolling it back into the poker world. That's right. <laughs> I, see, I, I forgot we had that Carrie Katz discussion in December. This is why I keep you around here. But yeah, that's right. Carrie Katz was. Uh, see, he sunk a lot of money into this. That's right. So, uh, so that's that's why it can. I guess that's why not it's operate by market economics. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know I mean? I, yeah, I guess that's and I guess that maybe why it came back because I, when they announced that they're giving up on the whole uh, broadcast portion, that they're just basically giving up and becoming web only. I'm like, okay, this is the beginning of the end. This this is pretty much done. There's, this is them not quite throwing in the towel, but the, there's no way they're going to maintain this expensive staff and work very hard at this if it's just going to be one of so many web portals out there. For, for entertainment, it's right. just it's, there's no there's no way that could generate much money, especially if with such a niche subject such as poker. So that well, seems that's to, just it. it. It could work if it was really sought after content. Yeah, you know, like if somehow Game of Thrones became its own channel, and there was only one place you could get it, like one streaming place. I mean, I think it would do fine. You know, but but streaming sloppy seconds poker, I I don't know. Yeah, and and so I thought when they thought it was going to be a real broadcast network, even with a niche audience, if they really could have gotten wide coverage through cable channels, even if this cable channel is not paying them anything, then, okay, then 
I can understand still keeping this uh, the staff on board, many of whom were executives and, and other uh, other broadcast companies. But once they went web only and only broadcasting poker, it just it just seemed like uh, that was the end. It seemed it wasn't officially closing, but it looked like that was going to be that. Well, they had a, they had a partnership with the bike for a while, right? Where um, they were paying the bike some money to stream live at the bike on certain days. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there was some content on there, but I'll be honest with you, even, you know, I obviously enjoy poker and all that, but I, I never once have tuned into this. No, stuff. I haven't either. I just I, haven't even bothered. It's, I, didn't know, know anybody who, I didn't know anybody who did. And yeah, I know there's they, be somebody, but I just don't know who. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and they produced, yeah, they did produce some content. They produced the, the $100,000 super high roller celebrity shootout. That's, what, That's the, right. Vanessa Self won that in 2015. So they, they produced something, but that also seemed to be on the decline of, of anything they were producing. There was original content, and it, it just seemed like this was circling the drain, Poker Central. And I thought in December when I heard this announced, I thought within a few months we were going to hear it just shutting down completely. And that's, I, I believe both of us came to that conclusion during that segment of the show. Well, since then, to be honest, because I didn't care much about Poker Central, I haven't thought of them. I just, they were not on my mind even once, not even in passing. I, I just never thought of them since we did that segment in December, which is probably why I forgot Carrie Katz was behind it. But oddly enough, the World Series has announced. Holy crap. Carrie Katz has got six kids? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Is it all from the same woman? or Probably not. It says he and his wife, Jackie, have six really? kids. Okay. What props to him for staying with the same woman and having six kids? I, well, no, I mean, not just that. I mean, he had to do really well to be able to afford all those. <laughs> I'm, I'm it, being it, serious. It's not just affording it. It's just I. It just seems like so much work. Even if you have a lot of money, it, it seems like a lot of work to have six kids. It's a ton of work. and You, you literally, I mean, you don't have to, but. I would want to have like in-house help, oh, you yeah. know, like an all pair or something, you know. God. There was a worker that I I hired to come over to the house a number of years ago, and he had eight kids. I, I believe he's a Mormon guy, but well, eight kids Holy is crazy. Crap. And I actually I knew another Mormon family in the '90s who had eleven kids, and they weren't pull they, out guys, and they didn't even have much money. This this Mormon family with eleven kids, they were kind of a poor Mormon family with eleven kids. I, and I'm not being snobby about it, like saying, you know, hey, if you don't have money, you shouldn't reproduce. I'm just saying it's hard. You know, like it, it's hard and it's expensive. And to, if you got six kids, there's no way that his wife can be working and and be able to take care of that many kids. Even if she's not like, working she's to, no, ki- to take care of any, that many kids, it's tough. I was going to say that even if she's not working, like she would need some kind of help, you know, whether that is an in-house assistant or a lifetime prescription to Xanax or something, you know? <laughs> you need something. Wow. I, I thought when you said he had six kids, I pictured, okay, this rich guy has six kids. Maybe he just banged different women over time and got some of them pregnant. But that, that's not it. It sounds like it was just doesn't, his wife. It doesn't look like it. I mean, it says he was a, at one point was the president of a Catholic school. Hmm. So maybe that's where the six kids come from. Yeah, maybe you know, they're the not using birth every control. Every sperm is sacred kind of thing. <laughs> you, know? you remember that Monty Python Yes, skit? yes. So anyway, back to Poker Central. Uh, they they inked a deal with the World Series of Poker that they are going to be the outlet for streaming of anything that ESPN is not going to carry. They're going to stream part of the main event. Part of it will be uh, ESPN, but part of it will be on Poker Central. 
then they're also going to be streaming a lot of the smaller events. The final tables, presumably. I have a feeling it'll be similar to what we've seen in previous years, except it'll just be on Poker Central. Now, I don't know if they're also going to stream it on on WSB.com or if this is something you have to go directly to PokerCentral.com to watch. But either way, it's going to be produced by Poker Central. It's going to be their job to provide this content. Now, do you know if if Tuckman's going to be working for them, or have you heard about this? I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll tell you, from what I was reading from people making comments on this, people were hoping he comes back. People were hoping that they would hire him. He is. Uh, I, I I think I can say that he's uh, he's going to be involved in some way. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's what people seem to want. That that I I'd like to see that. I think he he does a good job. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like before I ever met uh, Tuckman or Bart or those guys, I had seen them on Live at the Bike. And 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 Dave, I'm sorry for saying this, but I, I honestly thought that Dave was, I, I thought I would hate Dave. I thought he would, I thought I would cons- like think of him as like a, a complete douchebag. Well, you thought if you met him, <laughs> you know you thought I mean? if you met him in person, you'd think he was a douche? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but totally wrong. Like, totally wrong. Really? He's actually I, a really, really awesome it's funny. So I didn't get that. Was when I watched back, you know, people were complaining during the stream of me on the World Series uh, final table four years ago the, of the limit event. People were complaining that David Baker was talking shit about me constantly, which he was. He was one of the guest uh, commentators there. But when I I went back and listened to it or watched it, I I said, well, you know, Tuckman handled this very well. He he never joined in with any of that. He even sometimes defended me. Like, uh, I I think he said something about, yeah, you know, Todd really has taken a lot of bad beats here. Like, he he was, uh, he was, he never joined in with any of that. He was very professional about it and... He didn't come off at all like a douche or a jerk to me from from watching that. So I, I, I was impressed with Tuckman's work on that. And, and I've seen some other – I don't watch the streaming final tables very much, but when I have watched them, I always seem to get that impression from watching him. So anyway. He, he is a great guy, though. He really is. Yeah, so and, I, and this is coming from someone that was predisposed to think otherwise. That's true. That's true. Sometimes, <laughs> especially when you come in believing you're not going to like someone, and then yeah. and then you end up liking them. That shows they they must have really made a good impression because if they just make an okay impression, you still can convince yourself to hate them. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, th- here's the schedule of what uh, ESPN is going to broadcast of the main event, and then we'll get to what. Else is changing. They're going to be July, on July 8th, day 1A. On July 9th, day 1B. On July 11th, days 2A and 2B, which I guess are together. July 12th, day 2C. July 14th, day 4. So they're, they're not televising uh, day 3 for whatever reason, nor are they televising day 1C. July 15th, day 5. July 16th, day 6. July 17th, day 7. Then they're going to have like a little final table preview program on July 19th. This is all in ESPN. July 20th, they're going to have nine players playing down to six. And you say, wait a minute, July 20th? Shouldn't this be in November? No, because they're doing away with the November 9. It's all going to take place in July now. The whole main event is going to be done in July. So on July 20th, it's going to be nine players playing down to six. Then July 21st, six players playing down to three. 
And then July 22nd, the final three are going to be playing until they have a winner. So on July 22nd, or maybe the early morning of the 23rd, I think they're starting at 9 p.m., which is kind of a weird starting time, but that's uh, that's when they're starting. That's when the final three at the main event are going to be playing until they crown a winner. Hopefully, you know, I hate I hate to be a skeptic, but what a lot of this said to me when I first heard about it was basically no production value. You know what I mean? Like they were just doing whatever minimal production value. And I, I don't know the details of all this stuff. Does this mean that like Lon and Norm are gone? Is yeah, that what that means? I, I don't know. But yeah, they, they're actually going to be broadcasting for hours. Yeah, on each of these days I mentioned, it's going to be anywhere between uh, two and four hours. But it's just going to be a stream, right? Yeah, on ESPN and ESPN2. It's not right. gonna, I mean, it's not going to be an internet stream. It's going to be on broadcast at ESPN and ESPN2. But... I got it. But what I mean is like, I mean, I can't imagine Lon and Norm are going to sit there for all that time. And, I mean, that's a great and, question. I Maybe the chat room could tell us, but that's a great question. <laughs> it is hard to believe that those two are going to do so many days' worth of work, but maybe they will because they're not sitting – other than the final table, which may take a little longer. It's also not their strength, though. You know what I mean? I mean, they're fantastic at what they do, but their their strength is not – as far as I know, doing live commentary. That's true because a lot of the witty comments you hear from them are, are rehearsed and, and done in several takes, and they they watch the footage beforehand and they think about what to say. So it's it's really not a spontaneous thing, and it's it's a different talent to spontaneously broadcast and, right. and commentate on events. And I'm I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but doesn't this sort of seem like you know poker as a packaged produced tv show is gone and they're just kind of like well fuck it we'll stream it and if anyone wants to watch it that's okay we didn't spend a whole lot of money on talent or production you know yeah i mean they they're giving it airtime on pretty well watched uh channels but but yeah you're right and as far as production it, it may be what hours though <laughs> well the, the hours are listed i didn't read them but like on, on july 8th day 1a it's 4 p.m to 8 p.m on July 9th, it's 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to be on ESPN okay. regular or ESPN2. It's going to be mit- matched and mixed with both of them. But uh, it's not going to be the middle of the night. It's always going to be, for the most part, it's going to be either in the afternoon or the evening. All right. I mean, maybe I'm being overly cynical. It's just, that was my first impression without you know, delving into the details of exactly what the product is going to end up being. It just seemed like the, you know... They were just streaming it and not a whole lot spent on talent or production value and whatever it is. It that is. may be the case. We, we'll just have to see, I guess, when uh, when they do it. And Now, what about Poker Central? Well, they were told, you have the right to stream whatever you want that isn't on ESPN. But mm. you guys just choose. If you, so that really is sloppy seconds. It really is. <laughs> really, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like uh, the, the guy who can get any girl he wants in, in the school. And then says to his buddy, you know, you're not to touch any of the chicks I'm dating. But anyone else in the school you want to date that I'm not dating, you can date her. Well, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if the, whatever they don't stream is like just all the hands of like people tanking? <laughs> you know, like the actual action uh, ESPN streams and then they, the Poker Central gets nothing but... People tanking and just horrible stuff that no one's ever going to want to see. I mean, brutal. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I will, uh, 
I have to see what. The, well, you know, they do have rights to one C and three because those aren't even being broadcast by ESPN. That's days one C and three, and also whatever hours are not being broadcast that I listed here. I mean, I didn't list all the hours, but uh, they also get rights to all the other events, which ESPN is. They're not touching those. So Poker Central, I, I think they just get to choose. They get to decide for themselves what they think they feel like streaming, and then they'll do it. This is what World Series of Poker director Ty Stewart says. Now, Ty Stewart, he's the head of the World Series. Uh, under him are Seth Polanski and Jack Effel. And so that's kind of the hierarchy there at the World Series. If the, those are the three... Uh, management figures involved in the World Series and have been for a long time. So this is what Ty Stewart said. He said, ESPN has been our home since 2002 and we're delighted to extend the relationship for the next decade. Having everyday live coverage of the World Series of Poker main event is truly a huge commitment on behalf of the ESPN and Poker Central and we look forward to delivering to our faithful audience wall-to-wall action from the outset for the very first time. So this is true that before, you weren't seeing live streaming from day 1A. That's a new thing. So they're trying to say, you're, you're, going, to start, you're going to see featured tables from the main event stream live and broadcast on ESPN, whereas before they weren't. They had featured tables, but they were broadcast later, which I always thought was kind of anticlimactic. So they're going more toward the instant gratification, the seeing things live as they're happening. Now, it's not going to be completely live. It'll be about a half an hour delayed, which, of course, means that anyone who's at one of these feature tables will have this new factor involved that you they can find out what their opponents had and when they were being bluffed, blah, blah, blah. They can find all this out with a half hour delay. And even though they won't be able to have their phones at the table, presumably, they can just go to the rail and talk to their friends. Go to take a bathroom break. Yeah, and, and, and say, hey, what did this person have? And that's not even cheating because that's, it becomes part of the game. If you don't do it, right. then, then you're at a disadvantage because others are doing it, and there's nothing to prohibit anyone from doing it. So if you don't do this, you're stupid. So I never like this streaming by half an hour delay because I think it really changes the game unless they take some real tough steps to prevent the players from being communicated with by someone who's watching this because it's I think it just really sucks that you know a big part of the game is someone runs a bluff what you think might be a bluff on you they go all in you think okay are they full of crap or or do I fold like like my decision with against Cantu that I described the king 10 hand did he ever tell you no, I'm sure he didn't problem? remember I didn't ask him I'm sure he didn't remember it's, it's oh that's right but you were just one of hundreds of conquests yeah so one of the big points of poker is you don't know when that person puts you all in and you fold if they really had it unless they show you so then you have to wonder the next time when they pull on you were they bluffing the previous time and it's a whole meta game that goes on in your head and it's a big part of poker but if you can find out what they had every time half an hour later then that can influence your decision so and you can also find out a lot about their play style if you see, you know, if you see someone you think he's bluffing a lot, but you're not sure because he's not turning over hands, well, well, you find out from your friend. Well, yeah, either he's running really hot and hitting hands every time, or no, this guy's just firing every time and everyone's folding to him. Like this is important stuff you can find out. So I don't like it, but that's the way it is. And as far as Poker Central is concerned, I wonder how much they paid 
for these rights. Because they, they didn't just get these rights for nothing. They, they paid the World Series of Poker something to have these rights to broadcast the ESPN sloppy seconds. So how much is that worth? How much did they pay? How much did Kerry Katz fork over for this, presuming you know, it came from him? And how much is Poker Central going to make from this? Like, what, what is their business plan on this? So now they're going to get some eyeballs watching them. But what are they going to do with it? Are they, do they think this is a springboard to get people watching them again? Or I shouldn't say again, watching them for the first time. Like, is this just to bring traffic into the site and maybe get people used to going to Poker Central? Or are they going to try to monetize this at all, maybe with advertisements, either you know running during the broadcast or on the side of the screen? Uh, companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in various marketing efforts just to get people to go to a web page. So, I mean, you could just consider this one big living, breathing advertisement. It could be, but I'm afraid what's going to happen with them is that people are going to watch this and say, okay, well, now no reason to go to Poker Central anymore. World Series yeah. is over. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, be next, we'll be back next year to see more uh, free-streamed content. Thank you. You're, if you're still here, we'll, uh, we'll be back. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes I feel that way about this show. When we have someone we're interviewing that everyone wants to hear, I know there's a very large percentage of the, of the new listeners then who don't even think about coming back. They just have heard the interview and they go, okay, I just want to hear this person. They don't even think of coming back. Nothing wrong with that. We retain some of them, but a lot of them just leave and never come back. Now, I I like to do it anyway. I think it makes the show interesting, and I also think that we do retain some people from that, and that helps the audience grow. But uh, at Poker Central, it's even worse because this is very specific content that people are coming for a very specific reason. They want to see a World Series final table streamed or they want to see portions of the main event streamed. And I just don't know how many people are going to make this connection in their head like, oh, maybe I should come here when the World Series isn't running to see what's on here. I, don't, I just don't think many people are going to think of that. You know why it's even worse for Poker Central? Is Poker Central actually has a burn rate. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've, they've got... I'm sure a ton of money that they pay in salaries and expenses and all that kind of stuff to put all this stuff on. And, you know, we all know that uh, you're making money from your Jow Poker sponsorship, so you basically run the site for free, (laughs) right? But seriously, I mean, the, the fact that they have a burn rate is a very significant difference. You know, you can, you can afford to run this as a, a hobbyist thing for pretty much as long as you feel like doing it. Um, with them, at some point, if they don't generate revenue, they're <laughs> they're going to be out of luck. That, that's what I thought had already happened too. That's what I thought was I thought they were uh, done in December. But. I mean, I'm sure Kerry Katz has got plenty of money, and I'm sure he knows lots of other people that got plenty of money. That as long as they find it interesting, they'll they'll keep it afloat. But I mean, at some point, if they don't produce something, you know, I, I would think that the uh, the spigot would be cut off. You know? Yeah. And I wonder if his six kids are sitting here going, damn it, this is our inheritance money. Stop it. Stop with Poker Central. Or, or you know what, Druff? Another way to think about it is Poker Central might be Kerry Katz's version of Poker Fraud Alert. Mm. Like that's that's his hobbyist thing, right? <laughs> and it's just it's all relative. It's a more know, expensive he's, hobby, he's, yeah. He's got piles of money, and this is something that he likes. He loves poker, and... It's his hobbyist thing, and if it loses a little bit of money, you know, no big deal. 
I just wonder about these executives they hired. I just remember going through this list of people and go, wow, this person had a really good job at this company and that company. Like there, there were some real heavy hitters in the industry that they hired that unless, yeah. as, as I said, unless they had some ownership in it, it must, it must've come pretty expensive. So I don't think funding is a problem. I think it's more, uh, how long it's going to keep his interest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure that, and and again, I don't know. I haven't seen their balance sheets. Maybe it's a lot better or a lot worse than I'm imagining. But I, I would imagine that uh, he can run this as a hobby for probably as long as he wants to. Yeah, probably. Oh, you by know? the way, here, here's we have some answers as to Lon and Chad. Okay. This is from Forum Wars, who always comes oh, up. Nice. With, he always comes up with the good stuff here during the broadcast. They're like we we yeah, say we don't know something or we wonder something, and there's bang in the chat room. Like that's why I open the chat room. Like I wonder if someone like Forum Wars is is giving information. So, uh, broadcast hosts returning. There will be familiar faces in the broadcast booth who have made the World Series of Poker known around the world. Norman Chad, Lon McCarron, and Antonio Esfandiari have handled the live commentary duties together in ESPN in recent years. But there could be a slight change. There might be parts of the main event coverage that airs on Poker Central in, w- in which one or all of us are not in the booth, Norman Chad told Cards Chat by phone on Monday. Plus, obviously, when Antonio is playing on day one and beyond, he will not be in the booth. So <laughs> I, I can't believe that, that not only are they going to be on those ESPN ones, but they're actually considering being in the booth uh, during the Poker Central stuff. Mm. I mean, That's it, surprising. They're going to be pretty busy, uh, Norman and Lon, unless they're being paid well enough that they want to do it. Or if they're like tag teaming, but I, I, I just can't imagine like either Norm or Lon like on their own in the booth. Like I, I just can't even. Imagine I guess we'll it. see. I guess, I guess we'll get to see what. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll get to see their their ad libbing qualities rather than. You know what though? I I remember. I think that they did one. They must they must have done something where they were doing it live, because I remember an interview. I believe with Lon, where he was talking about how different it was that they were doing uh, the broadcast live because of what they were used to. Uh, I think it might have been on the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast, actually. So I think at some point, I think there was a live stream that both of them were on just kind of there. I'm vaguely remembering actually watching part of it, too. A a chatter named Seabach Cockshot. I love the names of some of these people in the chat. Seabach Cockshot said, yes, they did it live, and it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Was it as bad as Seabach's Cockshot, though? That's a good question. And then the snake in the ass is saying they should put Lyman in the booth. That's if they want everyone turning it off immediately. That, I mean, for however long that lasts, that might actually be entertaining. (laughs) You know? So... Yeah, but Lyman, by the way, he 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 hates the fact that people listen to this show. He gets anytime someone mentions listening to Poker Frottler, he always has to tweet back, even if they're not talking to him. What you still listen to Poker Frottler? Ha ha! Like he he mocks anyone who listens to this show. It seems to bother him that anyone who listens to this show. He he wants to make people foolish or feel foolish for listening to this show. And then if you ever mention that he got fired. Then he also gets very defensive and starts telling you he wants to prop it with you that he didn't get fired, and he he's very sensitive about the firing thing, and he he just really really hates the idea of this show having listeners, especially I think because he doesn't have his own show anymore. So Lyman, uh, it's not just when it's brought up to him. Like I'd understand people throw something in his face having to do with this show, and then he 
responds in a nasty fashion. He just he just brings it up. Druff, is this crazy or is it? Is there some sexual tension between you two? No, no, no. I just <laughs> I just Lyman. He, he seems to think he's like some sort of rival of mine or something. I don't I don't get it. And he's not anymore for sure because he doesn't have a show anymore. Ooh, sick burn. Oh, it's true. I mean, I, there's nothing to compete with here. It's There's no show. It's gone. I mean, it's not gone. Well, I wonder gone. if he could have one if he wanted one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I obviously don't know the details. But I wonder if uh, he got bored one night and he wanted to fire something up if he could. Well, he could probably turn on some kind of stream, but he wouldn't know how to use Skype. <laughs> He, he actually asked me for tech support help for Skype uh, yeah. while we were interviewing him. It was unbelievable. He, he, he's, like, he's sitting here insulting me, and then he's like, hey, uh, can, can you help me learn how to take calls on Skype? <laughs> oh, man. He's like, hey, Druff, you know you're, I mean? you're like stupid. I, Nobody I listens wonder- to you. Your show sucks. And uh, oh, oh, can you help me with Skype, please? <laughs> I, I wonder if there's a, a non-computer something or for a period of time. There might be. Something. I don't know. He also, I, I mean, if there isn't, I would think that if he really wanted to do a show, he could just fire up Twitch and, and blab away, right? You know, it may be wanted. one of these things where he was so used to being paid for it that he can't bring himself to do it and not get paid just because he almost feels like it's an insult that no one's hiring him to do it. So it, it could be one of these things like it's like almost like admitting defeat that he has to do a show for free. Mm. It know. could be something like that, too. So, let me uh, let's see what what else here. So I, I guess we'll... J Stat says that Lyman went on Twitch tonight, hitting golf balls from his deck with uh, a wood. Oh, that sounds like riveting uh, <laughs> internet TV. So, okay, I want to make some comments about the November nine before we move on. I thought it was a terrible idea when it was first introduced. I, they were already getting a little late to the party when they introduced it. I think it was in 08. And their plan was that the months in between would be a promotional run-up for the nine players who made the final table and that they'd appear on all these talk shows all, o- all over the country and everyone would get to know their names and they'd become almost like celebrities and every all the, you know, the, the general public would get to know these nine people and then wonder, okay, so who's going to win now? Instead of just being thrust into the main event, a final table with nine names of whom you don't know most of them going in. That was their idea. And also... How, how long were they sequestered for? They weren't... Well, I mean, they, they was delayed for you know, four months. Yeah, so, I, I always thought that if they really wanted to do that, what they should have done is like made a Big Brother kind of show. You know, just lock them all, all nine of them, just lock them in a room and put cameras everywhere. <laughs> that might be more interesting. And this introduced a lot of problems, in my opinion, in that uh, it kind of broke the whole concept of a poker tournament where whatever skills you bring in to a poker tournament, is the, those are the skills you basically have. There's no time to learn anything in between. You don't have that much time to learn about your opponents. You don't have much time to get coaching or practice, or get, you know, you, you just whatever you're bringing to the table on day one is what you have at the final table. And this is obviously very different, and it's for so much money that's at stake at that point, that in the four months in between, you can get coaching, 
You can learn about the opponents. You can watch videos of the, of the opponents if there's any video of them playing anywhere. There's a lot you can do, which normally you could not in a regular tournament format. And and what they felt was the upside to this was that the nine people who made the final table would become some sort of like celebrities. It never materialized. Nobody cared. Still, you got to November and you didn't really know the names very well. Uh, the The mass media was not interested in these people. There was no run-up. There was no interest. So it was just an unnecessary four-month delay. Now, fortunately, we never had anything bad happen in those four months, such as somebody dying or getting really sick in between. It helped that most of the people who made the final table were pretty young. In fact, uh, when uh, Johnny Bax made the final table at age 50, I think he was the oldest one by far that's made it since the November 9 started, but... Uh, still, Quee Win, the winner, was a little bit older too, right? Yeah, he was. He wasn't fifty, but yeah, he was. He was uh, like late thirties. Yeah, something. I think thirty-nine or something. So, and that's that's old by main event standards for the final table these days. But I feel fucking ancient. Oh, I know. If I, I <laughs> the, the year when I made it to eighty-eighth, and this was seven years ago, when I was thirty-eight, I would have been the oldest one had I made it to the final table. And I thought, wow, that's that's crazy. I would have been the old man there. And that was seven years ago. Mm. If I made it this year, I, I'd really be the old guy. Unless there was a fluke again, like someone like Johnny Bax making it at age 50. So, <clears throat> fortunately, nobody had anything happen to them. But if they did, it, it could be unfair, especially for somebody, let's say someone who is much older, someone who's 74 years old and somehow makes it to the final table. Well, okay, they they have a realistic chance of dying or developing some sort of major health issue in those four months, and it's not fair to them. Or someone could just have bad luck, get in a bad accident, whatever. I, I just thought that's another unnecessary complication that shouldn't be introduced. But But since that wasn't all that likely, that wasn't the bigger problem. The bigger problem was that people could practice, people could get coaching, people could do research on their opponents, they could talk to friends that may have played against these opponents before and get tips. It just, it adds a lot of artificial advantages for certain people that they wouldn't have had in a traditional tournament format. And I don't know very many people who liked the November 9. I I didn't hear that many people defending it or saying they enjoyed it or they're happy that that delay existed. There were some people at the time who thought it was a good idea for for the reason the World Series was saying it was. But then as time passed, it seemed like Everybody was either neutral on it or didn't like it. You know what happened to me? Like, I would get all geared up when the World Series came around, kind of in poker mode and all that. And then I I would get back to my normal life, and I would forget, honestly, like, when that was coming on. That's true. That was the other problem. really would. That was the other problem. The World Series, it's it's in a a compact series of weeks. It still takes, you know, seven weeks or so, but... it's one after another after another, so everybody's following who's winning the bracelets, who's uh, you know, who's doing well, who's not doing well, blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody is in, like you said, World Series mode, and then it's, seem- it's seemingly over, so you stop thinking about the World Series, and by the time it comes back in November, yeah, it's, it's everyone's mind is off of it. So, yeah, it was dumb for a lot of reasons, and especially today, now that the poker world and... and the excitement for poker and the mainstream coverage of poker is different than it was when the November 9 was first introduced. It made no sense to continue. So finally, someone realized this and decided that they're just going to finish the main event as they had in the past 
Now, do you think this ties into the ESPN deal with them not wanting to produce and promote a packaged piece of programming as poker? Uh, what, what do you mean? I don't understand the question. So the November 9, you know, in theory, uh, ESPN would promote it and hype it, and they would do all that background work, interviewing. They would do the uh, the pieces on the guys and, you know, a whole lot of post-production work. Do you think that one of the reasons for eliminating the November 9 has to do with however they renegotiated the contract with ESPN, where ESPN said, yeah, we'll carry it, but we're not going to spend a ton of money yeah, that could be. producing this You're stuff. right. It could be that, that this does cut out that portion of it where it's reasonable that they don't have that much time to put together pieces about each of these uh, final table participants. They, they always put together something. But It just seems like that's yet another thing that essentially equates to um, you know, less overhead, lower production value and time. Yeah, it, pro- it probably does. And it also might be – the whole thing might be a reflection upon the, the whole Twitch culture of poker today that peop- people just want to see what's happening live for instant gratification. They want to feel like they're watching something as it occurs. They don't want to feel like they're watching something that's already happened that, and that most people know right. the results of. That they, They're watching it as it's happening, that it's exciting, that as stuff is going on, yeah, it's a half an hour behind, but for the most part you're watching something as it's occurring and – you're not watching something where you know the result and you just want to see how the hands played out. And that's it. So I I think it's along those lines too. And I think they probably also just decided that whatever reasons they switched to November 9 were kind of obsolete by this point. And and maybe what you're saying is true too, that they they, they are going towards a more low-budget, less-production, live-streaming type of format. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that definitely could be a factor. Yeah, it could be, for sure. Uh, and Jstat is saying something in chat that I think makes complete sense, uh, which is that ESPN likely has an opt-out option uh, if this year's ratings suck. You know, and they are signing a multi-year contract, but if, you know, if the new format is horrible, I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they have some way out. Yeah, they might. Well, uh, I'll tell you about the next topic here. Speaking of getting a way out, the World Series of Poker had a partnership with the Global Poker Index, and the Global Poker Index was being used to determine the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. And upon looking at the details, a lot of poker fans and even poker players were not very happy with it. It did not seem to be a fair system that weighted the events properly. And there were all kinds of ways that people would get uh, a ridiculous number of points where it's not really deserved and relatively few points where they should have gotten way more. And the, the ones who got screwed the most by the GPI system were the winners of the large field $1,500,000 buy-in type events at the World Series, which, to be honest, to win one of those is a pretty impressive feat. Because you're you're outlasting a very large field. You're outlasting a very large field, and your competition is still yeah, somewhat tough. At the beginning, there's a number of fish, but uh, as you get deeper, you're against a lot of very competent tournament players, and you've got to outlast all of them through both luck and skill. And it, it's just a very hard thing to do to win one of those things. Uh, snake in the ass is saying... <clears throat> I don't know if this is the case, but the, that the November 9 was the creation of the guy 
that ran the Epic Poker League into the ground with uh, Annie Duke, Howard's sister. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't uh, remember it, the guy's uh, name. Je- uh, Jeffrey Pollock. Is that tr- is that true? It it I think it might have been. I I don't quite remember the timing, but I think I think he's right. So anyway, the there was a lot of criticism of the GPI, and I remember there was an article written last year by a longtime poker media figure named Jess Wellman. And she pointed out very accurately a lot of stupid things about the GPI system. She always struck me as a very smart cookie. She is. She's smart. She she is a uh, she's been around. I don't think she's been much of a poker player. She's played a few events here and there, but she has been part of. Actually, I guess it was two years ago. I thought it was last year. It's actually two years ago, but. Uh, She's been part of the poker media in some way or another. She's also even had jobs within poker that weren't necessarily media jobs, kind of production-type jobs. In fact, she was the one who was in charge of... Traderuski. Yeah. No, she wasn't in, tra- in charge of Traderuski. No. She but was Traderuski's a- in chat. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, he's, he's welcome to come on. Yeah. She, she was the one in, in charge of the final table that I appeared at uh, four years ago. She wasn't... Uh, floor woman or anything, but she was kind of charged in charge from the production standpoint. She told us we can't use our phones, and she, she made all the rules there at the table. So, and yeah, she, she's a very smart girl. And, uh, you know, someone who's, who's sharp, someone who you're, you're reading things she wrote, and if you don't agree with her, that it seems like she's writing these things from an intelligent point of view. That uh, you really see something from her and think, wow, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. So, she wrote a blog in 2015. Uh, Trader Ruski, I, I got to put you on. For some reason, we have a hard time when he calls in. Whenever he calls in, I can never answer it without cutting you off. So we're gonna put him on this way. Okay, so here's what's happening, boys. Hello, Trader Ruski. Welcome, Trader Ruski. What's happening? So, anyway, she. Uh, she highlighted some real issues with uh, the Player of the Year. And uh, she wrote a blog in 2015 called Player of the Year Problems. And she said she gave some examples. She gave 10 different examples of, of how stupid the global poker index system was. Uh, if you min-cash the main event in 1,000th place, then you get uh, 98.45 points. If you win... The Colossus, you get 101 points. <laughs> so I mean, you almost get the same number of points for min-cashing the main event in a thousandth place as you would get for winning that massive Colossus event. I mean, that's just obscene. Uh, she said that uh, <clears throat> three seventh-place finishes in the 10K events that have 150 players would get you 900 points combined. But winning three bracelets in the 1K no-limit events that have fields of 3,000 players would get you 711 points. (laughs) And you also wouldn't have as many points as the person who won the main event. So even if you won three bracelets in those 1K events with 3,000 people or more, you would be clinched out of winning the player of the year 
unless you won something else. You'd be clinched out of it because the main event champion would get 782 points. So uh, it's obscene. She was saying three seventh place finishes in 10K events with 150 people gets you way more points than three bracelets in 1K events with 3,000 people. So it goes on like that. I'm not going to read the rest of them, but um, that's the general scheme of what was going on. So this was ridiculous. It was a horrible system. I, I can understand where systems aren't perfect or where there's debates about how many points you should get for large buy-in events versus small buy-in events, but this was just insane. This gave way too much for those that cashed or final tabled the larger events and way too little for those that won or came you know, in very high places in the uh, in the small to medium buy-in events, even if they had huge fields. So she raised this issue. I, I don't know. People were saying it was uh, two years ago, and I'm saying one year. I don't know. One or two years ago. doesn't matter. But she raised this issue. The World Series of Poker has announced that they are abandoning the Global Poker Index formula and that they are going to use their own formula, which they have not announced yet. But it's a vastly different formula. And Seth Polanski has revealed that the person behind the current formula was Jess Willman, that she was the one responsible for, quote, most of these changes, which is good because... Someone who wrote an intelligent and accurate article criticizing all the issues with the Global Poker Index formula is likely a good person to fix it. So, like, if I had read her article and thought it was crap, then i say, oh, no, we're going to have another terrible formula. But I have to imagine, both from seeing what Jess Wellman has done before and from the article she wrote about this very subject in the past that she probably put together the best formula they've had yet. Twelve years ago, there were actually two player of the year formulas out there. There was the card player formula, and there was the World Series of Poker ESPN formula, which were different from one another. The uh, The ESPN formula was the better of the two. It's just like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken secret formula, that kind of thing? Yeah, and extra crispy. I guess card players. Fancy, lots of hard math that goes into it. Yeah. Well, in 2005, the final table draft. The the one who finished as player of the year for the World Series, according to the ESPN and uh, World Series formula, was Alan Cunningham. Mm. The one who finished as World Series of Poker player of the year in the card player formula was a young lad named Todd Wittellis. <laughs> True, look it up. Mm. Now, Card Player was embarrassed by this because and this is their own formula that did this. The, but they were embarrassed by this because it was clear that other players had better World Series than me. I had a good World Series that year for sure, but that I had a first and a third that year, and that was it. In uh, you know, medium to large field limit hold'em events, one of them was a thousand something players; the other one was four hundred something players. I admit it. Did you work the system? Yeah, did you, inten- I did. Did you intentionally try to uh, boost that rating. I said I don't care about this bracelet. All I care about is the card player uh, World Series of Poker Player of the Year. 
but but somehow those events were were weighted unfairly in in uh, the favor of the, of the winners or, or high finishers and the other events uh didn't get as like i think that kind of the middle buy-in events with a decent sized field but not huge field got like really just disproportionately awarded so that's how i got it ahead of people like a cover were you on the cover well i'll i'll get to that so i i, okay, I so uh alan cunningham who had a better world series in, including uh, making the final table the main event uh, or no, no, I'm sorry, that was the next year he made the main event. But but he he had a better series overall. Uh, Mark Safe actually won two bracelets. I, I don't like Mark Safe, but he did have a better series than I did. That guy's still around? No, no, he's gone. And uh, there were, you know, I should have been up there as far as World Series Players of the Year in 2005, but uh, definitely not the winner. But I was the winner for card player, and they were embarrassed by this because they made him look stupid. Because it was clearly, it was clear, especially with everyone watching that year. It was 2005, it was the poker boom in full swing. So people were watching very closely. Well, they were embarrassed by this, and they didn't know what to do. Because they didn't want to promote me and look foolish. But at the same time, this was their formula. They couldn't go back and change the formula retroactively to award it to somebody that they thought was more deserving. So they just kind of covered it up. They they did nothing. They didn't give me any awards like they had in previous oh, years. Oh, man. Yes. And then, and then they just briefly gave me a blurb in Jeff Shulman's little column on, on page five of the of one of the magazines. Like, oh, and That's brutal. Todd had a great series, blah, blah, blah. So congratulations, Todd. That's it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and Alan Cunningham, he got a truck. He got wow. a truck from ESPN, and I, I got a little blurb in, in, like, page five of Car Player buried in there. So... Talk yeah. about getting the brass ring. Yeah, I, I really did. So now the, the only consolation was I didn't really feel I deserved it. I, I kind of like I, when I won that, when I realized I won it. Yeah, but it's not your fault how they had the numbers. You right, should, right. I mean, so like I had mixed feelings. Like I thought, well, I didn't really deserve it. At least giving you a Kia. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> at least give me like a bicycle. Maybe I could have something. Uh, I could have given it to Larry Laffers. I don't know, but. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was kind of crappy. I won card player player of the year. That's why people don't believe me. Like they don't remember seeing me on card player's uh, cover. They don't remember any fanfare about it. And they're right. There was there was no mention of it. But if you look it up, I was the card player magazine World Series of Poker player of the year in 2005. But they tried their best to cover it up. It wasn't personal towards me. They would have done this to anybody who 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 won it in this fashion. And it wasn't my fault, but that's what they did. It's one of <laughs> That's fucking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Did, like Lyman the black ever, sheep? did Lyman ever win the card player player of the year? No, no. He he won the uh, Live at the Bike an, an Annoying Commentator of the Year Award. The, oh, he's got that locked up. Yeah, or the uh, – he, he won the the Meltdown Master of the Year for 2017. I know. I was so, I was so hoping, like, that bust at the bike happened, you know, Couple weeks too late. I would have been. I would have loved to seeing him dragged out of there. <laughs> How great would that have been? Yeah. So a- anyway, they they've changed this. They're, I guess they'll reveal the formula later. I, I hope they reveal the formula. I hope they don't keep it a secret. Did you ever talk to any of the guys at Card Player and be like, "What the hell"? You know. Okay. So yes, yes, and no. Okay. After I I won it, I calculated myself. I won it. I was a big reader of card player then. I respected card player. This is the, like the beginning of the erosion of my respect of card player. But I respected card player a lot. And I, I had followed their players of the year and stuff like that. And I used to I used to look at the magazine and, and you know, I'd be playing at Commerce and Mid Limits and I, I wasn't a tournament. One day and you, you and a young Druff dreamed one day I'm gonna be the card player 
uh, uh, card player, poker player of the year. Well, right? I, I kind of did because like, I wasn't a tournament player. I didn't expect to be a tournament player, but I, I thought, hey, if I was a tournament player, this would be pretty kind of cool to be in there and, and you'd be you know seeing the leaderboard number one. Todd would tell us, or, so. Like it was, it was kind of a like passing fantasy of mine, and so I was watching this, and I had mixed feelings because here I was, it was looking like it was a good chance I'd be the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. So I was following it, but at the same time, I I was a little feeling strange that people were going to go to me. Ah, you didn't really deserve this, so I wasn't sure if I wanted it or not. But that's like you know, you you meet the uh, the girl on the poster <laughs> that you jerked off to your whole teenage life. You meet her, and you find out that the poster was airbrushed, and her tits are hanging down to her belly button you know i mean it, it was kind of laid bare you like you it, the the award i guess didn't mean a whole lot if they were willing to do that to you yeah so you know? so i so i saw i won it but they they didn't say anything so i actually emailed jeff shulman and just said hey what I'm the just, hell so i yeah i just <laughs> I, i'm just kind of curious I, I won this i'm wondering uh uh you know what's what's happening from this point i wasn't like demanding they do something i just want i wanted to know maybe they're having trouble getting a hold of me maybe they wanted to do an interview like i i just wanted to know what they were going to do and he said oh yeah um yeah we'll mention it in an upcoming magazine and maybe we'll give you like an award or something at a ceremony and sure enough they did have some kind of poker award ceremony but they didn't invite me to it oh my god <laughs> oh my and, and and they the, all they mentioned was that little thing in that little paragraph. And the only reason I, I didn't the only reason I didn't get like super pissed was because I knew it wasn't personal towards me. I knew it was embarrassment at their own system's failures. Wait a minute. You won the player of the year. You didn't get a cover. You barely even got a mention. And they didn't invite and me. And they had an yet. award ceremony yeah. and they did not invite you. Yeah. What the It's it's all the truth. <laughs> it's all the truth. It's all really it's the case. And, and to show you guys, oh to, to show you guys how well I took it, I, I barely mentioned this to anybody. The only times I started attacking card player was when they wouldn't take down the lock poker ads in, in much oh. more recent times. So, like this is back in '05, and I, I kept my mouth shut and I didn't like totally trash them. I probably should have, but I actually just kept my mouth shut because I, I kind of understood it, but it was still kind of crappy. They should. This was their system. They should have just owned it. <laughs> how do you not get invited? Did you piss somebody? Did no, you I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They, they didn't tell me why, but I knew why because there was so much attention being paid to poker. Everyone's talking about Alan Cunningham series and Mark Safe series, and I think one other person did well that year, and you know, they should have been ahead of me. I think I should have been like fourth, and and it was so clear I should not have been the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. Wow! And and I think they didn't want to look like they were fools, and they. They didn't know me, and you can't even say it's because you know they. Uh, I, I spun a seat cover on ESPN. That stuff hadn't happened yet. That stuff Have you wasn't been doing like Donkdown Radio by then. No, I had uh, no, no. I was I was an unknown, and and I wasn't okay. on TV yet. Nothing like no one knew much about me. So there, you can't even. It wasn't personal. I knew it wasn't personal. Oh, so they figured, oh fuck this guy. He's an unknown. Right. We're never going to hear from him. Right. Yeah. I was an unknown. Yeah, I was a total yeah. unknown then. In fact, I was a, an unknown on purpose. I. When I played on Poker Stars and, and it was one of the bigger winners there in 2003, 2004, and people watched me at the big limit hold'em games, people would ask, you know, Dan Druff, who are you? And I said, oh, I don't like revealing my identity. Like, I never, I, I posted on forums and stuff as Dan Druff. I never said Dan Druff was Todd Wittellis. I'd even play live and not even say I was Dan Druff. So right. people, like, Todd Wittellis, the live player, and, and Dan Druff, the online player, were two different people as far as everyone knew. Weren't there some old videos of you, like, hamming it up at the World Series, though? No, that came, or was that, that after that? that? That was right after that. Okay. So, so the, it was only when I made the final table 
the first time at the World Series and my first event ever at the 1500 limit hold'em, that at that point I knew there'd be coverage, and I knew that at this point it's, it's proper for me to reveal it. So I revealed it at that point, and that's when people knew who I was. So Man, how do you get shafted that bad? Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I have like a third party who's just uh, can look at this from an objective point of view and agree I got shafted. Sometimes I think, well, am I, am I just being sensitive about this because it was me or that I, I guess not? Trump, you win, you win their player of the year and you don't get on the cover and they barely even mention you and then they don't invite you to the awards. No, now, now that you say it that way, it sounds pretty outrageous. Are I you agree. kidding me? Now that you say it that way, it sounds pretty outrageous. Oh, my God. Okay, so I, I guess we'll see this this new system, and hopefully, if if I am the World Series of Poker Player of the Year this year, I, I hope that Jess. Can you Wellman... imagine if this happened to Kate Hall, <laughs> and she didn't get up there to no, have her it, platform? It, 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 would, it would have been because it would have been because she's a woman and a feminist and all that. That would have been, oh yeah, that would have I mean, been it why. Would have been hard. they do they can't stand to see a strong woman get up here and yeah. talk. <laughs> and by the way, about uh, Jess Wellman, you know, I, I she knows who I am. Okay, and and we've we haven't had much direct interaction, but I, I've and I don't have a real concrete reason to think this, but I I have a feeling she doesn't like me very much, and I don't know why. I this is, and I don't have any confirmation of this. She's never talked any trash to me or or given me a hard time about anything. We've never had any issue, and and I respect I respect her intelligence. I respect the work she does for poker. I have no criticism of her, but I've just always kind of got the impression, and it could be wrong. I've got the impression that uh, she doesn't like me. She doesn't hate me, but I kind of got the impression she doesn't like me very much, and I don't know why. That's just maybe that's... she was behind you, uh, not getting invited to that award thing. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. So that's she could be the mastermind. Yeah, that's true. You know, sometimes I'm wrong about it. Sometimes I do get the impression someone doesn't like me, and I'm wrong about it. I'm usually pretty good at it, but sometimes I'm wrong. In fact, I've I've got you beat, Druff. I've met Jess several times. And I guarantee you she has no idea who the fuck I am. Okay. <laughs> so at least she knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I, in, in 1991, I, I met a girl in college who I was convinced didn't like me at all, and it kind of bothered me for some reason, and, and, uh, and it kind of stuck with me. And In fact, when I, when I saw her around school, I wasn't very nice to her because I, I had the impression that she didn't like me for no reason. And I was wrong about that. It, it wasn't that. She was just kind of shy, and that girl is Benjamin's mom. Yeah, so sometimes I'm wrong, and I, and I asked her about this late, you know, later. Uh, because I we we became friends later on in college, and I asked her about, you know, I I got the impression before that you didn't like me. And she said that no, I was just shy. I you know I didn't have anything against you at all. So whoops. Well, not having something against you doesn't mean that she liked you. I I, I don't know if she liked me, but she was she didn't uh, she didn't dislike me. She said that it was just in my head that it wasn't that wasn't true, and so. Like card player may not have had anything against you, <laughs> but it's pretty clear they didn't like. Well, I think they didn't like the system they created that that, that <laughs> produced me as the winner. That's that's what I think happened. It was it was a, Fair a, they were they were self hating of their system. I was it was it was kind of like a woman who has a child with a man she hates and then takes it out on her child. That that's kind of what happened here. That's brutal though. It's not it, the kid's fault. It is. It is brutal. That would kind of suck though. It would. Like if you you had a kid. And it looked and acted like a lot like your spouse that you despised. Yeah, I mean, that would be tough. I mean, you would still—I would assume you would still love the kid, but that would be brutal. Yeah, you know? it would be. Uh, quickly, before we get to, the, we're going to call Andrew Barber after this. But the, the World Series of Poker circuit 
has added some events. And I, I know at least a few people on this forum were interested in this because I guess there's some circuit players out there, both who read the forum and who uh, who listen to the show. So figured I would mention it. Good thing about the circuit is you do get to play for a World Series of Poker ring. And it may be pretty close by for you and much more convenient than to travel all the way to Vegas for the World Series itself. So I got this uh, press blurb from the World Series of Poker. I get all their press releases because, yeah, we, we are press here. Fully accredited. That's it. We get our press pass and everything for the World Series, which we have again this year. But uh, Seth Polanski puts out these press releases. And this one is about the circuits. And they have added three new stops on the United States World Series of Poker Circuit Tour. They have added Thunder Valley Casino near Sacramento with two stops, one in September and one in January 2018. And then the Seminole Hard Rock Hollywood in Florida Hmm. is going to be, you know, it's going to be there from September 21st to October 2nd. And these are casinos that are not Harris properties or Caesars properties, but uh, are running circuit events. And in fact, a number of these, uh, a number of the circuit events are taking place at non-Caesars properties. Not most of them, but some of them. So you, it starts from August and runs through all the way through May 2018, starting with Harris Cherokee in North Carolina, which is a nice place I've been to. It. The only pain in the ass is it's hard to get there. there it's it's far from everything. Harris Cherokee. Then uh, it goes to Foxwoods. Then it's at uh, what they call IP in Biloxi. Is that is that the Imperial Palace? What is IP? Don't know. I don't know what IP is. <laughs> I, in Vegas, IP was the Imperial Palace, which doesn't exist anymore. It's called the the, the Link now. Uh, then September fourteenth. Uh, Wasn't that like a shithole? It was. It still is. Thunder Valley <laughs> Casino in Sacramento. That's one of the new stops. Uh, the Seminole Hard Rock also one of the new stops in uh, the Miami area, Hollywood, Florida. Horseshoe, Indiana, which is a Caesar's property, and on September twenty eighth. Horseshoe Hammond in Chicago, October 12th. Harvey's Lake Tahoe, October 26th. By the way, that's a horrible time to go to Lake Tahoe, October 26th. If someone said, pick a date that you just would not want to go to Lake Tahoe, I'd say uh, October 26th. Well, for the underprivileged amongst us, tell us why, Dra. Because Lake Tahoe is a summer and winter destination. In the summer, it's got all the hiking and boating and those type of uh, summertime mountain Lake destinations. That's that's why you go there in the summer. In the winter, skiing. In the spring, well, in the early spring, they're still skiing usually. And in the late spring, you can already start doing some of the summertime activities. Where it absolutely sucks in Lake Tahoe is in the mid to late fall. Because there's typically not enough snow to ski on. Typically, it's not even open yet. And yet, it's too cold to really do the summertime activities. Oh, wouldn't that be the perfect time? To have a poker tournament where you're stuck inside? Yes, and it's also the perfect time <laughs> when, when the hotel is empty and the town is empty. So yeah, and I'm sure everything is cheap and, you yeah, know. So they, that, that's, why they're, that's why they're holding it on October I, I guarantee you, you could, you could hold that poker tournament during the height of the tourist season 
and a decent percentage of the poker players that go there would never see the light of day. <laughs> that so, might be true, but, but I'm sure they're holding it there on purpose during those days. Going, hmm, what's a time when we really need to fill up rooms? Oh, sure. October 26th. Yeah, nobody wants to come on October 20th. That's a horrible time to come to, to Lake Tahoe. It really is like, that really might be my choice for the worst date. Because November, sometimes there can be an early snow and there's, there's like some skiing. October 26th is probably nothing. So that's, that's the worst. Uh, November 2nd, uh, Choctaw Durant in uh, Dallas, Oklahoma. Uh, then there is Planet Hollywood in Vegas, November 9th. Harris Cherokee back in North Carolina, November 23rd. There's going to be a stop in December that they have not announced yet. In January, there's three stops. The Choctaw Durant again, Thunder Valley Casino again in, in Sacramento, and Horseshoe Tunica, Mississippi. February, we'll have on the 1st, uh, the Pawatomi in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Seminole Coconut Creek in Florida will be uh, February 8th. And uh, the Rio in February 15th. March 3rd will be one they have not chosen yet. March 8th, Harris Atlantic City, New Jersey. March 15th, the Hard Rock Hotel in Tulsa. March 22nd, Planet Hollywood, Vegas. March 29th, Horseshoe Council Bluffs in Iowa. April 12th, Harris Cherokee again. April 26th, Horseshoe Baltimore. wonder if uh, Scott from the East Coast will be there. May 10th, Harris New Orleans. Now, I'll say this. May 10th is a good time to be in New Orleans. Why? Because you are not yet in the season of the brutal heat and humidity, which you get in the summer in New Orleans. And you're not there when it's cold in the winter. It's not bitter cold. It's not like, uh, I don't know, Rochester. But, hey, uh, it's, take it easy. But it's it's cool. Like you know, I've been there a number. Most of the times I've been to to New Orleans have been in December, and and or similar times in December. And it's it's other than this one weird. It was so weird. We landed and it was like eighty degrees at night and a little bit humid in December, which is really unusual. But it happens sometimes there. And then the next day it dropped to the high. It was like fifty three and windy, with no humidity. So. Uh, it was like in two different places from one day to the next, but but usually it is more like that, like fifties high when it's just kind of chilly and then kind of even cooler at night. It's just, it's just not a nice. And if it rains and it's really crappy, so it's like, it's like a nice, not a nice uh, place to go out and do things when the weather's like that. Whereas in May, it, it's pretty nice there, unless you have an early heat wave that can happen. But May tenth, I'd be happy to go to New Orleans. So that's the circuit schedule. That was just announced. And if you're in Sacramento, then you're probably happy that they have a stop at Thunder Valley. And if you like going to the Seminole Hard Rock, then you're probably happy too. Someone, when the Seminole Hard Rock first announced their poker open, the SHRPO, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, someone registered SHRPO.com. And it was not the Seminole Hard Rock. And that someone was then visited by a process server who filed a a lawsuit against them. And that someone got very nervous and uh, handed over the domain immediately. And that someone listens to this show. It was uh, PLOL did this. So he tried to be a cyber squatter, but it didn't work. He, He... he got a little bit nervous about the uh, 
Seminole Hard Rock suing him. So he handed the, do- the domain over and it was done. He didn't have to pay anything. He just uh, contacted them and said, hey, you know, uh, I can give this back if you want. <laughs> so, I shouldn't say give this back. I mean, he, he, he didn't steal it from them. He just registered before they could. And, you know, an argument could be made that uh, it's not like he registered SeminoleHardRock.com, which would be super blatant cyber squatting. He, he registered an acronym, which some people were coming up with ideas for acronyms he could have come up with on his own that uh, would happen to be the same thing. But they, they cited in the legal papers that he was actually a player in that and that just after he played, he went and registered that. So that, that is kind of strong. You play in the SHRPO and then register SHRPO.com like days later. That's, uh, it's hard to argue this is a different acronym that you're registering. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they'd have rights to it. I don't, I don't know if they'd have rights to an acronym. I, I think they might have lost that case. But he didn't want to fight it. And I don't blame him because it's, uh, you know, it's uh, too much risk for too little reward. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna call Andrew Barber. If you want to quickly call in and comment on something, it's seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Larry Laffer correcting the chat. It's a pato what I don't know. He's trying. He's trying to like. Sounded out for me. I don't even know if he's correct. I just, I was just reading. It's a hard thing to pronounce. I want to look at this again. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah. Potawatomi. That's what it looks like to me. P O T A W A T O M I. Potawatomi in Milwaukee. Uh, Jay said asking, isn't the Thunder Valley World Series circuit in September and a couple of months later? Yes, in, in uh, January. In Sacramento. Yeah, Jay stands in Northern California, so maybe he'll go play. All right, let's throw, throw Larry on here briefly, and then we'll call up Andrew Barber. Larry, what's going on? It's just Potawatomi, man. Okay, well, I don't know. I'm not from that area. Do, do you ever play I mean, there? Just, you know. Yeah, I play there all the time. Okay, well, that, that explains why you know. I, yeah, I'm, I, I'll admit I'm not very familiar with the... Uh, casinos over there. I, I'm I'm aware of their existence, but I don't know much about them. But, yeah. Hey, what kind of bike did you get? Where were you going to get? No, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I, I was saying at least give me a bike. They gave they uh-huh. g- they gave a car to Alan Huntingham. They should at least give me a, a car uh, a bike. I was just joking about that. You, when's the last time you rode a bike, Jeff? That is a fine question. Let me think. Uh, I don't currently own a bicycle. Um. I, I rode a bicycle a lot in college. So I, I rode between classes and the dorms, and even when I wasn't living in the dorms anymore, I was I was riding to classes on a bicycle. I even learned how to do that uh, ride with no hands thing, where you just you know you do do you do that, Larry? Do you ride with no hands, or do you always hold the handlebars? I I can ride with no hands. But do you? All the time. Okay, so yeah, I did it and I got burned. I, I I saw someone doing. Well, apparently you can't really do it. No, no, I could. This is what happened. <laughs> I saw some guy doing it on campus. And I go, oh wow, that looks so cool. So I started doing it, and then like I learned how to do it, and I just every day was riding with no hands, and I, I, I thought, okay, this is easier. And I just kind of relax and put my hands down. Well, one day I'm riding down the the trail or the bike path within the trail, the bike path. And I, I must have looked to the side or something. Whatever it was, the, the wheel started to turn. And I, I couldn't reach over and grab it in time. And the bike fell down. And I crashed down pretty hard. 
and and I really hurt my knee. Uh, they actually took me to the emergency room because I couldn't walk or anything. And they, it turned out that it was just banged up really badly. It was not uh, permanently injured. I was on crutches for for some weeks. I, I could not walk on it. It was just I, I don't know what the official diagnosis was, but I was I was unable to walk on it. But it was not damaged permanently or, or needed any. Uh, it didn't need a cast or anything, but. It took a while to recover, and after that, what? Don't do this now. The way your body is going, you ride and crash a bike, you're going to be laid up for like six months. No, I wouldn't do this now. But I I wouldn't even do it then. After that happened, I I stopped doing it. (laughs) I didn't want to go through that again. So, but watch out, Larry. Hey, Dress, how much is third pay for this thing? What? How much is third pay for this thing? Uh, why you finished third? Uh, we're three handed. Three? Why you guaranteed third place money? That's what I'm saying. Uh, what, what is it? I, I think it's like thirteen dollars. Let me see. By the way, Andrew Barber said, "Is this going to happen anytime soon?" So I think. Oh yeah, yeah, you might, you might, you better do it. Yeah, I better. <clears throat> okay, okay. Thank you, Larry. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Okay. So let's, let's put on Andrew Barber. Hopefully, he didn't go to sleep out of uh, outrage. So any chance this is, Any chance this is happening soon? <laughs> to, my, to be fair, I didn't give him an exact time. I just. Uh, I said we'll call you sometime after nine. So this is after nine, just not like I didn't say well, at nine or right he's after. He's a busy nine. guy. He's got stuff to do, man. I mean, he might have markup to analyze. <laughs> Save it for when he's on. <laughs> Come on. Okay, let's, let's put him on here. See if he answers. Hello, Andrew Barber. Is that you? This is he. Okay, so welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And you're you're defying the prediction of Calwatt, the co-host, who said that you'll never come on here. And I I said at the time, I don't know if you heard this, I said that I thought of all the social justice warriors in poker who argue with me, I thought you would be the only one who might be willing to come on. And I was correct. I'd like to think that I'm a pretty reasonable guy. (laughs) And props to you for coming on. Look, Calwatt's being nice already. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so well, I mean, I, I think I think I think there's definitely one thing that's true of social media is we're more inclined to say the things that we would never say to someone in person, or even when we're speaking to them. So I think like that's one of the toxic things of social media is like, you know, we're we're all you know awful when we're on a keyboard, but as soon as we're confronted with that individual. Uh, we're we're definitely going to filter, or at least be more aware of what we're saying. Well, yeah. I don't know. A lot of people have told me I'm kind of a jerk in person. Uh, yeah, Cal- <laughs> yeah, same, same here too. Same you here. Know, Cal, Cal may actually be worse in person. You never know. But uh, I, you know, I've been I've actually been online in, in some form of uh, you know, whatever the early form of social media was, uh, dating back to '86. So. Yeah, I've seen this from oh, wow. all, I've seen this from all the way back then. Well, Gruff uh, has been picking up men pretending to be women since the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to learn the hard way back in those days. Yeah. But uh, so, so uh, Andrew, how old are you, by the way? You know, I actually it's my birthday today. I turned thirty-four. You're you're actually coming on the show on your birthday? I am. Oh my! That's goodness. why he's got places to go, Gruff. Well, I don't. Are you... no, to, I live a boring existence, guys. I, I had I had I had class today. I'm in school. I'm in a PhD program. I had class today. And uh, yeah, that was that was the extent of my day. So, well, the God's honest truth is, though, after twenty-one, I mean, there aren't really a whole lot of birthdays to look forward to, anyway. Well, which, this which, is true. Which this time? Is true. Which time zone are you in? 
Uh, Pacific. Okay, so so it's still your birthday. I was thinking maybe if you're in New York or something, or even uh, Texas, <laughs> it, it could already be the next day. Then you'd have an excuse to be on yeah. here at this time. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> I, you know, I feel I feel funny doing things like this on my birthday. I feel like I, I feel like a loser if I'm going. I'm like I'm not trying to call you a loser here, but uh, I would, no, no, Jesus, I, drop. I, 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 I've said I feel like a loser. I, I have done things on my birthday. That, that I think are, are stupid things to be doing on my birthday. And I think I'm going to look back and see I did such and such on my birthday and say, why, did I, why was I spending my birthday doing this? But Well, there's, there's that famous Jim Gaffigan bit, like nobody ever likes to do anything on their birthday. I can't believe I have to go to work on my birthday. I can't believe I have to do this on my birthday. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I did that too when I was working. I used to go into work on my birthday, and I, I finally asked myself, why am I doing this? And I, from that point, I started just taking my birthday off. Uh, from work. I, so anyway, let, let's let's get to the better stuff here, though. So so Andrew has gone back and forth in the past on Twitter with a number of people about a number of issues. Uh, I have argued with him before. Uh, Cal Watt has argued with him before. No, I have actually never argued with him. What, what about the recent thing with, about the the markup on tasty steaks and all that? Didn't you? No, argue? I've never I've never argued with him. I've just taken cheap shots at him. Okay, well that's that's close enough. <laughs> is clo- that is that better? Is that? I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just I'm correcting the record. It's it, close enough. Now, if you take a look at Andrew Barber's Twitter, which for those of you listening, it's at a barber one, a b a r b e r one. He describes himself as poker player, e- economist. Uh, Fionnur, what is that? What is a Fionnur? I looked that oh, up for Fionnur? you last week. Now I'm forgetting. I'm getting old. What, what, what is that? So, so it's uh, it's a French word, and I I, I borrowed it from uh, my favorite author, Nassim Taleb. He's I, I highly recommend him if you ever get a chance to read. He's he's written a few books on uh, on randomness, like randomness in life, and um how we trust experts too much. And basically he believes in like having skin in the game that we shouldn't trust people who aren't risking, um, you know, their own capital, which obviously is professional gamblers. Like that's something we can really appreciate. But anyway, fluor is a French word that basically means someone who kind of like, uh, wanders and is interested in a variety of things. Okay. Yeah. I, so I think it sounds we- like this guy would be pretty against someone charging outrageous markup. Oh, and that's a good point. A that's a good point. Right. <laughs> yeah, no I, no, I mean, he he would he would say that like uh, the you would person say put up that, your own goddamn self, money, right? Yeah, the person the person who totally eliminates their risk, like and and offers themselves a free roll and transfers the risk fully to someone else, should be seen as like uh, kind of a shitty individual. Uh, basically, okay. So then he goes on to write on is the description: stoic, effective altruist. What is an effective altruist? I don't know what an altruist. But what's an effective altruist? So effective alt- effective altruism is this uh, this philosophy or this charitable movement uh, that basically argues that not all charities are equal. Some do more good than others, like on a per dollar basis. Yeah, some are outright um, scams. Some are more so. efficient. Some, some find better causes. Some are, some are scams um, too. Some pardon. Some are scams as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But even if we even if we condition for the ones that aren't scams, like ones that that have legitimacy, um, there's you know we could rank them in terms of their effectiveness. And you know, since we only have finite resources, uh, we should only be giving to the ones that are doing the most good because we're getting the highest ROI. So, so you're, by an effective altruist, you're saying that you you give to the charities that are are most effective. Yeah, like they, there's literally like a top ten ranking of the most okay. effective charities that where you can save the most lives per dollar, you can reduce the most suffering per dollar. Okay, this is a former engineer, former conservative, and current banana slug. 
<laughs> yeah. We looked that up last week too, a banana slug. Yeah, yeah, that's the mascot of uh, of UC Santa Cruz, which yeah. is where I'm going. Okay. Okay, I so said you're a current banana slug, I see. So Current banana slug. Now, so it says a former conservative. Now, that that's got my attention most of all these things. That's because I'm a current conservative. So I... What changed you, and when did it happen? When did he become the the former conservative? When did he become the uh, the Twitter social justice warrior and, and transition I mean, from that's, a conservative? That's, um, sorry to cut you off. Uh, so, I mean, I grew up in a conservative household. I grew up in in Springfield, Illinois. Um, you know, I I grew up. I, I remember when Fox News was launched, and that was pretty much the only channel that we watched from when it was. I think it was launched in ninety. Or you might you might be able to tell me. I don't um, even know. I I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Like ninety four, ninety six. Anyway, from from that point on, through like through me, I mean, even my go home now. I mean, from from like five a.m. till midnight, Fox News is on my house. Um, so I grew up as a conservative. I went to college as a conservative. I wrote for the newspaper that Ann Coulter started uh, at Cornell. Um, you know, I helped arrange her to speak at Cornell. Um, you know, I I uh, I was involved in in counter protests when people were protesting and culture speaking. So I was like very active in the movement. Um, I recognized early on that like political correctness was was uh, running rampant on college campuses, and I think I still think it's a problem today. Um, that's probably where I depart from a lot of liberals. Um, so let's see here, and then I moved out to California, and I think moving to California probably played a role. Um, I supported Meg Whitman when she ran against Jerry Brown for governor. And that, that would have been 2010, I think. I think it was 2010. So I was still conservative in 2010, 2011. And then I think I started to see some issues. And I, I remember distinctly, I was volunteering at the, um, the GOP office in near Sacramento. I was living in Sacramento at the time. And there was a poster that was on the wall. And this is where all the volunteers were to, uh, to canvas and try to get out the vote. And it was a bunch of um, Obama Muslim stuff. He's not an American. Get the nigger out of here. Stuff like that. And well, I realized that the party, stupid. the party, <laughs> no, it is stupid. But the, but the thing is, I realized that there was this ugly element of the party that wasn't there. I mean, that, like I, I, as I was growing, when I was growing up, I, you know, when I was trying to figure out how to classify myself politically, I really liked the term Goldwater conservative. Um, and that's and that's what I think the the party has gotten away from completely. And that you you might argue that like that's what a libertarian is, and, you know, conservative without all the religious nonsense. Well, but there's there's a lot of different, and I don't want this to become like a whole political segment here. That's not really sure, why people sure. listen to the show. But th- there's a lot of different flavors of conservatives out there, and that's true today, even even more than it was in the past. And even when you see some of the uh, stupid things that are happening, like what you described with with Obama and, and, and insisting he's a Muslim and, and you know, using racial epithets around. There's there's a lot of conservatives out there, such as myself, that that don't say things like that and don't even think things like that. And uh, any criticism of Obama is not about him being black or or any uh, conspiracy theories about him being Muslim or not Amer- or not born in America, but but just a disagreement with with his politics and his policies. And but it kind of sounds like you got away from. The Republican Party, and for being a conservative, from from watching a kind of a fringe element. Uh, and, and oh no! But that so that was just one part of it. But the thing is, like that caused me to take a step back and start questioning some of the, um, right. you know, some of the assumptions that I had. And 
And I think that the party had become anti-intellectual, and that was something that really bothered me. Yeah, um, you guys ever seen there's a kind of a, not really a cartoon, but I guess a meme that's floating around where on uh, the one side they'll have, uh, you know, a, a, a Muslim, and it will say Muslim. And on the other side it'll have a terrorist, and it'll say asshole, right? And then on the, the other side it'll have a Christian. And then on the other side, it'll have a guy in a KKK outfit wearing, uh, you know, burning a cross, and it says asshole. You know what I mean? It kind of goes down. And any any group has those fringe elements that are just, I mean, assholes, yeah, to, I, to, to put it mildly, or yeah, non-intellectual. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I, I, every group has just got a fringe that, unfortunately, can tinge the entire movement. And I, and I see what he's saying. I, you know, I, I understand he's saying that you know, this was a catalyst to make him think about the, the, the more of the mainstream party, and, and he felt yeah, he sure. didn't like what they stood for anymore and felt they were anti-intellectual. But the thing is, uh, I still think that does not describe the majority of the party. And the thing is that you can find a lot of the same anti-intellectualism in a different way, uh, looking at the Democratic Party, and, and a lot of just absolutely ridiculous things that are occurring, including the political correctness uh, that, that you mentioned. And uh, uh, you, you really can find a lot of stupidity on, on both sides. And I'm not, I'm not you just... Know what I, you know what I found, Ruff? That I, I've, I've been uh, kind of uh, on both sides on a lot of different issues. I, I've voted both ways, depending on what's going on. And maybe I'm just getting older and cynical, but these days I just really don't think that either party has anyone's best interests in mind other than getting themselves reelected. Um, and I don't really, and, and it's in their best interest to keep this kind of two-party system where uh, one group is at the other group's throat. You know what I mean? And I, I just, you know, I have my opinions about things, and sometimes one candidate reflects it better than the other. But it really seems to me that both parties really exist to get people from their party elected. <laughs> more yeah. than anything else, you know. Yeah, I I can understand that feeling, and to some to some degree, it's true. And there's much more because of social media and because of uh, uh, just the country really has become divided. So many people identify by their politics so strongly now; it's like a religion to a lot of people now, and they, they right. they're afraid to even consider the other side, which I think is 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 a bad precedent to set. But uh, anyway. Uh, it just fascinates me when people are, are former uh, – they're, they're on one side politically and then switch to the other. And I've seen it happen both ways. I've seen people like Andrew go from – He had an intellectual awakening. Yeah, well, I, I see I see well, where people go from conservatism to, to liberalism, and I've also watched the other way. People you – know, liberals who get disgusted with, uh, with their – ideology people on the democratic party and then start to move to the right sometimes they don't even realize they're moving to the right and then one day they say hey wow look i, I agree mostly with uh, conservatives now okay i guess i'm a Republican oh i mean now. that's that's, that's <laughs> that transition is much more common than the former i mean you know you probably i'm sure you know the joke that if you're if you're 20 and you're not a liberal you don't have a heart and if you're 40 and you're not a conservative you don't have a brain <laughs> yeah i've heard that before yeah I was actually, uh, like you, I was actually a conservative even as, as a kid. And if, if the way I've said it before on the show, the way I actually came to that, it, you know, my parents were conservatives too, but they didn't discuss it with me. I came to it, uh, I came to this conclusion myself by watching a, a talk show that was in Southern California where the, the host was conservative. And uh, he did, he had guests on and, and uh, who had the other side. And I just, I found I was agreeing with the host more often. And, and then I, that, that's kind of how I came to that conclusion that I was a conservative, just naturally more 
inclined towards those points of view. But I, I also, you know, I think for myself when the, when I think the the party's wrong about something or, or partially wrong, I say so, and I don't just automatically defend the Republican candidates or the or all the Republican views. I I, I try to look at, and I try to read. You know, publications or, or uh, articles that are written from the left, so I can see where they're coming from. I, I try not to do the the echo chamber thing, but anyway, I, let, let's let's get back. That's to, huge. I mean, you're you're in the minority there. Yeah, That's, well, I mean, nobody does that. Well, let, let, but let's let's get back to you here. You've been very vocal on on Twitter about uh, a, a lot of political and social issues, and and people have classified you, which I'm surprised that you you say you don't like the politically correct uh, movement because. People have classified you as a social justice warrior and, and put you in the same category of other poker players, such as uh, Justin Bonomo and, and, and Kate Hall and Vanessa Selbst. What is that thing that Bonomo? I mean, that's, that's great. That's great company, right? by the way. Well, I mean, these okay, so these are smart people, and and, and some of them are good poker really? players. No, but... no, but not, but not even smart. Like they're they're brilliant people. I mean, you can't you can't undersell their intelligence. These are some of the brightest people I've ever interacted with. Okay, but I this... so I think that, that that should say something. Well, it says something, but sometimes just sometimes uh, having you call me dumb, Andrew <laughs> Barber. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, a person who has uh, book smarts or uh, or has the, the ability to, to thrive in in a certain discipline that they that doesn't necessarily mean that their their political views are, are correct or, or coming from the right place. Sometimes you can't just say, well, I, I'm a smart person, therefore I'm right. A lot of times... Uh, no, 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 of course not. That would, be a, that would be a fallacy. I totally agree. So so that's, you know, and now the reason I thought you would be more likely to come on the show, much more likely than any of these people I named, is that, like, for example, Vanessa Selps has me blocked on Twitter, and, and not for any reason people might think. I, I, I've never made fun of her or made jokes about her being a lesbian or about her about her having a butch uh, appearance. I've never made any comments like that. I've never said anything vulgar or insulting to her. I've never uh, I've never been nasty to her. Wait, wait, who? Vanessa Selbst. Oh, Vanessa Selbst. Yeah, okay. so I, I found myself blocked one day because I, I disagreed with something she was tweeting about. And I, and I in a respectful manner, I, I disagreed, and I don't even think she responded to me. She just blocked me. Kate Hall is notorious mm-hmm. for, for blocking people. She hasn't blocked me for whatever reason. I don't know why. She, she's blocked just about everybody else, but uh, she, she yeah. blocks a ton of people And uh, for, again, not necessarily insulting her. I know some people are nasty with her and you know, make you know, insulting comments to her. And those people I can understand she's blocking, but there's people she just blocks, a lot of people that just don't agree with her. I've seen a lot of I that. I think it's a rough filter. I think it's a rough filter, and I and I do think that you are correct in in, a, in trying to appreciate like the the amount of hate that she has to to deal with because she really it is. I mean, I've seen I've seen snippets, and it's it's vile. I mean, I'm so I'm lucky that I don't have to deal with that shit. Well, but the she, hate she, I deal with is like so it's comical. I mean, it's it's nothing in comparison. She does bring a lot of it on herself. She does try to get a lot of attention. She does try to be controversial. She puts herself out there, but it's not for attention. I mean, th- let's be clear. This is she doesn't she doesn't seek attention, but she 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 really believes passionately in the things that she's talking about. Well, I, yeah, she she right. She, she but she's doing both. She's seeking attention, but she's not lying. She's not coming out there. She's she's not misrepresenting herself, but she is seeking attention at the same time. She's saying things she really believes, but she's not uh, seeking attention. I mean, she is seeking attention, at least from, from what I've observed, and uh, I, I don't know her that well. I don't know her personally. I've never met her before, but just I've You're talking been... about Vanessa or Kate. No, we're back to Kate now. Because Kate, I would definitely agree with Vanessa. I would not agree that she is seeking attention. No, I agree with that too. I don't think Vanessa is seeking uh, attention. But Kate, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's no question about it. So I mean, I'm I, not I, saying there's I, anything I honestly... wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know. 
I mean, I don't think she wants attention for attention's sake. If anything, she 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 wants attention to her causes, the things she cares about. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think maybe we, I don't know if you guys diff, don't look, differentiate. I, I think I see her timeline. I, I'm having a difficult time. Yeah, swallowing. me too. I, I I think it's both. I think I think she has causes she that she that are important to her, but I also think she loves the attention. And then something that comes with trying to be a very controversial figure and trying to get attention and trying to get everyone looking at you, especially over controversial issues, is you're going to get haters. And you have to be ready for that. You have to just say, okay, I'm I'm doing things that are going to make certain people hate me and say really nasty things to me. And uh, I've just kind of – I've got to accept that that's part of what and, I'm and, doing. And in fairness, anyone that's in the spotlight, they're going to get a some portion of just random assholes hating them. Yeah, and like, like – And, and also in fairness, if yeah. you're a woman in the spotlight – you are going to get more of that. Yeah, you will. Like, there's just no question That's about it. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. On the other hand, and Ruff and I have talked about this before, there's a uh, there are two sides to that. There, there's also the fact that um, if Kate Hall were some dude that was expressing her views, she would not have the kind of platform and followers that she has. Like she just wouldn't. You know. So there are two sides to that. That yes, you get the negative attention. But you definitely also get the positive attention as well, and, yeah, and get noticed more easily. Just period. Yeah. So, and and I'm not, you know, I mean, sometimes the world is just the way the world is, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, what I was saying about you, though, Andrew, is that I felt from from. By the me, way, my name is Andrew as well. So you're gonna have to be. Uh, you're gonna have to. Be clear. <laughs> yeah, I just refer to you as Calwat this way. People All right, call me Calwat. Well, I always <laughs> do on here. I, I always do. Yeah, I, or I, you I, can call me Dickhead. I I respond to that. I, <laughs> I, I rarely call you Andrew on here, even though I have you as Andrew in my phone. I don't uh, on here to. Uh, All right, I just always call, call you Calwat. So, so when I say Andrew, I'm referring to Andrew Barber. But got it. Uh, you know, I have in my interactions with you, and even just watching your interactions with others. I said, you know, this is someone who I disagree with a lot on Twitter. I've even argued back and forth with on Twitter, but he seems like someone who would never block me for that, and he seems like someone who would actually be willing to come on here and have a conversation where, where these others uh, would say, oh, this is a hateful show, this is you know, this is run by hateful people. I, 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 I saw a difference here. I saw someone who at least was probably willing to have a conversation and, and, and talk directly with me in, in a civil fashion rather than uh, coming in at just if very hostile or, or, and not even wanting to be part of this. I'm and, impressed already. I mean, uh, far where I'm coming from, I'm not saying that you know we're going to group hug, but... <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, we don't need to. We don't need as far to. As we, I'm concerned, we need civil discourse, and that's that's right. my goal. But as far as I'm concerned, Andrew, you passed the beer test, which is right. I would go. I would go have a beer with you. Now look you at that. You wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily agree on everything, but I would have a beer. with we you. We don't have to. I mean, that, I mean, that would be really boring if we all agreed on yeah. everything all the time. Absolutely. So, I, I so want, why? So why can't Matt Glance charge one point two five? Yeah, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that about the, the <laughs> about, about the right. I was going to I was going to get to that. I, right. I was just about to get to that. The, the markup thing. Uh, that's something which perplexes me, and I know perplexes Calwatt. Of uh, I understand you you have an opinion about it, but it seems like this is a very very important thing to you. And to me, it, it even if you are holding the opinion that uh, markup is, is is dishonest or it, or it's uh, taking advantage of people, whatever it is, why is this markup thing such a big deal to you? Why do you bring this up so often? And why, why does it, it seems to almost like anger you when you see people posting like, you know, like Mac Lance, he's charging one point twenty five markup. It seems to almost anger you to where you feel you have to respond and have to get it out there that you think this is wrong. Why is this so important to you? And 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 what is your can you explain your general position about markup? Sure. Um, 
So a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I'd been thinking about the subject and I forget what it was that, that came up. I don't, I, I guess what I thought about long enough, I could probably come up, but I was just motivated to put some words on paper that I, you know, had these thoughts that I wanted to express and, um, you know, I was feeling creative and I, you know, started writing and I, you know, like an hour later I had like this document that kind of, kind of laid out my, my concerns about the marketplace and, uh, you know, I shared it with some friends and then it kind of went viral and it was shared a few hundred times and got picked up by a couple of outlets and was, was republished. Um, so I, I think I saw something that maybe others hadn't seen or they were, uh, aware, but hadn't, um, you know, put words to it or hadn't expressed it, um, explicitly, you know, about the stuff like there's, there's this moral hazard problem, which we kind of alluded to earlier, uh, you know, where if you're kind of laying off all your risk, then like that can create some perverse incentives. Um, you know, that, that there's some asymmetric information that you, you know, the player has a much better idea of what their ROI is than the buyer. And oftentimes the buyers are like really ignorant. So they have to put trust into the player. And I think people are generally pretty trusting and they're not going to challenge the, the markup that's being charged, especially if it's people that aren't poker players. And I think that savvy poker players like know where the trash is and they just avoid it. And, and then if we don't speak up, you know, when we see bad packages, then I think that, that we're going to end up doing the industry a disservice because it's unsustainable. And, you know, if, if, and, and actually I would say there are a couple things I want to add. One is that I was completely wrong about Matt Glance. I shouldn't have, that was like the wrong case to choose. Uh, I think I got baited into that by, you know, my co-host Alex Weldon, uh, he successfully baited me and, and said as much in his uh, an article he wrote on the topic. Um, but but yeah, no, Matt Matt's not the person to go go after. I think you know if I took the average person in a 10k and they were charging 1.25, uh, you know I'd go after them. Like I think Kessler just listed on Tasty Stakes for 1.25. That's probably a bad buy. Did he really? Um, yeah, know. but but Glance, I think Glance is probably a, a better buy. Because uh, Glance is just going to have more first place finishes, and that's that's going to be the big difference between him and Allen. Well, he, he, um, I looked at Glance's to... results. I was surprised. In fact, I knew Glance was a good player, but I I looked at his results. I was surprised at how well he had done. I said, "Wow, he's really done well here at the World Series uh, since like two thousand eight or nine. Uh, just about every year yeah. he, he won." So, and th- there's a lot of variance in these to, to have as many years as he did, sure. where, where he finished ahead and some years way ahead. I thought was great. And uh, let me let me ask you a question, like following up on that, though. So a couple of things regarding the markup. And I understand where you're coming from. You know, you want to you're it sounds like you're coming from an angle that not only do you want to kind of be uh, like I said on the show, the Ralph Nader of poker, you know, unsafe at any (laughs) markup, that kind of thing Um, in terms of, you know, consumer protection. But also you're looking at it from the point of view of, well, hey. You know, this is not sustainable. You know, guys, if you want to pull all this coal out of the ground, you can burn it for the next hundred years, but after that, you're fucked, right? And you're kind of looking at it from that point of view. So my question to you would be regarding this stuff. I mean, are we viewing uh, investing in uh, tournament poker stakes purely as investments, the same way we would look at investing in a mutual fund or in uh, a particular stock or whatever? Or is there something else to that as well, that uh, there's an element of, uh, you know, a sports bet or uh, getting a sweat 
or having a piece of someone that you have, uh, you know, either know and want to support or don't know but are a fan? I mean, is, is this a black or white thing where it's just a numbers game or is there something else to it? No, I think that's a really great question. I mean, you kind of hit upon like three of the primary motivations. One is it's an investment, which is kind of how I see it. And that's probably why I have, you know, my personal bias. Uh, there's the, there's the sweat value. And then there's also like the kind of charity. I want to do my friend a favor thing. And, and, uh, or I'm, you know, or I'm a fanboy. Always... Well, yeah, yeah. The, the, that's too, that's too. And that could fall into the sweat or that could fall into the, you know, I want to support, um, there are plenty of people yeah, that they that's... get their kicks. They get their kicks by plunking down money and, you know, not a lot of money, money they can afford, but plunking down money on a sports bet and they haven't researched it. They don't care. <laughs> you know, and they just want to do it because they want the thrill. Uh, they they're a sure. fan of the team. They want to invest. You know, all that kind of good stuff. And, and so who's, yeah. who's booking? Who's booking that bet? I mean, who, who's profiting from that bet? Well, that is from it, in, oh, well, the, in the sports in the sports book. Yeah, the sports, <laughs> the sports book. book. But but so, yeah, some, something that's okay, important. So, so, or, or, sorry, go who's ahead. Profiting? Who's profiting? Who's profiting when you when you take a negative EV piece of a, a player? Well, the the player, but I, I think a big problem that I have with, you know, whether it's negative EV or not is, I mean, let's be honest. Um, I don't know how much online poker you played, um, but even the online tournament players, they're probably one of the few that actually have the kind of sample size in large field multi-table tournaments where they can actually have some idea of what their ROI is. And I'll be honest, like even the really good pros, I mean... It probably is just a wild guess. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I don't, totally. I don't think it's, any it's, of these things are moving target. It's it's whatever they can get, and I, I guess my, you know, kind of the the argument or the proposition that I put forth uh, the other week is, you know, I'm going to sell my house, right? I'm going to list my house for as much money as I can possibly get, and if someone it's the perfect house for them and they really want to get it, even though it's uh, lower than the comps or higher than the comps in the area, let them buy it. And if they think it's too expensive, let them not buy it, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's something else I've said, I was saying before with discussing this, maybe you can respond to this, Andrew. I, I said, it, there's different ways that markup can be marketed or, or, or uh, explained to those who are potential buyers for it. It ranges from people like me who go as far to say, this may not even be a good deal. You're doing it for entertainment. I know you like that idea, Andrew, when I talked about this on Twitter. I love that. But, I love that and, idea. And I, do, I, I think I, the, more, the more you can educate your, your potential investors, the better. And I do that because, because I don't want anyone to be misled. I don't want anyone to believe that you know, buying pieces of me at 1.2 is you know, some great investment I'm trying to push. I'm trying to make them understand that they're, they're buying a piece of someone who they know is going to be very reliable. They know it's not going to screw them in any way. They know it's going to pay out their winnings or it's really going to show up to all the events they say they are. Like, and there's someone that they know from listening to on this show or reading my forum post or whatever that they feel like, you know, they know me and they, they, they enjoy having a piece of me. So they, they understand it's entertainment. Right. So, so it ranges from that and all the way through uh, some who might mark up their, uh, their tournament very high and then lie to people, oh, this is what the going rate is. Oh, this, this is what my edge really is. In fact, my edge is much higher than this. You should buy me at 1.5. My edge is really more like 2, and you're getting a great right. deal. So there's those that are either super delusional or lying to get people buying pieces of them, all the way down to people who overly disclaim, watch out, this may not even be a good deal. Buy it for entertainment only, like me. So what, what, from what I've seen of those selling it, 
it's usually neither. You're, you're usually not having someone who's going out of their way to trick people or to mislead people. And you don't have that many like me who are uh, warning people, hey, watch out, this may not even be positive EV to invest in me. So, And, and I can understand why people don't because you're, you're still s- kind of selling yourself. And to say this, uh, hey, I may not be that good of a deal. I mean, when you, you go into a store and something is a certain price, it doesn't have a disclaimer next to it saying, hey, this, this price may not be very good. Maybe you don't want to buy this. Like People are not typically going to put that. I say this just because I, I want to... Take out to wait, take away any sort of doubt or possibility of accusation that I'm trying to uh, mislead anybody, and, and I know that there's enough interest, mainly because I do this show, in people buying pieces of me that I don't have to worry about this driving people away. And, and even if, and if I said I'm going to play either way, whether I get the the draft, we just we all feel bad for you, okay, and yeah. we want to support you. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, sa- I'm saying that I no, I, I mean I say, I, 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 I don't want to. I mean I I feel like I'm uh, you know. Uh, complimenting you too much here but i, I gotta say that i think that's a testament to your character i think that's a really it's a really big deal that you're so forward because you know if you, you laid out the spectrum you're on one end and then there's people who are lying on the other end but the I, majority but, of people are closer to the other end I, see i don't agree with that i think majority of people are just in the middle they just say i'm selling it at uh 1.2 i'm selling 1.25 selling 1.3 who wants to buy it and they don't say this is an amazing that's deal not Jump how in they now. Go, come on come on that's not how they're they, they, well, everybody, we could we could we could open up the two plus two marketplace right now. We could scroll through the first ten packages, and people are going to explain how I've been working really hard on my game. I'm playing better than ever. I think I'm playing my best poker. I've been a pro for this many years. I think I'm peaking. You know, all these yeah, justifications for have why their markup is. But, but there's I people just selling seen that and heard yeah. that. But let me let me throw another angle at you, Andrew, and see what you think about this. So. In the past, um, and even if we're talking about the two plus two marketplace, like someone can list something exactly like what you're talking about. I think I'm peaking and I'm doing awesome. And let's say they get a bunch of investors at one, two, five. Let's just say that they get it, mm-hmm. right? Um, then let's say they brick the entire series and they, you know, then they just kind of disappear and then they resurface in another couple of years and they try the same thing. Well, there's no real record of what actually happened, right? And one of the interesting things that um, happens with Tasty Steaks is every tournament that is on there, everything is listed. So every tournament that you enter, every package that you've offered, there is a historical ROI listed for everything. So in an ideal world, which I realize is not going to happen, but let's say that every tournament player uses this site uh, when they were selling pieces, it would keep an accurate record of what their ROI really is in all of this stuff, which, to my knowledge, doesn't exist anywhere else uh, unless we're talking about online poker. And, you know, that is one of the things that when I was uh, working on this, I'm like, you know what? I mean, this would kind of bring stuff out of the shadows to some extent. You know, there would be no more BS about... Um, you know, how I did last year <clears throat> or what my ROI was or Hended Mob that only reports wins. You know what I mean? This, I, this radio show brought to you by TastySteaks.com. No, I'm not. I'm really not trying to, I'm really not trying to, to pump it up because, it, Andrew, I don't know if you know this, but I don't make anything from this website. Like nothing. Oh, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. It doesn't have like a great, uh, like a revenue model. It's hard to make money from that. Right. There, well, there is no revenue model. Like, this was originally created for for BART, 
And then we decided, hey, let's make it so that anyone can use it. And they're literally, like, there's no ads. There's no money that takes tra- changes hands. There's nothing. It's just a uh, software as a service that poker players, if they want to use it, they can use it. But the real point that I'm trying to make is if there is somewhere that you can actually see, like a marketplace where you can see, hey, people are buying this guy at this rate, you know, maybe it's worth it to buy this guy. Or at 1.3, this particular guy is not selling out at all. Well, then I guess he's overpriced and he's going to have to revise it down, as well as a way that you can see their historical record in terms of how they're done. I mean, isn't more information better from that point of view or you just more argue well you know what's funny is i was actually discussing this with dutch recently yep. and he was saying he's a big believer that you know we should have the records for every single tournament that that every individual registers and their caches so we know like right? through roi for everybody well That'd yeah and the problem well it wouldn't be fantastic because i think a large part of poker's success is uh, maintaining the illusion yeah. that there are a bunch of winners, and the thing is, the I think the the walls would would come tumbling down when we realize, you know, there's only you know ten or fifteen percent. Right. Yeah, in the I, I, I agree. It's, that's never going to happen for that reason, unless someone uh, has access to that data and just uh, compiles it themselves. There's right. uh, well, other... Quad Jacks did that one year, didn't they? Yeah, two years. Two years. WSOPDB.com, actually, and I and I use that to come up with some of my, you know, what would be estimates for reasonable markups. Yeah, but even you know that was invaluable. I'll be honest with you. Even then, just given the variance of MTTs, like I I really think that there there are guys that are going to live and die, and they will never know what their true MTT ROI is. I mean, they're just not. I mean, you, you you if you have spent any time running a variance simulator. And you look at the uh, the number of samples that you need to have, and and you can still have outliers in there. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you know. It yeah. would be incredibly difficult. I, I think impossible for anyone in their lifetime to play enough live MTTs to really have an accurate understanding of what their ROI is. Yeah, and, and I want to say this too. Even if you're correct, even if you're correct that most people charging markup are charging too high for what they're really worth and that everybody buying into these packages is getting uh, a poor value. Right. That uh, the point is that as, as uh, Cal Watt was saying earlier, there's a lot of different reasons people buy into these and, and also you can't hold everybody's hand. It's, it's if you price something and you're not misleading people, and just charging a certain markup isn't necessarily misleading them. You're saying, and you can even pump yourself up, oh, I'm running hot, I've won this tournament, I won that tournament, I, I'm playing my best game ever, I think I'm going to have a huge year. That's just selling yourself. That's just pumping yourself up and, and uh, tooting your own horn. But that's not, if you say, my ROI should is, is actually more like 1.7 in the World Series, so you should, you should get on this 1.4. <laughs> then, then it starts to be where, where okay, then you could start right. saying that person is trying to mislead the, the potential buyer. But if someone just says, great things about their poker game and okay now i'm selling it at 1.3 well it, it it may very well be a terrible buy but uh there's many things in this world that are a terrible buy that i wouldn't say are a scam or are unethical it's just that they're overpriced and if you, if you put in the work to identify it's overpriced then you don't buy it or you search elsewhere and, and if you don't and you you pay too much of a high price then that's what happens for not doing the research but there's also as everybody seems to agree here multiple reasons that people buy 
pieces of each other. And I, I can say for myself, I sell 40%, approximately 40% of, of myself for each World Series. So I'm, I'm not doing this risk-free by any means. I, I could sell more than 40. Every year I sell out way before the series. I, I yeah. could sell way more than 40. I, I stop at 40 because I, I don't want to sell more than 40. I want to have right. 60% of myself or so. Uh, now, I... I look at who's buying it, and most of the people who are buying it, the, the typical profile of a person buying pieces of me is a uh, middle-aged uh, professional who's, who's doing fairly well for themselves and uh, mm-hmm. you know, has plenty of, of extra money and says, uh, I, I can't make it to the World Series. I, I want to invest in someone that I trust, someone I, I hear on the radio show once a week, whatever. It's someone who really is doing it for the entertainment and for the sweat. And, so and, you're abusing your trust. <laughs> yeah, I'm abusing with my your listening audience. I'm abusing the to listeners. Get staked for tournaments. <laughs> yes, I'm abusing the listeners. Okay. But but they really are feeling that they're getting something out of this uh, because it, it's it's entertainment to them, and it's and also the people who are doing it are not investing their bottom dollar because they uh, this is their one chance to get rich. They, they, these are people who are, are spending a relatively small sum of money to them to to buy a piece of something that they they will enjoy, and they're not just like when they go to Vegas and play blackjack and know they're negative EV or play slot machines or play craps. What, whatever they play, they, they know coming in they're negative EV. I'm not saying that I'm negative EV when they're playing, but, but they think even if they are, that this is still something they would do because they enjoy it. And I think a number of people who buy into these poker packages are doing it all or partially for this reason. And, uh, and, they're, and those that are really buying for a serious investment, I think it should be on them, just like any investment you make, to do homework and figure out what the truth is, and I don't. I don't hold it against you for pointing out. Hey, I've done. I've run some numbers, and everybody's charging too much markup. I think. I think this is way overpriced by everybody, and that uh, it's, a, it's a chronic issue in these markup packages. And I want everybody to know. That's fine. This shouldn't be a secret. If you figured it out and want everybody to know, I think that's totally fine. It just. It seems to me though that that it, it it's bothering you. That people are doing this, and and I I'm someone who posts all the time about uh, things I find are overpriced that are, and I never call them scams or anything. I just I say you know this product is overpriced. You know I don't think people should buy this. This is too much. This uh, hotel is over- We we know you're the eBay police. Yeah, <laughs> you're on there all the time when someone's selling Beanie Babies for you know two X what MSRP. You're on there telling the Walmart they can go get it at the right price. But yeah. let, let me just say one more thing, and I think I want to let. Andrew talked. Yeah, then I want to hear his response to all this. Yeah, yeah, I think both of us have been not letting him him speak enough. But the the one thing I wanted to say is like I I invested in in Druff's package, right? And you know I did it for the hell of it because it would be kind of fun. It's money I can afford. And if you want to talk about something that is really a bad deal and really affects the people who can least afford it, let's talk about state lottery tickets, right? I mean, those are some of the worst buys in terms of ROI, in terms of your likelihood of ever winning anything, of any bet that you can make anywhere. And they're state You will hear no disagreement from me, none right. whatsoever. And, I, and, I, I, I speak out against lottery all the time. And, I, and I, I, I am someone that I have never bought a lottery ticket in my life because I think it's a sucker's bet. I really do. But in some sense, I look at the piece that I bought of Druff's Package – as uh, it'll be fun to rail them. Like, it'll give me a reason to follow the tournament cities in. I'll be just mm-hmm. the same way that when people bet on, you know, their favorite NBA team, uh, they then follow them uh, intimately. It'll give me, uh, you know, something to sweat. And and if he does, you know, 
make it deep, I'll be rooting for him, you know? Uh, and then also, if he does the incredible and he ends up final tabling and winning a bracelet or whatever, there's my lottery ticket, you know? I've gotten my entertainment out of it. I've enjoyed it. It's money I can afford. Is he charging too much markup? I don't know. You know, he's, he's charging one, two. I don't know if that's too much. I have no idea. He's been do, playing World Series of Poker for a decade. I still don't think he has a sample size for us to really know what his ROI is in these tournaments, you know? But it seems reasonable to me, and some people are, are putting packages out there. There are, there are definitely some people that um, they can't afford to do it on their own, so they're seeking funding, and there are a decent number. They're listing it at no markup. And right. there, there definitely is a segment that um, I think as long as people are willing to buy, they're willing to take the money and, you know, charge whatever markup they can get uh, and kind of, you know, eat for free. I think that the that element is there as well. And then there are other people like Glance that they're like, hey, this will be fun. I can connect with my fans. If I can't get, uh, if I can't sell out at this rate, I don't care. I'm just going to buy in on my own. Anyway, I... I Spoken too much. I apologize. Go. No, no, that that's fine. Um, yeah, I think that that you guys have some 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 definitely good points. I don't I don't claim to have all the answers on this. Um, yeah, I think it started in in 2011 after Black Friday when nobody had any cash, yep. and the 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 one uh, 1.25 selling eighty uh, percent of yours level 1.25 became a popular <laughs> method because it allows you to perfectly free roll yourself. Uh, you don't have to put up a dime. You can play a full package. Um, I'd like to think, so I've, I was, you know, scanning the two plus two marketplace today. I'm starting to, you know, put together some investments. Um, I try to put together like a portfolio every, every summer. And, um, you know, I was looking at the markups and I realized that they've like, I mean, they've really come down. I mean, you could compare, you could go back to previous years and this is the lowest I've ever seen. And I don't want to take, you know, a bunch of credit for that. But I have to think that, you know, if I talk about this enough, people are going to feel some pressure to, to move that number down. Right. Um, and that's, that's it, only going to be better for poker. That's only going to be better for investors. I think it's, it's more honest. It um, could also be a reflection of there just being less money. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think that's, well. that's mainly what's happening there is that just you know? people are, uh, are and just, when it's, when it's a, uh, a buyer's market, the prices come down, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, less there's less money in from for like players having less money, or I, I think there's just less money? less money in the poker world in general. Sponsorships are dead. Online poker has been dead long enough that um, there aren't a whole lot of people that are, uh, at least in the U.S., that are making a, a living off of it. And I, you know, we've seen the death of a lot of the poker media, and I think just the poker economy in general. I think there's less money there. And I'm not minimizing yeah, your efforts. I think your awareness efforts probably have had uh, have been a factor as well. But something to consider is there may just be less money to go around. And when there's less money to go around, you got to be more competitive. Yeah, yeah, no, that that could be true. I mean, I'm, I also worry that that a lot of people have had uh, you know bad experiences with with buying pieces, and there's less investor money. And in order to get yeah. the remaining investor money, you have to price yourself more competitively. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a couple that factors that too. could be going on there. Yes, yeah, so, and you know what? And again, I'm not I'm not criticizing at all you putting that information out there or stating your opinion. I, I don't think any of these things should be kept a secret. If somebody notices something, 
uh, run numbers or whatever they do, and they come to a conclusion, they shouldn't be afraid to say it because uh, there will be bad reaction to it. So there's there's no problem with, with saying that even if people who are selling pieces get mad that uh, you're bringing out uh, what you believe is the truth and it makes them look bad. That, that, that's fine. I just... Well, I, I why just, you got to call glance a scam? Uh, but I just, I just hope oh, no, that that was bad. And I apologize to him, and we haven't spoken for a little while. You know, it's funny. Matt and I actually have chatted a decent amount, like you know, via DMs, and he told me something similar to what you guys said at the beginning. He's like, you know what? You see, we disagree, but you seem like a reasonable person, and I think there's probably no better compliment than saying, you know, regardless of our disagreements, like you're someone that I, you know, whose opinion I value and. and uh, respect and and that was good to hear from him. And then of course I throw him under the bus for the for the markup, <laughs> and now he's probably going to take that all back. Well, he's yeah, um, he's I mean he's gonna, he listens to every show here. He's a big fan of this show, so he he'll have heard this entire interview. So anything you say here, he'll hear. And all right, well, well Matt, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. That's that's uh, you know, big of you to say. And but I I just I just hope when you're on the anti markup uh, campaign that. You at least don't get mad at other than the people who seem to be outright trying to trick others. That at least those who are just saying this is my markup, you know, who wants to buy, even if it's overpriced, that uh, you're not getting mad at them or think they're scammers or think they're unethical. Uh, that and you know, I can understand more of the ones who are selling the eighty percent at one point twenty five who are just trying to free roll and uh, not putting any themselves in it. Which yeah, if they can sell out as long as they're transparent about it, then. then it's okay, but I can see you looking at those people through some sort of disdain that, uh, look, this is someone who's trying to transfer all the risk to other people, and that's, yeah, at some point you've got to question that, and uh, I also find it especially questionable people sell sometimes more than it, where the money they collect, including markup, becomes more than the buy-in, and they're actually making money either very, way. Very I, common with the main event. Very I, I, common yeah, I think, I think that's horrible, and that should never be done. I mean, there's, there's no rule against it, but I think anyone who does that is acting very shady. You should, you should never make money from losing, and there should never be a situation where when you're playing the tournament, you're making money whether you win or lose. So that shouldn't happen. And when I've seen that in some cases, I, I've called it out and said, this is ridiculous, this shouldn't be happening, this is unethical. But uh, I think if anybody is going to uh, just charge a higher markup, and other than that seems to be reasonable, it doesn't seem to be misleading anyone, and if people are willing to invest, then I, I think at least you shouldn't, you may think it's a bad deal. I, I hope at least you're not mad at them or going to accuse them of scamming or semi-scamming or whatever it is. And just from observing you on Twitter, I just felt like you were being a little too hard on, on people who are charge, overcharging for markup. No, I, I think you're right, and I think that the, the strategy that I've tried to employ, um, and, you know, and Glance is a, an obvious ex, uh, exception to this, is I really don't try to, you know, hop in people's threads and say like, like this is really common on two plus two, and and I think I've seen, I saw it on Facebook today actually, someone was selling action, and someone hopped in the thread and said, "Beware, guys, this is not a good package." I can't think of too many instances in my life where I've done that. Um, usually what I try to do is I'd like throw out rough numbers because I mean, and that's not the best because obviously, you know, buying action, you know, some people are going to be great buys in a 1500 at, you know, 1.3 and some people are going to be bad buys at par in the same event. So, um, but I do throw out some rough numbers and then I will also try to like hype up the packages that I think are appropriately priced. Um, you know, so I think that that, that's something I can do to kind of signal that um, I think this person is doing a good job. And I, and I love drawing attention to like the people that are appropriately priced because 
I think that that's one way to try to incentivize people offering a good price. So like whenever I sell in 10 Ks, what I would love to do is find a price that everyone says, you know what? That's fair. I don't, I don't want to hear people saying, yeah, I don't know about that. I wouldn't buy at that price. Okay. Well, you know, as I might be, and I might be losing out on some, on some, on some money there on some equity, but I don't know. I mean, I think I can, I can, I can sleep better at the end of the day, knowing that I'm giving my investors, you know, a plus EV opportunity, you know, and I, I'm already, you know, making some money myself from, from my share of it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of compassion for the people who are willing to invest in me. Um, and so that's something like, I feel like I can do for them. In addition to giving them the sweat, you know, you always want to provide feedback to your, to the people that are investing, but also giving them like a clear opportunity to make money. Well, okay. Everybody, you know, and everybody can price theirs for whatever reason they want. And everybody has their, their different motivations for why they are, are even selling pieces of themselves ranging from, uh, for, from desperation uh, all, all the way through just uh, you know wanting to give people a chance to to, to sweat them. The motivation shouldn't be different. Shouldn't shouldn't we be trying to make the investors money? Is that well, is let me, we let not me ask you let me ask there? you a question. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. So let's say some freak thing happens and Phil Ivy lists a package on Tasty Sticks, right? And I, I I get what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying to some extent about the uh, the the magical or mystical element to poker, right? I mean, obviously, I think that uh, Phil Ivey's a good poker player, but you know, is he the god that he's made out to be? Well, probably not, right? But let's just say that he lists a package up on Tasty Stakes. What what would be a reasonable markup for Phil Ivey to charge? I mean, what's the event? Well, I mean, I, I mean, if we're gonna, if you really want me to go through this hypothetical, I, I need some, some context here. So, and and here's, uh, well, let's say it's the main event. Okay, so he's going to sell. Event. Okay, he's going to sell pieces of himself in the main event at the World Series. And here's the thing to keep in mind: it's the same thing when you're selling a house. Um, you know, if someone snap buys it, then you probably listed it too low. Um, and if no one is buying it at whatever you're listing it at, it's probably too high. And I'll, I'll tell you something that I've mentioned to Druff before is that we, a long time ago, talked about the idea of on Tasty Steaks creating micro markets where you would be able to buy Druff at whatever markup you were able to, to snatch up, right? And then you'd be able to trade him and sell him to somebody else. And by, by that happening, by the buying and selling of people and their markup, um, just like the commodities market, you would establish whatever the price really should be, right? Um, now, the obvious reason we didn't do that is that's we're basically creating a commodities market, and the SEC is not going to like that, right? I mean, it's just, it, just, yeah. it sounds like a terrible idea from a not-going-to-jail point of view. But the reality is, well, that and, and everyone, everyone's going to list, everyone's going to list too high too, because they don't well, want to, they don't want to miss out on any of the profits. Well, it doesn't matter; they wouldn't sell. I mean, that's the real point: is that the the way that it would work is everyone would have started at no markup, right? So everyone lists at no markup, and then you're able to buy, sell, and trade. You know, oh, you got Phil Ivy at no markup. Hell yeah, you know, I'll take that, I'll buy that from you, uh, I'll take it at 1.2. And instantly someone has made a 20% profit. You see what I'm saying? So it, it would have sorted yeah. itself out. But my, my real point that I'm kind of getting at here is that 
I mean, I think Ivy should list it something well above what his real ROI probably would be because people are going to buy it. You know, I mean, they're going to buy yeah, it. I mean, that, that's, that's, a piece. Why, that's why Jamie Gold lists. Right, right. I mean, and, if, <laughs> and if people, if people want to buy it, I mean, are we saying, no, 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 don't buy it because, like, don't bet on your favorite team because they're not that good? You know, I mean... No, I, I again, I guys, I totally recognize these are tough questions. Like, I, I do think that like it's, uh, it's kind of vexing. Like, what responsibility do we have to inform people that like Jamie Gold was a fish on a heater and you shouldn't pay for his overpriced action? Right. Um, you know, but you know, then then we should we should we we be uh, you know, marching through you know, inner city Detroit telling people not to buy lottery tickets? Right. Which, I mean, honestly, like, in terms of <laughs> injustice, in, in terms of betting goes, like, lottery tickets are the nut low. Like, they are really oh, the, totally. worst, the worst. Tragic. So yeah. tragic. But, okay, so what should Phil Ivey's, uh, what should he be listing his, his main event WSOP package at? Uh, let's see here. Mike McDonald auctioned his main event a couple years ago. And I think it went for like two point nine, and I shorted him. <laughs> oh, and, and I think, and I Jeez. think that I think that I was actually close to the right price. I'm, I think Phil. I think I would buy Phil Ivy in the main at least at three point zero. Really? At least. Okay. All right. So, so the the problem is not necessarily the absolute number, then, right? You're just saying that in your no, no, opinion. no. That's the that's the thing. It's like that's a that's a real huge misunderstanding. Is Markups in the main event are so different than markups in every other tournament. Okay. And the main is where, like, the one tournament where you can go nuts with markup, it's, and, and it's not, um, you know, it's not egregious because okay. of how special the tournament is. But then we're like, we're the reason people think those numbers are so large is because we're anchored to this traditional markup in like the, you know, the fucking turbo events, relatively right. speaking. Right. Um, you know, I, there are people who I wouldn't touch at 1.4 in a 1500 that I would snap by at 1.7 in the main, which makes sense, which makes sense, right? It's a different field. So we're going to have to ask the, uh, tough questions here. Would you buy Matt Glantz at 1.25 for the tournaments that he has listed? Um, Oh, the, so, the apology is about to be. Ta- I think the apology is going to be taken quali- back in a second. Let me qualify my answer. Oh, um, the reason the reason that I wouldn't do that is I think that my um, earning potential on my money is going to be higher for my own action and the other people that I'm buying pieces of for the summer. Mm-hmm. But do I think it's profitable? He's profitable one point two five. Yes, I do. Okay, good. Well, okay, I, I, I have. Uh, I think we may be boring people with the markup talk. We've talked a long time, so let's let's yeah let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, 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 let's change let's move on here. Okay, so this this is going to be uh, a, a little uh, more controversial, if oh, possible. No. Uh, re- <laughs> recently, it's co- it's come up with it with a shirt that uh, I think said "Rape Like Drake" when you were uh, railing someone some years ago. I don't think it was that long. Uh, ago. Yeah. maybe four years ago, five this years was, ago. This uh, was four years ago. I okay, think. Yeah. Andrew Barber, do you condone rape? <laughs> So, so what, what was the what was the story behind this uh, this shirt? Uh, you know, who were you railing there? Why was that shirt being worn? And um, and and then how how do you justify a lot of your uh, 
very uh, pro-feminist uh, Twitter rants when when you had worn a shirt like that at uh, in public uh, four years ago? Totally fair question. Um, I'm I'm glad you asked it. So, I mean, this is actually I mean I you know I know it's a lighthearted show, but this is actually like a really transformative moment for me. Um, so I was I had a I had ten percent of a guy who final tabled the very first uh, monster stack. His name's uh, Sean Drake. Um, you know, he's a well-known player in Northern California, um, good friend of mine. And, you know, he had this, we had this phrase to describe uh, just how he, you know, absolutely punished players uh, that he played against in playing a very unconventional, aggressive style. And I don't think I coined it. I think someone else did. And it just kind of stuck. And it was, you know, play like Drake and rape. And I think that it's not news to you guys that like the word rape is used in poker all the time for like destroying your opponents, you know, uh, raping the bubble or something, you know, it's been so while such a long time since I've used the word in a poker context because of how I felt about the situation. But, um, so anyway, he final tables this event, you know, I'm trying to do something on the rail, support him. So, uh, me and a buddy who also had a piece went to a t-shirt, you know, designer and had to make this shirt. Um, so we made a bunch of them and we're handing them out on the rail. And, uh, how did this go down? I want to say like someone was upset by it. World, the Rio security was called. <laughs> we were asked to take, off, we were asked to take off the shirt. I refused because I thought that was infringing upon my rights. Uh-oh. You know, I was really, you know, upset about it. Uh, and principled, very stubborn, Obviously. Now, do you still believe? Um, would you, hold so on. Do you, do you still believe that that was uh, infringing upon your rights, or have you changed your mind on that? I do think them asking me to take it off was was uh, inappropriate, but I also think me wearing the shirt was inappropriate. Which was so, more inappropriate? Uh, how do you rank things that are inappropriate? I'm just saying, uh, if we had a scale, we got the <laughs> the rapey T-shirt on one, and the other one take it off on the other, and the arms think, of justice are I going think up because and down. I think because it's a private business that they, they probably have more right to tell me to take it off. Than, they, they could just tell you to leave. So, yeah, they could just tell me to leave. So, like, they're actually being nice probably by letting me take off the shirt and stay. They could um, tell you you're banned. So, well, that's, that's why yeah. I'm surprised that you're even, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that the, you, you today uh, are, at the time you're wearing it, I can see if you think that you're enjoying wearing the shirt or you think it's funny that it's, it's annoying when they're telling you to take it off, even if they're right. But I'm surprised today you're still thinking that because I, I felt that when they're, as you said, it's a private business, it's, it's an event that uh, – it's a commercial event they're running. They, they have a certain image to uphold. I, I feel that they have the right to make you – take off anything that you're wearing that's controversial. I mean, I don't think that it's right for them to tell you, hey, we don't like people wearing green shirts here. Like that's, that's at that point, overstepping their, their, uh, what they should be doing. But I, I think anybody who's wearing anything controversial, they should have a right to tell people, hey, I want you to change. This isn't the, this is what we want seen on TV or seen by our audience or whatever. I think that they should always have that right at their event to tell people that they don't want, controversial things being worn so yeah no you're you're right i would agree i would agree with that so uh so anyway so this is actually funny it comes back to matt glance so i'm actually i was uh you know alternating between railing and playing in a tournament and i'm playing some mixed events and i've got um matt glance at my table and i'm wearing the shirt and he was he was not a fan of the shirt and i think he was if i recall correctly he was giving me a hard time about it 
And then, you know, uh, the tournament director said, if you want to continue playing in this tournament, you have to take this shirt off right now. <laughs> so, uh, mm. so I, so I took the shirt off and, uh, you know, I was my, my current girlfriend, we had just started dating at the time and she told me how upset she was, um, you know, with me wearing the shirt. And and then over the next few days, I had multiple women tell me accounts of, and again, I apologize for, you know, this show getting serious, but, you know, telling me about their rapes and how seeing that shirt brought back memories for them that they just didn't feel, you know, the need to, um, you know, be, uh, remembering again. Um, and I, and I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I just hadn't thought about, you know, how, what I put out in the world is, is going to have a negative effect on others. I just kind of saw myself as this entity that doesn't have any impact on anyone else and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I'm, I've, I've been labeled a hypocrite for this, but I think that, that, that I changed my perspective on the issue because of that experience. Okay. Well, like, okay. So people, I, I was saying when commenting on this, I do feel people sometimes make stupid mistakes or, or make uh, ill-advised decisions, and then they can't have that define them unless it's something super major. Like if you make the decision to go uh, rob a bank and then shoot someone while you're doing, it, say, "Oh, it's just a bad day. I shouldn't have done that." Like you know, the, if you have you know, real lasting consequences for what you do, then that does define you. But but something like this, mm-hmm. which is just offensive to people and, and inappropriate. To, uh, you you can say it was was a mistake, and uh, as long as you're not routinely doing this, I, I can see where uh, that wouldn't define you or necessarily make you a hypocrite. Uh, I so so from that point of view, I understand. But would you say that uh, you know I've seen your like you got and let me tie this into something else I wanted to bring up. You got involved in that whole uh, Jacqueline Moscow and Nolan Dollar situation. Oh yes, and yes, and yes. Uh, uh-huh. so. Couldn't it be said similarly that Nolan Dalla may have done something stupid and acted inappropriately? Uh, I know it was a different way. You didn't touch anybody. You didn't uh, motorboat anyone's breasts when you wore that shirt. But uh, you know, in one way, you, you know, one thing was physical, and one thing was was more emotional. People, you know, wearing a shirt to, that making mm-hmm. jo- jokes of rape, and then women who experienced that were were uh, uh, didn't like seeing that. Understandably, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you say uh-huh. that that? Uh, the same could be said about Nolan Dollar here, that even if he did do what was accused of him, uh, couldn't this be said it was similarly just a, a bad judgment and he shouldn't be raked over the coals for it? Yeah, I mean, now we're kind of we're getting into, like, the theory of, of justice. Like, I mean, shouldn't... I would imagine that, that regardless of what the crime is, you know, someone should be eventually, um, you know, forgiven and reintroduced to society. Uh, you know, I think that... Are you ready kind to of, be reintroduced to society, Andrew? <laughs> no, I mean this. I think we're we're like extremely punitive in this country. And do you think you know, you're a think do you think you're a harm to yourself or others? Or are you going to be? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I think Nolan. Um, you know, I don't know where you guys fall on that, and I actually haven't thought about this for a long time. Um, but my my take at the at the at that moment was that. Um, you know, I'm probably going to uh, side with the accuser, um, you know, but like, I think there's like a probabilistic um, calculation you have to do there. Um, but regardless of, of uh, you know, what happened, I think it was just like a, an unfortunate situation. And I think that you can have sympathy for both parties 
and I don't think Nolan should be raked over the coals or like, you know, perma banned from, from poker, because I think that that's one of the ways that we, uh, do justice wrong in this country is if someone does something wrong, we think like, Oh, let's give them the max punishment for it. But, but Warren, you, do, you have a sister? do you have a sister, Andrew? I do have a sister. Would you let Nolan date your sister? I mean, that's a real <laughs> test. It, it is. That's the, that's like, you know what I'm saying? But I think it depends how big her breasts are. That that would determine whether... Oh, no, let's not start talking about his sister's anatomy. But would you let Nolan Dalla... Let's say your sister comes home. So, you know, Nolan's not married. I met this amazing guy. His name is Nolan Dalla. Your reaction... He's extremely liberal. Be, your reaction would be... Uh, there, there would be a little bit of an age divide. Uh, that would be a concern of mine. Love has no age. Well, let's let's, let's, let's even say it was let's say it was, a, it was a Nolan Dollar from uh, 1995 who came in a time machine. Yeah, age age is just a number, Andrew. You know, I I um I would actually I think I would be okay with it if I could talk to Nolan to find out uh, what happened with the whole. Um, Jacqueline thing. Well, I actually spoke to um, him. You know, I spoke to him, and uh, you know, look, I, you asked about my opinion. I, I'm surprised. Like when I went back and forth with you and several others on this, some people erroneously believed that I was trying to defend Nolan or I was on his side. I wasn't on any side. I was, I was trying, and I was, I was jumping around in in what I thought and what I believed of the situation. It, it was a strange situation. It was a tough thing to figure out what was true and what wasn't. And I mm-hmm. changed my opinion several times of what I thought had really occurred. And when the whole thing was over, uh, I actually was in a different place than I originally was. By the, whole time, by the time the whole thing was over, I actually believed most of Jacqueline's account and believed most or all of it had occurred. But I also felt that uh, she mishandled it after that by trying to ask for too much in uh, in response to this and that uh, yeah. she, she overdid it and had she settled for something more reasonable, uh, which, which it seemed like they were going to give, that this whole thing could have been avoided. And it looked like once she sensed weakness, she pushed for too much, and then they said F you, and then she felt insulted they're giving her nothing, and then you, know, you saw what happened. But but I, it seemed like you and several others on Twitter, mainly like the uh, Social Justice Warrior poker crew, uh, were, were, were very, very – they jumped very, very strongly on her side and were like really, really – uh, tweeting very angrily about this, and uh, I don't remember specifically what you said and, and what other people said, uh, but some of them argued with me very vigorously about this, and and I was surprised at, at it, so much that I thought these were personal friends of hers. And when I got to know Jacqueline a little bit better later on, after the, all this had passed, and and uh, and I, I started to talk to her, and I, I said to her, you know, you actually seem, you know, I actually think better of you, Jacqueline, than I did before. I actually. Uh, yeah, I think you're okay, but uh, I have to tell you, I don't like your friends very much. Your, your social justice warrior friends, I don't like them very much. I'm, and she said, "These aren't my friends. I don't even know them." And I said, "Huh? <laughs> Wait a minute! All, this, all these people who are on you know on your side, like like they were defending a you know a very very close friend. They, they you don't know them. She says, I don't know any of them. They just showed up and they were just all on my side. So who was I to say no?" And I said, "Wow!" So, so and I remembered you were one of them. What what made you? It seemed like you were very into defending her and and very much. Uh, you angry at the other side of this, and th- that's what makes me wonder: Why did you get so involved with this and so kind of emotionally involved with this when you didn't even know her? 
Well, I, I, I do know Jacqueline. So, I mean, but that was, I don't know when you spoke to her. So I, I maybe I met her after that, but, um, well, did you know her you know, before time, or after the incident? After the incident. Okay. Yeah. I met her. Uh, I don't remember when it took place, but I, that first summer. Um, so I met her, um, that summer and I, you know, saw her a few times we talked. Um, she thanked me. So, uh, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I think that I I don't know I I don't know if it's a, a bad thing if people who don't know her come out in support and the, and the thing is I mean I'd have to look back to see what was said but I think ultimately what everyone was trying to do was just to offer compassion to someone who went through something um you know went through something that negatively affected her and if if if, if you guys think that like that's you know overstepping their bounds uh, then we're probably just going to fundamentally disagree on that. Well, I mean, but here's I think the there's thing. nothing wrong with lending lending support to someone who, you know, well, is struggling with something. Sure, but but here's the the God's honest truth is that, especially at the time that this was all first coming out, you know, none of us had any idea what actually happened, right? And even now, we have one side's account and we have the other side's account, and I guess it's more. I think what Druff is kind of um, referring to is the proclivity to. Um, be more likely to side with one one particular person than the other, you know, just based on your worldview, which I guess is kind of natural, you know. Um, no, but I but I don't think you should do that, and I don't think that I did that because I think uh, there was one tweet in particular that I recall where you know something someone said like uh, what we should do is you know uh, offer compassion both to Nolan and to Jacqueline, like they're both going through something they really don't want to be going through right now. Right, and I think yeah, that's and, like what a that's what a reasonable person would do. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, from my perspective, I mean, the one thing I will say um, is that uh, women are not always victims, okay? Um, and women are not, uh, you know, these uh, these weak things that need to pr- be protected. Women are people, and I have seen women do some pretty fucked up things, um, including faking rape allegations, right? Now, regarding this particular situation, after you know everything that I've heard and I've seen, I think it probably happened. I think Nolan probably did motorboat the shit out of her. I, re- I mean, I really <laughs> just think that that's the most likely thing. Um, I also think that I don't think she was all that bothered by it. You know, I mean, I think she was a little bit upset about it, but. You know, based on the way everything played out, I don't think it was something where she was traumatized by it. And it really did seem like she was trying to kind of leverage it to get the most out of it that she possibly could. Well, yeah, and, and I believe so is that... So is it possible that there's a little bit of, um, let's say, not the best behavior on both of their parts? Yeah. Now, obviously, Jacqueline didn't wish any of this to happen to her, but I am not convinced that she is damaged by it and really upset by it and it really seemed like she was trying to get as much out of it as she possibly could well is i mean that, i would imagine that, or is that out of line i mean i i did i don't like the beginning of your argument where you're 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 basing it on the fact that you know women who have who have faked rape like that's a that's not the best way to start your argument well um, i'm just saying that women but, are but, women are people right and yeah, people women, do but, fucked up things you know? Yeah, but we live in a we live in a society where you know it's not like uh, an equal number of men and women are being uh, 
raped or abused. That is true. Like it's 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 super unequal. You know, women are genetically, physically weaker, and that leads to them being in some some uh, shitty. Be careful who you say but, that to. <laughs> be careful who you say that to. I've met some women that could kick my ass, and I'm a big guy. Right, right, right. But that's you know that's not the exception that proves the rule. Right. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I, no, I agree. We, look, what you're saying there is true. You know, women are definitely, in, in that sense, uh, you know, a very, very, very uh, high percentage of of that sort of uh, victim. And uh, and and there are many guys who act inappropriately around women, who uh, touch women, grab women, or, or you know, do inappropriate things, especially usually sexual things that they should not be doing. That I personally would never do, uh, you know, to a woman that I'm I'm not, you know almost certain would want me to do it, you know, unless if, if I'm not almost certain, I, I wouldn't do anything like that. But there's many guys who don't have that filter and will, you know, if they, if they want to grab a woman, they find attractive, they just grab them. Or now I think with, with Nolan, this is my opinion. I, I think that he did it, but I don't think he did yep. it from the standpoint of screw her. I don't care what she thinks. I'm going to do it anyway. I thought, think he was drunk. I think he got the wrong signal from her. I think she, he felt that she would be okay with it. She'd kind of laugh well, it her off. boyfriend was there, though. Yeah, I know, but I, I think he felt that she'd laugh it off. I think he, he was drunk and not thinking critically. I'm not defending being drunk that that gives you the right to do it, but there are... In fact, I, I've spoken to female friends of, of Nolan's. Uh, I think I, we'll get to her in a second. One of them, that uh, uh, Karina Jett, who uh, I know you, you aren't very happy with at the moment, Andrew, but she said, "Had uh, had Nolan done this to her, she wouldn't have even minded. She would have said, oh, we're just buddies, you know, no big deal.' Nolan, I'm not offended." And there's other Wait, women. Who, who is this? What? Car- Karina Jett. Oh, okay. And, and and then there's other. Wait, what? What? She she said that. It, oh, oh, the other Andrew. Shit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. So, Fuck. so, I'm so, so confused. So Karina is uh, one of them that, that felt like it wouldn't have bothered her. And, and knowing Karina, I, I believe that. Uh, then there's other women who, I believe it too. who there's I, other I completely believe there's it. other women that really would be bothered by it and you know, really offended. And then there's ones in the middle that would kind of feel uncomfortable, but it wouldn't be that big, that huge of a deal. And also, of course, it has it depends on how comfortable they are with the man. Where sometimes uh, if it's a man that they're friendly with and very comfortable with, even if he does something that they prefer, he doesn't. They're not you know really offended or really taken aback. Where if it's more of a stranger, then that's much worse. So you know, there's there's a big spectrum of this of of inappropriateness, and then there's a big spectrum of of the restraint that guys will show and the respect they'll show towards women. And what what I felt with Nolan is I think he believed at the moment when he did it that it wasn't a big deal. I, I don't think he felt like, oh, I'm going to do this because, you know, screw women, I can do what I want. Uh, I, I don't think that was what he was thinking. I think he believed that she would be receptive to it and be okay with it, and that was a mistake, and she wasn't. And then, uh, but, but I also b- believe Calwatt's... You know, opinion. I, I believe that's also to be true. That she wasn't as traumatized as she claimed to be on the blog. I think what happened was there were a number but of ways. That way- actually doesn't matter. And that actually, I don't think that actually matters. Well, I was going to say there's a number of ways that I think she felt slighted here by the way she was treated. Some of this with Nolan, but then the other people on the show who didn't do anything sexually inappropriate, but ones who just were rude to her or, or hadn't treated her well. And all of this together, she just felt was a crappy experience. And then what happened when they moved to, when they went to Florida, like, I think there are a lot of mistakes made on the end of poker night in America with that, with, with the way they handled things with her. And she just felt like the whole thing together pissed her off and that she, you know, and that, that the, but the most offensive thing what was the motorboating that would get everyone's attention. That could be the thing she could exploit for the, for the most out of this. So I think she, at one, on one hand, she really legitimately felt that a lot of things were done that shouldn't have been and that they made a lot of mistakes with how they treated her. I agree with that. I, th- I think they really did 
make a lot of mistakes with how they treated her. And uh, But then I think that uh, she pressed for too much as far as uh, being compensated for what happened here. And then when the whole thing fell apart and they wouldn't give her anything, then she was insulted and said, okay, well, now I'm going to get them by putting the whole story out there because they're – screw them. They're not doing anything for me after all they did. Now, now I'm going to expose them. So I, I see how the whole thing kind of happened without, without either party really being that bad. And that's well. Look, I mean, Nolan shouldn't be sticking his face. No, in he shouldn't. The girls, that, that, any anything. And that's what I was what saying. I mean? no, that's pretty, yeah, it really is. It is that simple. But I mean, I, I do. I see. I think that, like, um, you know, it makes sense that you're trying to to uh, disentangle everything and, and understand what was going. on. I'm sure alcohol played a role. And I mean, I think that in the conversations I've had with people, I mean, my roommate um, every summer for the for the series is a. Um, a female poker pro and she's had experiences with no one. She said, you know, I just got a, a sexist vibe from him. And I, and you know, he's, he's from a different generation. Let so me I ask think you that a question. plays a role as well. Let me ask you a question. So, Shoot. you know, we, we kind of, I, I think we all agree that, you know, a woman's history shouldn't really play into this. Let, let, let's say that, forget that we're talking about someone that, you know, Let's say there's some random girl that had been known to sleep around and, you know, be very sexually promiscuous and very flirty and leading people on and all that kind of stuff. If something inappropriate happened to her, you would still say that it shouldn't have happened, right? She, Of course. Right, because her, her history in being this way shouldn't play into it, right? So if we're going to take that approach, we should also be fair to Nolan and say that whatever his history is in being inappropriate shouldn't play into our take on the situation at all, right? Is that so fair? I, no, I think those are different. I think there's different situations there. So one, right. one is that you're saying that that because a woman is, um, you know, seen as promiscuous, um, no, she's that, actively that flirting she, with lots of guys. Just like Nolan would right, be okay. actively sure. so making she's putting, sex, sexual right. comments. So, so putting yourself out there does not necessarily invite being violated. Right. However, you can take some. You can. You can. You know, apply like a, uh, like a. God, I hate using this word because it's so nerdy. But like, you can be a Bayesian. You can like. Uh, you can make inferences from past behavior to right. um, help you to make future predictions. So, so then like, we could we could take we, her we could take her past into account. Yeah, and say, yeah, I would say that she too. flirts. She flirts a lot. She probably let him up. I, I would say that, that too. A girl shouldn't be assaulted in any way because she flirts. But but whenever a girl flirts, depending on how hard she flirts, it really can give a guy a legitimate misperception of how much interest there is in him. And uh, and 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 you know, the more a girl flirts with a guy she's really not interested in, the more she risks having the guy. You know, touch her in some way she doesn't want because she's given him the wrong idea. And I'm not saying that every guy just should have the right to put his hands on women you know, sexually just because he's getting Ruff, an idea. You can't just grab him by the pussy. <laughs> but know that you can't do that. Unless you right? want to be, unless you want to be president. Yeah, then, then it might work. You cannot just grab him by the pussy. But 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 it, it is a factor. It is something that uh, is a contributing factor. And they can't. The women can't just say, "Oh, well, th- this isn't my fault at all. I was just I was flirting with him. I was shoving my tits in his face. I was making sexual comments." Oh, Oh, he grabbed me. Why would he do such a thing? That's horrible. You know, she's got to look at herself and say, wait a minute. I, I did. So- he maybe 
did something inappropriate, but I also was inviting it and maybe giving him the wrong idea. Maybe I should look at my own behavior from and a, not do this. From a legal point of so, view, we all agree there's a thing called contributory negligence. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. That's that's what it is. So, so, but, but, so, so, yeah. I think you can look at it on both sides. Where I, I actually think that. You you should look at at people's history when you're trying. Unless you're there to watch something occur, then you don't need to know the history. You see something Absolutely. that happened. You see what happened. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's what drives me crazy about this whole thing. How did no in this whole bar and all this production crew and everyone that was there? How did no one come forward and and argue either side? Like I didn't hear anyone say yes, I saw this, and I also didn't hear anyone say no, it didn't happen. Yeah, how the fuck is that possible? Yeah, so it just doesn't make any sense. To yeah, me. So, so anyway, I, I, we're, yeah, I'd want to. Uh, we've we've discussed this a long time. This actually happened right around a year ago. It happened like uh, I think May twenty fifth, twenty sixth, something like that. We're very close to the year anniversary of this. I remember the bombshell was dropped on her website while we were doing the show, and I was very kind of I was tired. I didn't feel like continuing. We'd done the show for like five hours already. I was about to turn it off, and then like, no, you've got to read this right now. And I'm like, oh crap! Like, so, we, so we had went and read it on online during the show, and we had like a three hour discussion. I was like, oh my! Like, I, I was so ready to just be done, and then that came out. And I felt like we couldn't just wait another week. But so I, I don't want to. This is long over with now. But I, I just, I was just curious why you had gotten. It seemed like you got very involved, and I, I don't have the tweets in front of me. And I, I know there were a lot of people I was arguing with at the time, and there were some people who were much more. Uh, obnoxious with me about it than you were like there were i remember jennifer newell was just really getting on my case and chris baud is really these were people who were really being obnoxious with me the way they were writing to me well Druff, to, but, to be fair to to be <clears throat> fair to andrew just because he wore a rapey t-shirt doesn't mean he can't he's then you know forbidden from life for calling out no what he's he not he's as an injustice no i'm not right? i'm not talking about the t-shirt now we're, we're no i think he's, yeah i think he's asking me why no, I, I, I just, I, I worry that in a, in a world, I mean, the poker world is like, you know, full of men. I mean, what, what is it, 90, 95%? Well, at the main event, 90, it's, like, it's like 97, but I think it's less than that at some of the other events. But yeah, it's like sure, 97% sure. at the main event. Um, some of the women you know, aren't really think, women. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really helping our case here. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, I think that, that my concern is that... Um, you know, because it is so male dominated and, and actually you see this in like, in, if you look at the male dominated fields, like you look in tech, you look in the business world, you look in landscape gaming with gamer gate, you look landscape. in, in poker, uh, landscaping, landscaping is incredibly male dominant. <laughs> right. I'm but not kidding. In, in, in all the, in all the things I talked about, there's, there's these controversies that exist because, um, you know, there isn't, there's, there's so far from parody that I think that uh, there aren't like a critical mass of women that are able to prevent, um, you know, inappropriate behaviors from happening. And I just felt like there was a lack of sympathy for her. And I think that if you're, if your default position is to have compassion for the victim, regardless of whether or not you think the crime occurred, like that's a pretty fucking good default. Well, as long as long as you have, I don't think that's the default for a lot of. As people. long as you have compassion, that that's not uh, bridging over into making an assumption of the accused who who may not be guilty or or you may totally not have agree. the full story. Then it's, you got to be very in, careful. In this case, before we know everything that's going on, Dalla could be the victim. Yeah, right, and that's that's what I'm. I'm not saying that he is because and, I don't think he is. I think me, this actually happened. And let me but. say this: Yes, women are very much outnumbered in in poker. Yes, I'm sure women. 
often have to go through uh, poor treatment at the table that wouldn't happen to men. Uh, and, and get some better th- treatment sometimes. But, but too, right, so. that's the other problem. Is, is that that's what I was going to get to? Is that now sometimes they're actually treated better because guys want to you know do favors for them and try to kiss their ass to, to uh, you know, hopefully get their attention. And then other times, I've had women at the, at the poker table, several of them, mistreat me at the table because they're attractive. They're they're attractive. They're under thirty five. Guys hit on them, do them favors all the time. I treat them like I would anyone else at the table. I treat them the Should same way. that T-shirt, Drew. <laughs> I, I treat them the same way as, as I treat guys at the table, and it sometimes pisses them off, and they get nasty with me, and they get abusive, and they try to get the table against me, knowing that you know guys are going to kiss their ass because they're a pretty girl, and they do. They're right. And the guys do kiss their ass and and, and you know back them against me, and I've, I I'm not I'm I'm serious in that some of the people who have been the worst to me at the table for no good reason. Have been women now. The women who are you know who are fifty years old uh, typically are not like this. So they they don't have that same expectation of uh, of, of guys constantly kissing their ass and doing things for them. But younger women who are who are attractive, very often. So there's it's a double edged sword. There's you know, when you're uh, a minority there of uh, gender wise, then there's there's the advantages and disadvantages that you get. And I think that uh, the disadvantages are talked about all the time, and some of them are very real. But I, I feel there's advantages that people are afraid to talk about because uh, uh, say, oh, you know, that's, uh, you know, how, how can men complain about the way women treat them at the table? Well, I, look, I've experienced it. I really have. And I'm not exaggerating. I really have experienced women just uh, not all of them. A lot of them are very nice. A lot of them are, are very pleasant to play with. But I, I've, I've dealt with some that have been terrible and I haven't brought it on. So uh, and, and like anything else, I've dealt with some women that are terrible. I've dealt with some that are, you know, just no no opinion. They're just kind of there. And I've dealt with some that are great. Yeah, I, me too. Yeah. Me too. So, but uh, and, yeah, I, I think mean, I, I, I love I love all my friends that are that are female poker players. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I actually think that that you have this effect because women have to put up with so much shit that the ones who manage to clear that hurdle tend to be like, um, you know, the cream of the crop, like Daniel Anderson, Jamie Kerstetter, Melissa Burr. Yeah, these are all good people. Um, yeah, I, I played with yeah. Melissa Burr at the main event one year. I sat right next to her. Very, very nice girl. I, I, I liked her a lot. Okay, so but, it's, uh, she is awesome. Andrew, I think you made a really good point earlier in that um, there definitely is something asymmetrical in the relationship between men and women. Um, but the you know the the Taoists were pretty smart. They came up with a, a nice symbol for this: the the yin and the yang, right? And there are places where uh, you know. Women have definite disadvantages and are, uh, I don't want to say downtrodden, but you know, you know what I mean. But then there also are advantages that they have as well. Um, and I think it's just obviously, or maybe not obviously, because maybe you run into people who are sexist a lot. But I, I think women should be treated fairly and equally. Um, but I do think but that... But they aren't. I mean, you just have to start with the fact that they aren't. Like that's, I mean, if we, if we don't agree there... Um, then we're kind of at an well, end. And then, then there's a problem. Well, that's the problem is that the people who treat them the worst, you're never going to reach from, you know, you can write right. about it on Twitter all you want. You can rant about it all you want. You can write blogs about it. These people are not going to read the blogs and go, oh, man, I've been, I've been treating women reels bad. You know, I'm, I, you know <laughs> from, from now on, I ain't going to ogle their cans no more. You're like, you I know, treat my women good. Yeah, like that, that's not, that's not going to happen. Like the, the people, most of the people who read those blogs who could even be slightly swayed are probably guys that were treating them decently in the first place. And the, the, the one, there, there's always going to be a certain problem. That's why, like, the women 
all these movements to prevent rape on college campuses. Uh, is there rape on college campuses? Yes. Is it, is it terrible? Yes. Should you know? Should I, what do I? I'd love to see it stopped. I'd love to see the guys who do it prosecuted uh, and, and spend a lot of time in prison for doing it. Uh, you know, there's a. I, I'm very much on the side of all that, but unfortunately, all these, uh, all this activism, I feel, to stop rape on college campuses is useless for the most part because most of the people who perpetrate it would not be reached by these messages, or they can they'll hear the message, but they're not going to care. There's a certain percentage that's going to do bad things. And uh, they, they need to be punished for doing the bad things, but they, they're not going to be convinced not to. And, and that's where I think uh, sometimes these let's not be sexist toward women in poker. Uh, some of this activism, I, I feel, is wasted. And in fact, a lot of times I see it coming at men in a very aggressive fashion, like when you're reading the blog. Hey, if you're reading this blog, you're probably a sexist. You're probably treating women poorly at the table. You're probably disrespecting women. And I. I'll read things like this, and you're committing microaggressions. And I'm going, no, I, I, I'm not. I, I don't do that. I, I don't, uh, and most people I know don't do that. And this is a macroaggression, bro. <laughs> this one is macro. I, I don't, Honest, I, honestly, honestly, there's enough macroaggressions to worry ourselves with that, to, that we can set aside microaggressions for at least a few years because there's some bigger <laughs> picture stuff. I mean, for, with regards to the college rape, like, I don't even know if I agree that, that you think that, that it's being done um, – you know, perpetrated by these people who have a proclivity for rape. I actually think a lot well, of it wore is... You wore a T-shirt. You were in, <laughs> you were, you were in favor of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Andrew. I couldn't help it. No, that's all right. That's I, know you, right. I know you're um, not. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of these things are, um, you know, are uh, accidental. How ridiculous would that be know, if someone wore a T-shirt that was like, go rape? You know what I mean? Like, who would would anyone actually do that? In, in actual, I mean, I don't know. You know, there's some. I mean, I don't know what like what kind of shirts the men's rights activists wear, but I could imagine, you know, some. Are stuff. there men's rights activists? Oh, you guys don't know about this movement? Oh, does that Jesus. really exist? Yes, yes. Know. Well, it, it exists, is, but, know, but but I understand that and the Pepe's are ruining the country. <laughs> well, no, I no, I understand the men's rights activists. To some now, some of them are just men who hate women for for various reasons, and those should be just dismissed, but. There are there are some who they don't hate women drop they just want to grab them by the pussy. <laughs> there's some who are, have some legitimate complaints such as uh, you know there's there's men out there that you know they get a divorce and they want to have fifty percent custody of their kids but the the woman is is very bitter about it about the divorce or circumstances of the divorce they feel they're getting screwed in some way they feel you know maybe the husband cheated on them whatever they're very mad at the husband whether they're justified or not and sometimes unfortunately the way to get back at them is to try to portray them as a, a an unfit father and, and then to take away their uh, ability to see, spend much time with the kids, which I think is horrible. Now, I'm not saying all women do this, but there are plenty of cases of this, and that's uh, many times men's rights groups come from that angle of... Uh, um, and, and it's true, in family court, it is sometimes tough to be a man because it is sometimes to separate tough to separate the truth from the trash, and a lot of times, especially some of these uh, shyster attorneys can... Uh, can convince judges that the, the men really are not uh, responsible parental figures and they, and they lose uh, most custody of their kids and they don't get to see their kids that much and the relationship with their kids, which you know, goes from close to kind of distant because they're just not seeing them much. It's, a, it's very tragic. And, and, you know, and I, I'm a father myself. Andrew, you don't have any kids, right? I got I two. Not. What are you talking about? Oh, you stop it. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. No, you, don't, you don't have any kids, right? No, I do not. No, you don't. So, so you know, Cal Watt, he has uh, he has kids. And I, I have I have one child, and I I thought about you know I've I've thought about it before. If this happened to me, I'd be furious because if if I ever were to ever split up with uh, 
the mom of, of my son, which I don't see happening, but if this were to happen, I would want to have him half the time. And if, if, if and I, I, I don't believe she would try to do anything like this, even if we did split up. But if, if something was done here to try to prevent that, and I was told that he can only see him on weekends, he can see every other week, I'd be furious. I mean, I'd be so mad about this, and I would start to identify with these men's rights groups that are complaining about it. So, so I, I, I think that's where a lot of it comes from, though there are some guys involved in the men's rights stuff that just are the types who really are misogynists, really do hate women, uh, really just find women at fault for everything that's not going right in their lives. And that, that's, you know, those people should be ignored and they have a lot of problems and I, I don't identify with any of them, but I, I can, I, I can understand where if somebody's it were, if it were confined to divorced men who had been mistreated by the legal system, I would, you know, I would agree with you, but it's not like that. That's a small minority of the, the I'll be movement. honest with you, Andrew. I'm ignorant to this entire movement. I didn't even know it existed. Good, good. You're you're better. Well, it's not very involved. large. It's a small uh, movement, anyway. It's not it's not a very big thing. It's uh, that's why. But that's they're what, loud. I mean, that's a, just just like just like the you know the Pepe's on on social media. I mean, they're small, but they're they're loud. Well, the Pepe's you, that's the different story. The the, the the men's rights are like Calwa hasn't even heard of them, and and I and most people have not heard of them. But I have heard of them, but uh, I don't see that much from them. Honestly, I I see a little bit, but I, I don't see that much, and I don't think they're very powerful. I don't think they're even making very much very much noise. To be honest, I I don't. See I don't much. know. I mean. I think there's some evidence that like they're um, really influential on like Reddit and 4chan, and that like there's this seedy 4chan. underbelly <laughs> of the internet. 4chan. I um, thought you had to be you had to be first of all you had to live in your mother's basement, and you had to be under. You know how many people live in their mother's basements? Do you know how many people are unemployed living in their mother's basements? No, there, there their, are you know twenty to thirty five demo. There are well, lo- if they're living in their mother's basement, they should respect women. <laughs> there are others giving them there shelter. Are, there are a lot of people on 4chan who are like surprisingly old. Like like you wouldn't expect it. You do picture like sixteen year olds there, but there actually are a lot of 4chaners like in their forties, which is scary. mentally. No, they, no, like they really are like guys mentally. In their 40s. Yeah, they may be mentally sixteen, but that's uh, there are a number of like older 4chaners, which is surprising, but it's true. Uh, but uh, okay, let's uh, let me get to Karina Jett here. She mm. was she was on the show. Oh, can I? Okay, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna come back to something we had talked about earlier, but that's all right. Okay, so Karina Jett came on the show and said some uh, unflattering things about you. Mm. Uh, she among thing <laughs> uh, among other things she said. Uh. She she claimed that uh, you were saying you were almost in tears or you were crying about. Uh, some uh, treatment of some woman. Uh, maybe it was about Jacqueline Mosca, but some, some woman that it you... was okay. Well, yeah, specifically it was Karina's reaction to Jacqueline. The, the, oh, that's right. Upset. So you were all, so were you really almost in tears to Karina's reaction to Jacqueline? I was. I was quite upset. So I mean, this was like this was uh, the Raz table from hell. I mean, more worse than any other. Just I mean, I'm playing well, Raz. First of all, you're playing upset. Raz. Yeah, that's that's already from yeah. hell. So that's bad enough, right? And um, at my table, I've got. Um, me, Karina. I don't know if you guys know uh, Carol Fuchs, who won. Um, she's a player from LA. She won um, Dealer's Choice. No, I don't know. Um, you shouldn't talk last about summer, the year before. <laughs> uh, so and 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 James Woods. Oh, James Woods is there. Interesting. Uh, so James Woods and I have 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 some some Twitter history, and he is, I, I think, personally one of the most vile people um, wow. on the internet. Just absolutely vile um 
Wow. Thankfully, he blocked me, so I do not see the the shit he posts. But he is. Um, I it would. It, I'm sure that he is in Trump's corner. I'm I'm positive of that. Um, but anyway, so the situation was is Jacqueline came up, and um, you know Karina and James started off by um, I think I think James was involved at this point. Anyway, I remember Karina's viewpoint on this a lot more because you know James it was expected but Karina throw, totally throws Jacqueline under the bus says you know she's probably lying and you know why would she do this to Nolan and I trust Nolan implicitly um, there's no way he did this and you know I was just asked I was like imploring her to have some compassion like I just doesn't make sense I know you guys like one of you mentioned that you know, women make this stuff up. I just think that like that happens so rarely that it's just a good rule of thumb to, to, it happened to me. Really? I, I didn't know that. And, and that's, and that sucks, man. But I, I do think that like that is a very rare situation. I, I would um, tend to, agree. I, I think, I think, okay. So, so I just, I couldn't believe that you'd, you'd think that the one, the one group that would have a woman's back would be other women. And then to just see her throwing her under the bus, and I was just so upset by it. And then James is chiming in and I'm looking over at Carol and Carol and I are friends. And Carol told James to, to quiet down because they're friends. And I'm just trying to plead with Karina and Karina's just not seeing my side at all. Just think that, that there's nothing to it. And, you know, I, I was, I was really upset because I thought, what hope do we have if women are going to support other women? It would be, you know, equivalent to, um, you know, Bill Cosby made a name for himself by saying that, you know, <laughs> blaster in the shitty situation, you know, and before this guy, before this guy was, you know, I mean, raping dozens of women, um, he was really popular with whites because he said that blacks needed to get their act together and they were lazy and they needed to go to school and, and basically threw the black population under the bus for not being successful and blacks hate him for it. Um, and, and I, and I mean, that's, that if you're not going to have, um, if you're not going to have the back of the people who, you know, you have this common bond with, then you're, you're fucked. But see, here's and, where and I, I, here's where I kind of disagree with that. I don't think just because you're a woman, you need to see necessarily take another woman's point of view. And I think, uh, I didn't you know, say I, that. I said, have some compassion. I didn't say like, say that she's, she's, she was, uh, that no one's guilty. Right. And that she's right. Just have some compassion. That's all I'm saying. Well, she was probably taking the point of view that she does know Nolan. She's friends with Nolan and just could not believe person to person that Nolan could do this kind of yeah, thing. That, that's what it was. And, and similarly, you know? if you think about something that has nothing to do with uh, you know, sex or, or gender or anything, uh, Daniel Negreanu is, is someone who is often outspoken and will call out things in the poker world that he thinks are uh, unjust or wrong. And I, I respect him for that. He doesn't have to someone as, you know, as, as well known as he is. And, but uh, one person he would never call out. And in fact, sometimes defended was Eric Lindgren. Why? Because they have been long time friends. They've been friends mm -hmm. for a very long time. And they, uh, Negreanu was finding every excuse for why Eric Lindgren did what he did. Even when it was, even when Lindgren owned up to some of it, Negreanu still had, excuses for him and when i discussed this i said well that's you know he should have just kind of kept quiet i'm not saying he should come out and bash lingering as his friend right. but he should have kind of kept quiet but at the same time i can kind of understand because this is his close friend he just you know, he wants to find a reason to 
defend him and, and we'll see the best in him. And I, I, that's what was happening with Karina. Karina, she's been friends with Nolan for a long time, and she she was trying to see the best in him. But not quite to this extreme, but the same way like a, a mother will see the best in their child and always say, oh, he's such a nice boy. He wouldn't have done this even when he's guilty of sin. You know, it's, it's sometimes hard for them to see that someone that they know and care about uh, – would have done something wrong. And then there were a lot of really bad things being said about Nolan at the time, some of which I felt was, was unfair and was overdoing it. And, and, and that was especially upsetting his friends who were seeing this. So that That's why she felt this way. It, I admit it was hard for her to be objective because she was uh, close with him. I had personal discussions with her and with some other people who were personal friends with Nolan. In fact, uh, a, a co-host of this show uh, for a while, and on and off, uh, Brandon Gerson, who's still on here sometimes, he, he's good friends with Nolan Dallas. So these, I knew a lot of people personally who were friends with Nolan. I'm not, I'm not friends with Nolan. I, I know him, but I, he's not my friend, so I didn't have to approach him from that standpoint. But a lot of people I knew were, and I had private conversations with them, and I, I said, look, I'm not, I'm not for or against anyone here. I, I really just want, I want to see the truth, and I want to, I want to analyze it and and be objective. But I, I told the friends of Nolan, I said, I. I I understand, you know, they were trying to talk to me and convince me that uh, that Jacqueline was 100 percent in the wrong and Nolan was 100 percent in the right. I I said, I I don't see it this way. I, I I'm already seeing fault on both sides, and uh, so, uh, but well, but, and 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 you know, Andrew, I I realize that I may be mischaracterizing what you said, but I want to be clear about something that I I think we need the opposite of uh, someone supporting someone else just because they're the same gender. Yeah. You know, because really what that's doing is, um, and, and really the interesting thing is the internet has, the idea was it brings everyone together, right? Everyone can have this open discourse. They can talk to each other, all that kind of good stuff. But the honest to God thing that has actually happened is that people have become islands. People have become very, very fractionalized where they only associate with people with their same views. Um, and the Internet has perversely, as it has opened up communication with the entire world, um, has actually fractionalized people because people are just naturally going to where people think like them. And then they just don't communicate with anyone else. Um, and I, I don't think it's healthy that or to expect that a woman is going to automatically support another woman. In, in a situation like this. Now, you're, you're saying that you, you didn't mean necessarily support, just have some sympathy for, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think that what you're saying is I think that these are two separate issues. I hope you're not right. conflating them. Like, I think it's bad that we're, they were, you know, dividing ourselves into these subgroups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is like, especially it's, it's the fact that, you know, while they are a majority, women are seen as a minority, you know, blacks, Latinos, um, you know, other, you know, Jews, any, any group, um, that has, you know, suffered discrimination or oppression, I think it's not wrong to assume that they should, um, at least have sympathy for one another. I think that Karina is one of the women in poker who's been in it long enough and is one part of the old boys club that I think that she sees this issue completely differently. And I think that, that, that oftentimes this divide is, is along age, that the younger women see it differently than the older women. Like, I don't think that Jennifer Harmon and Karina um, experience um, sexual discrimination the same way that, you know, uh, a Kate Hall or a Sam Abernathy is going to experience it. Well, uh, you know, I, I – well, okay. But, that, but both, of those, both of those women 
I'll be perfectly honest with you, have benefited greatly by being attractive women in poker. There is no question that that is true. I'm not, I'm not challenging you on that, but that's that's immaterial to this. Well, but it's not because if you're say, if you're saying that someone has has suffered from uh, you know, mistreatment from being a woman in poker, then you also have to look on the other side of the coin on th- ways they've gained from being a woman in poker. And if they kind of cancel each other out, then uh, you, it's not not to say everyone should mistreat them because they've gained in some way. But they no, because it, it sounds like that's what you're arguing. No, you're but I, like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm sa- I'm saying you have to you you you. When you have sympathy for anybody, it's got to be for an overall situation. And if 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 someone is gaining a lot from being uh, an attractive woman in poker, but then because they're an attractive woman in poker, there's also going to be some people uh, who, who just uh, don't act properly around them. Uh, that that's unfortunately a pitfall. There, I'm not saying it's right. It shouldn't happen. I wish it didn't happen. But but at the same time, overall in in the picture of poker. They're not un- very unfortunate. They're 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 actually overall might even be gaining from the fact. If you, you may ask them, uh, you know, w- how are you better off, being an attractive woman in poker or just being you know some dude, some thirty year old dude? I, I think uh, they're better off being an attractive woman in poker, even with the negatives that come with it. And and look, I, I can see this myself. I, I would have if if you took my results, especially in, in the, when I won my bracelet in two thousand five, and uh, if you took my poker results and and but if i was a an attractive 25 year old girl at the time instead of just being a guy you would have been invited to the award show oh i would not just i mean i i would have gotten so many sponsorships you would have been on the the front cover of that magazine there would have been so many things that would have happened for me that did not i'm not complaining about this that's fine that's the way the world works but i'm just saying that uh there are there are some very specific advantages if you look overall and say has this person gained or are they or were they harmed by the fact that they're female instead of male in poker? If the, if the overall is gained, that's not justifying any kind of mistreatment of them, but it is saying that they're not victims overall. I, th- I think if you I think if you polled them, they would all trade. They would all trade the. Um, huh. I don't think the so. mistreatment. <laughs> no. No, way. no way. No, I mean I'm, I'd be I'd be happy. I'd even I'd even be willing to put money on it if you were no, to pull I, a. a a random sample. Look, I, I was um, there's there was a point here that uh, from seeing all the sponsorships and all the other great things that were happening for attractive women in poker, I, I was considering at one point getting a sex change. <laughs> Ralph, you would make one of the worst women ever. That's why I, that's why I declined Please. it. I said, I said I'm not going to be passable, so I have to just forget that idea. But Todd, I, do you remember? Do you remember? Um, do you remember Brandy? Yeah, Brandy. Well, she had mental illness. That was a different story. I, I know Brandy. That was a I knew that Lots situation. Of people have mental illness. So. No, but I I knew that situation very well because of uh, you know Brandon Gerson, who's, who's uh, a co-host of the show. He he dated her, and he was a big part of that whole story. And in fact, even I was a part of the story in a way because of uh, she was coming to Brian Mikon, who I then ran a site with uh, with with uh, emails Skolansky was sending her including one very uh, bad email where he told her she'd be better off dead, and that was two months before she killed herself, or one month before she killed herself. Uh, so so uh, like the, she was sending these emails to MyCon, who was then publishing them on Never Win Poker, and the strange thing is Skolansky knew MyCon was publishing these and just kept sending emails, which I still can't understand. But, but anyway, I, I, like, I was indirectly involved in a lot of this, and it was a very tragic situation. The, the, the funny thing with Brandy was, and I don't want to get a whole long discussion about uh, brandy hawbaker been this you know yeah. it's, it's actually been nine years since she died but uh she definitely had uh 
a mental illness. She definitely had a lot of uh, problems that uh, she couldn't help. She also, you know, I saw some behavior from her that weren't even a result of the mental illness and just uh, she wasn't always a very good person. She didn't deserve to, you know, to die. And she, you know, what she did, what happened to her was, was very sad and very tragic. And it's, it's too bad that she didn't get help to prevent this. And I thought that Skolansky was terrible in the way he acted. And I think yeah. he contributed to some of what occurred. And she's, uh, al- she's alive today. If she's not a woman. Well, but the, okay. So, yeah. so I think for you to, for you to say that the, the, the net positives outweigh the negatives, I think you're going to, you're going to have an uphill case. Okay. Br- Brandy, I, like I said, I'd be willing to, I'd be willing to bet on it if we pulled women. Well, Br- Brandy Hobbecker, yes, because Brand, well, uh, before before you ask that, Brandy Hobbecker is a different story because she was a, an attractive woman in poker who also had mental illness, and that's that's where uh, unfortunately uh, this fed into it and made the whole situation worse. But if you take a woman who doesn't have a mental illness, then that's a different story. That's why I don't. Well, I mean, who's to say she wasn't an attractive young gay man? I mean, she he'd probably be dead too with the same mental illness. That, you know, I mean, we we have we have we have gay men, we have we have gay men in poker, and we have tons of mental illness in poker. It's like it's like the elephant in the room that no one talks about. Tons of depression. Well, um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if it were you know north of twenty percent. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think we're we're straying player. a little bit far off the reservation. But let me let me just ask. Well, you I'm, I'm trying to make my point, which is I okay. I really disagree with what you guys are saying that that women are are net better off and, and that that justifies their, or, the, or they have to accept the mistreatment because it comes with this you know little bit of expected value. I, I'm not saying accept the mistreatment. Like I, I believe me, I'm not saying that women should be mistreated. I want to make sure that no, that's I'm, clear. I'm not I'm, saying. I'm, that. I'm pretty sure Todd's point is that is that you can't argue. Uh, you can't argue against one if if they're getting both. You can argue against one, but you can't portray them as, as overall victims in the poker community if they're benefiting from it. You, you can speak out against the mistreatment and, and, and want it to stop, but they're also just not overall a victim. It's a, and and they, they really are – a lot of these women, especially the attractive ones, the younger ones, they are gaining immensely from being let attractive me, women let me poker. tell Let me tell Andrew a story real quick. And I know I've, I've told this before, but I think it's incredibly germane to the discussion here. So a number of years ago, uh, I was dating a girl, and she had a very attractive sister, and they were both working in New York City in the financial district, working you know good jobs and everything. And uh, her sister was uh, in some way, uh, you know, some inappropriate uh, stuff happened with her. I don't think she was raped. I don't think she was motorboated, but I think she was sexually harassed at work. Right. We can all agree that this should not happen, right? Mm-hmm. Fair mm-hmm. enough. So she ended up getting a settlement. She won about $20,000. And she then took that money and she spent it to get breast implants. Literally, all of the money that she won from this uh, basic you know, sexual uh, discrimination lawsuit uh, where she was saying, don't treat me like a sex object, she then went out took that money and turned herself into a sex object. So this kind of weird thing where, yes, women are victims, but they are also predators definitely happens. I, I have even a better example. I have an example. I where... mean, Andrew, do you have any comment on that? I mean, I swear I mean, to you, I, it's all I, true. I, I think, I, I, I believe it's true. I, I think like I can come up with a couple of justifications for it that makes it completely rational. I mean, right. I, I would imagine that, that being, I, hear I would imagine, I would imagine leaving a job due to being, Sexually mm. harassed makes you she feel pretty. She stayed on. Ha- makes you. Oh, she stayed, she stayed on. Stayed on. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that. Jesus. Well, I. 
I, I, at the poker table, I have an example. This is probably like an 09 or something. They had all, all I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's not black and white. It's not women are victims. In this case, she was a victim. She absolutely was a victim. But she was also doing stuff that is not victim behavior from the point of view of she was really inviting being treated like that. Yeah, well, I, I have an example that's uh, relative to poker. In fact, it happened in poker where I there was a, a girl in her mid-20s who was uh, at a table with me at, at a World Series event. And she wore a super low-cut top. And she, she had big breasts. And, and, and boy, was she showing them. They were, they were all, like, almost out. Okay, You, you couldn't miss them. They're, it was definitely intentional. God bless her. Yeah, so, so of course, everyone says, you know, it's hard not to look at this. Well, she busted a guy at the table who, you know, called her light. She really had a hand. She busted him. He gets up from the table, leaves, and right when he leaves, she, she says, ah, these guys, they never believe a girl can have a hand. They just, they don't respect me as, as a poker player. They, they just, you know, they, they just don't think a girl can be a serious poker player. She's going on about how they don't respect her at the table. And in the meantime, what is she doing? She shows up at the table with her breasts out to to be like a sex object at the table, and then she's complaining guys don't take women seriously at the poker table. Yeah. Which, which and I it, want to be clear, in both of these cases, Andrew, we're not justifying the bad behavior. We're just saying that it's it's not quite that simple. And there wasn't even and there wasn't in my case there wasn't even any bad behavior at this table. It was just she except for on her part, but she was it was well, I he called it, her he called her down light. That was yeah. bad bad behavior. <laughs> but I I I thought that was funny that she really uh, had this. Pers- she, she obviously knowingly wore something to to give off a certain image there, and then actually, well, was- I mean, first of all, I, I, that 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 I would disagree with because, like, shouldn't she get to wear whatever the fuck she wants? She can, but she wore it for a reason. She she got she wore that to get attention from men and to not be taken seriously as as a poker player. You you don't you don't know what the reason was for her. Well, I, I I think it's it wasn't just she thought it's uh, the shirt was uh, comfortable. I mean, I, there, there was a reason she wore that. So it's obviously to get some kind of attention from men, some kind of sexual attention from men. And if you do I, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna start wearing low cut jeans. Oh no. That so my treasure trail is sticking out. Okay, and if pay. anyone has anything to say, too fucking bad. I'm going to wear what I want to well, wear. How, how, about the, how about the dozen or so plumber's cracks I'm going to see this summer? I mean, oh, I my guys God. Are already wearing... Oh, I'm already cringing thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we... Uh... All, all, all that we're, we're trying to say here, Andrew, is that, yes, we're, we're not trying to justify this bad behavior, but women are also in some cases contributing to this you know it's not it's not as simple as black and white yeah it is it's not that the men are always the uh the aggressors and women are always the victim there are plenty of cases like that there there's cases where it's the other way around and there's cases in the middle where there's uh the, on both sides uh you know, stupid things that uh you know the women shouldn't be doing something to uh, give men the wrong idea, but then the men are uh, are still being inappropriate with them and there there's plenty of that I, I've seen as well and person let me tell you personally. And I'm not just saying this to sound good on radio. Personally, I'm very careful with this. I've always, even even when I wasn't with anybody, you know, I've, I've been in a long relationship for the last eight years. But I, even when I was not, when I was single, I was very careful never to make any kind of sexual comment or, or any kind of move or anything like this on a woman unless I'm very, very certain that they would want me to. Very, I'm uh, very careful. And, and uh, you just can't handle rejection. Well, that too, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but I, I was very careful, and I, I I would have felt awful if if you know if I had 
you know, touched a woman, and, and it turned out that uh, I got the wrong – unless she, she was over, overtly doing it and, uh, and gave me the wrong – but if I just kind of guessed the wrong way and then touched her and she didn't want me to, I, I would have felt terrible. But I was very careful not to do that. So, so personally, I've, I've always been very respectful in my personal life in, uh, in how I've, I've treated women in this way. And when I see men who don't act that way, I, I, I think badly of them. But uh, I, I've also seen – Plenty of women, and I, I've I've even been friends with some women who overly flirt with men and don't even understand fully what they're doing. And and I've I've said, and they'll, they'll complain, oh, this guy, he's now sending me these text messages. You know, why doesn't he get the idea that I'm not interested? And I said, well, I, I saw the way you were acting with him. It kind of looked like you were. What? No, I wasn't. I, you know, we're just we're just friends. He should know that. I go, come on, you've got to understand. You've got you've got to look at the way you're. You've got to look at the way the guy would see this with, with the, the way you're behaving towards him. If you're really just friends, you've got to. You've got to act like it, and otherwise, me, if he's getting me, the wrong let idea, let me ask you Andrew a question. So, Andrew, what is your opinion on strip clubs? What is my opinion on them? Um, I'm talking about female strip clubs. I realize that male strip clubs exist, but for the most part, it's female strip clubs. What is your kind of um, opinion on them? And have you ever been to a strip club? I have. I went for the first time. Uh, I think last summer. So what is your what is your opinion on the whole thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I guess I guess they're fine. I mean, I think that's like a you know woman's prerogative whether or not they want to work in that industry. I think it's you know less than ideal. But, Do you think it's uh, demeaning to women? Um, man, that's tough. Uh, I think that. I guess what it comes down to is like, are women choosing that profession or are women like feel obligated to go into that profession? If women are choosing that profession, like that's, that's all well and good. You know, like I, I like you hear stories of women who like choose to be successful porn actresses, you know, yeah. that, that I mean, do really, I've seen, really well. I've seen and, people that ended up working at McDonald's and they sure as hell didn't choose to work there. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, but, but yeah, sometimes I mean, you don't have any other, that's, that's a separate issue. Like, yeah. Right. But, right. You know, and, okay, and, so who, and there are some women, you know, who are just likely likely to end up in that given their circumstance. So do you you don't think that women at strip clubs are victims? No. Assuming no, they're there, I actually, I, you could probably you could probably make the argument about, about more uh, about like prostitution for uh, for being victims than than strippers for sure. Okay. Well, because in my view, and I've known uh, some women that have been strippers. The suckers and the the suckers at the strip club are the men, like a hundred percent for sure. 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, they're 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 really good at, at milking them for every dollar. The women are the sharks, and the men are there. They're the suckers who are going to give up their money. And you know, hey, yeah. I'm not knocking you if you like to do it. Go ahead, but I mean, that really is the relationship there. Like you, you, unless like you said, they're coerced into it somehow or, or whatever. You really should never feel <laughs> that that the women at strip clubs are are being uh, you know victimized in any way because usually uh, it's kind of the other way around, really. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and, this, and you're probably referring to like the higher end ones, and, and I hear the stories of like people, you know walking their clients to the ATM and then like they max out their card and they walk them to another one. Oh yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the other um, you know what you mentioned about prostitution. Um, I'm all for legalized prostitution, but I think the the Dutch model is probably the way to do it. 
where you don't allow a third party to profit from it. Um, So if a woman wants to do it, she can do it. But and really, the goal there was to eliminate the pimps and the madams, you know, who are then kind of victimizing them or or whatever. But I I don't want to get this too far off topic. I just wanted to get your opinion there, and you know, much respect to you because I thought you were going to say something different. Hmm. Well, that's that's good. (laughs) By by the way, um, so. Actually, I'll get to. I, I got some texts here, but not not really about this. So I'll I'll get to those later. But um, we have. I, I didn't realize how late it's gotten. We just we got, we got, got into a long uh, discussion about a lot of things. So uh, so, are you really going to sue uh, Karina Jett, or are you just saying you kind of felt like doing it because she said some things about like? The, so let me get to the second thing she said, and then we'll. Uh, oh yeah, we got. I sorry, we we got derailed. Yeah, we got way derailed. But she's. I'm she, gonna shut. I'm gonna shut up. She also she also said. <laughs> she also said. That you claimed at the table that uh, people die, kids you, kids die if you don't win because you give to charity. You're you know, you're an effective altruist. You've admitted that, but you give to charity, and if you don't win, therefore there's less to give to charity, and people die. Did you really make a comment like that? No, absolutely not. And that's that's the, that's the issue I took uh, that statement I took issue with. We need correct and and, and um, I mean, it's it's just going to be he said she said. So like that's yeah. unresolved. But you know, if I did well, want to pursue this. I had a friend, another friend that was at the table, um, so she would be able to corroborate. So, so, so you said nothing uh, like this. But she, you're saying she just outright, completely made this up. I, I would imagine that I was probably tr- talking about because I was kind of an evangelist for you know I, I still try to promote EA whenever possible. But I think at the time I was electronic really arts. pumped yeah, about like, it. Well, electronic <laughs> arts. I mean, they, they make some good games. Why are you why are you pumping them? <laughs> Um, so I would imagine that, that she paraphrased that or misunderstood something, but there's no way that I would have said it, um, anyway like that. Hmm. So, so you're saying there, you, there was some comment about, uh, about charity and you giving to charity, but you didn't say anything about, uh, about, about people dying or kids dying if you don't win. Yeah, no, I would never say that. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I would never say it that way. Like, like there's, you, don't, you don't come off as an idiot. No, like, I, like he, hearing <laughs> you, you on here, I, I can't really sure. picture you saying that. But at the same time, it, it is a w- weird that Karina just make up something so out in left field that, like like that. Uh, if you said nothing like that at all, even if she's changing, it's like your the words. washing the feet thing. <laughs> well, that seems to be probably true. We're gonna we're gonna try to call Brandon shortly. Brandon uh, can too, but. Uh, yeah. And now, Andrew, is it wrong that we're we're debating all of these really important and contentious issues of the day? And really what we're dying to get to is to find out whether or not uh, genocide washed Brandon Ketu's feet. That's a real thing? No, it's, it's a, a real thing. thing. It's a real thing from 10 years ago. It supposedly yeah. happened 10 years ago and Brandon Ketu asked genocide. <laughs> he, he actually made contact with genocide after years of not talking to her to ask if this really happened. And now everybody wants to know. Like, uh, there are people who were very disappointed last week that we couldn't reach Brandon Cantu because his phone was off, his phone was disconnected, and people were very. You didn't pay his bill. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it just wasn't working. It, it just his phone was was down. No, no, no. oh, how the, the deal mighty is, have fallen. Look, look, look. He owes the phone company some money, but so the phone company owes him a bunch of money too. They just got to settle it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah we're, he's we're, waiting on a wire, I think. No, that's that's no, no, that's, 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 that's the hashtag king who's been that's on that's who's that's been on here too. But but. Brandon, we're going to have him back on here, Brandon Cantu, and he's going to tell us uh, what answer Janicide gave him about whether his feet really washed with a handcloth. But uh, we, and, it, di- and it's it's sad, Andrew. But I'm dying. To yeah, everybody wants to know. Everybody wants. Like to, I, did, this I, I really really know. did this really happen? Did this really happen? 
And the, the funny thing is, it's fine. Like if that really happened, that's fine. I, I don't think uh, if he's if he wanted her to do this and she was willing to as his girlfriend, great. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, nice that it happened for him. But okay, I, so are you really considering suing her? Or are you just saying you you should, but you're not going to? I think so. So I really care about. Um, I care about my reputation, but I care about it um, with regards to charity so much more. And I just, I don't appreciate that mischaracterization. So, um, and I, and sometimes I think that like, that's, that's an occasional uh, card that has to be played um, to keep people honest. Are you, are you really going to play that card? Or are you just uh, saying that, that you could? I'm considering it. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's ever, um, let's see here. I get the two mixed up, uh, libel versus slander, which is written. Yeah. The, uh, the written is libel. Libel. Okay. So I, I, I haven't been slandered before. Well, never. Not that I'm aware of. This would be a tough oh my case. God, you didn't, you didn't listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> no. so I got to go drop. Uh, oh, <laughs> You're going to be named as a co-defendant. I'm but just kidding. The thing is, this is a tough one because you know you, you may have someone at the table with you, but it's it's a tough thing because especially if something came up like this and uh, you say, "Well, I didn't say this," you know, actually said that, and she was mischaracterizing. It's a very that's a tough thing to. Uh, it would be a tough lawsuit to win. I, I'm not an attorney, but I, I just uh, okay. No, I'm not. I'm not either. Just, it just really uh, it really upset me that I, that um that that she would. Um, I mean, I just. I don't know how she could be so confident of that. I, I can understand if, if you know you didn't say it, and this was then said about you on the show, that uh, why you'd be frustrated about this. In fact, I, I was mentioning earlier in the show that I, I was mad at someone who, who made up an outright lie about Poker Fraud Alert and claimed that we shook their company down for ad money, and that when they wouldn't uh, advertise on here, that we wrote a bad review of them, which is totally false. Now that, <laughs> that was both libel and slander. <laughs> yeah. So, it was. Because <laughs> so, it was written and spoken. So... Actually, it was only written; it wasn't spoken. But uh, how do you know he didn't use Siri? That's true. He may, he may, he may have dictated it to Siri to post on uh, Facebook. But so, so yeah. So that really pissed me off to read because I said, "Come on, this this uh, this didn't happen. There's no way this happened. I can prove it." Like, like you know, it's it's it got me really, really mad to read this. But at the same time, I wasn't considering suing this person. I was just, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna publicize what they did and make them look foolish. But that's it. So that, that's what I would suggest. If you didn't really say this and you wanted to, you know, you, I know you already put it out there on Twitter that Karina Jet shouldn't have and uh, you know shouldn't have said this and you didn't, then she lied. And if that's you know if that's what you want to put out there because that's uh, what you remember to be the case, then obviously that's your right to do. Uh, I I wouldn't sue over this, but and I, I don't think the case really has any kind of. Uh, and also, so, no, no, yeah, you, you might be right, and that was just like kind of a knee-jerk response, and I was, I was pretty upset about it. I mean, so, like, I just my 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 reputation in poker, I would I would put it up against just about anybody. So for her to say that kind of like was, um, was upsetting, and I just I, I don't want stories like that going out, you know, going around about. Not not only that, but someone just texted a good point. They said, uh, "Tough for you to win because you have no damages. Uh, damages can't be speculative, which is true. You, you also have, you also have to go to court and prove the actual damages you suffered, and that's uh, well, there you go. That would be tough. So okay. So anyway, that's uh, however, and I, I hate to say this because I like Corinna. You don't have to have a chance of winning a lawsuit to bring a lawsuit. <laughs> uh oh, Cal Watt is he's, he's uh, advocating no, frivolous, no, 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 frivolous no, no. lawsuits. I'm not advocating it at all. Please don't do it. There's too much money. 
He's just going saying to... that spite could be motivation. <laughs> well, I'm saying that it can be damaging. Like, it, this happens all the time. I'm not even talking about this uh, in particular, where lawsuits are brought um, just to, you know, damage the other person back. Um, lawsuits are brought to drain people of money. You know, I mean, the, these things happen all the time. And I pl- please don't do it here. But I'm just saying that, you know, it, it's pretty common that you don't have to. Um, no, I you know. don't have to have a good chance of winning a lawsuit for it to make sense to bring a lawsuit. I, I know some people personally who are going through this right now. Fortunately, not me, but I, I know some people very well. Not poker people, but. And people. Corinna, if you're listening, please don't get the wrong idea. I'm not advocating, not advocating that this happened because I think it would be silly for it to happen. I mean, Andrew, I understand that you are uh, justifiably um, protective of your reputation, but, I mean, seriously, the, the legal system doesn't need... The, the lawyers don't need any more of your money. Okay, really No, you're, you're absolutely right. I'd, I'd be a little bit of a hypocrite if I brought an unnecessary lawsuit or one that had a low probability of winning. And, and I mean, the opportunity might... Hopefully, the opportunity cost of my time is high enough that I um, have better things to do. I think you guys should hug it out at the World Series. <laughs> that probably that probably won't happen, but yeah. The I, world I, needs more love. <laughs> Instead of suing her, just go up to her and give her a hug. You know. You know what? It's funny. I, I'm thinking about this this uh, this summer. Don't motorboat. A, uh... Don't motorboat. <laughs> no, I think she'd be <laughs> okay with them. I think she's okay with the motorboating. Oh Karina. my god! She, she, she said she's okay. You know, that's maybe that's what he should do. He should go motorboat, Karina. Oh my! Well, then god. then she then she'd have a lawsuit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, and by the way, if either of you guys wants to motorboat me, you can. All right, if if I can get like twenty grand out of it, I'm I'm good with it. Maybe okay. if, maybe if you give me twenty, Just putting grand. it out there. Give What's me, that? Give me twenty grand and I'll do it. No, no way. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, uh, Andrew, yeah, thank you for coming on here. It's uh, very uh, interesting conversations we had. I even got a text from someone that uh, they're enjoying this segment, that uh, they enjoyed the segment very much. And uh, hopefully the rest of the audience feels this way. We, we talked for a long time. I think everybody got to know you better. I think you, uh, uh, I think people who don't like you from Twitter will probably think better of you now after this uh, conversation where you uh, came off pretty reasonable, even though we didn't agree on everything, which I knew we wouldn't, but uh, you know, you, 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 you come off as a reasonable guy and uh and and I, and I pictured you know i i pictured that we could have a reasonable conversation on this show and that's why last week i i said i wouldn't be surprised if you're willing to come on here and if if you see me around the world series you can uh, feel free to say hello and uh do you, do you know what i look like uh you know i i think i've seen only the the small picture uh on twitter okay no, I, that's um, that's a 9 year old picture i don't look like that anymore but <laughs> that's Andrew, uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm disappointed. What? That he doesn't know what I, look I like? don't know. No, I, I'm disappointed. I wanted to to not like you. Oh, okay. okay. I think, oh. I, 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 no, I mean you, you come Sorry. across as a really intelligent, likable, reasonable guy. You know, you really well, thank do. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's what I'm going for. You know what? Well, I'm, I'm kind I'm of upset. I, I'm upset. <laughs> I wanted some drama. I wanted some. Yeah. I mean, hey, I know that that's better for the show if there's drama. Sorry, uh, sorry to disappoint. You know, I wanted to bring up Trump because I thought we could have some spirited discussions there. Well, you know, I'm not. Um, uh, you may have the wrong idea. I'm, I was never a Trump supporter. I, I me didn't either. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary either. I, I, I really dislike Hillary, but I, I didn't. I was not a Trump supporter. I was really hoping he wasn't going to win the primary, and uh, and I still, you know, sometimes left 
scratching my head at some things that uh, happened with him, uh, you know, since he's uh, become president. And so that's uh, it's kind of the wrong place to bring it up. Uh, and besides, the, the segment's gone on very long, which I, you know, I enjoyed the segment. I enjoyed the, this uh, long interview here. But uh, we got to have him back. Drew. We have a, he, he can come back sometime. So what are, the, what are those uh, like crossfire where they've got, you know, the, the liberal and the conservative yeah, poker fraud alert crossfire? There you go. You know, I, I had a, I had a, I had, um, I had Brian uh, Paris on uh, my podcast. Uh, gosh, this would have been, I think, before the election, uh, because he was super pro-Trump, and I was, I was pleading with people, pleading with people, to uh, to vote for the lesser evil. You know, I, I, I uh, promoted this podcast that Sam Harris did called The Lesser Evil, where he said that Hillary Clinton was the second worst person that's ever run for president in history, only to be eclipsed by Donald Trump. Um, and I, you know, I paid people to listen to this podcast. And if they you paid people, or, you paid I, me? I, I said, I, I, I said, if you listen to this podcast and you aren't convinced by the argument, I would pay you money. And I, oh. I begged people to listen. Oh, I to wish, this. I, 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 wish was, I knew about this. Um, but yeah, so so me and Brian discussed it, and I mean, I, I have to say that I'm I'm I feel like I'm starting to be um, vindicated in all this. It's uh, it's an absolute shit show. I had a nice birthday present of the uh, special special prosecutor being named. Well, okay, well I, I you know so, I, I didn't want to get into all this here. We we, we, oh, I, I figured as much. I, we have a lot of left I, stuff. <laughs> but on another show. Yeah, another Seriously, show. Let's have, let's have him back. Yeah, right. I think he can, come, awesome. he can come back sometime. That's uh, that's good. Okay, well, Thanks, guys. thank, we'll, thank we'll, you for we'll coming on, Andrew, and we enjoyed having you on here. And uh, all right, we will talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Later. So, I, I, I don't, Cal, I don't think uh, Andrew Barber thinks you're an asshole anymore. I think he's. Uh, no, he may very well still think I'm an asshole. No, I don't think he does. I think that's uh, fine. But that, I mean, I enjoyed the conversation. I yeah, really did. I did too. No, I, I thought we could have a good talk. I just kind of got that vibe from him, even on, on Twitter. He he. Sometimes acts uh, acts wacky. I I, I kind of just got a different vibe from him on there than the other shows. I'm disappointed, man. I thought we were going to get you know. I thought he was going to be shrill and freaking out, but no. Um. I I just had this feeling that it wasn't going to be that way. I I really, if someone asked, sometimes people surprise me on this show or how they are versus how I expect. This is actually kind of what I expected. Hmm. So anyway, let's let me read some texts here. We got this is from the six one five. This one's interesting. So I'm rooming for a couple nights at the World Series with this guy in Vegas, with this guy whom I've never met before. Oh, it's got to be Larry Laffer that texted that. No, it's not. He said he's a friend of a friend. This is already bad news. Just saw on his Facebook page that he took down a Jow Poker WSOP Colossus package took down meaning he just won one. Huh? I saw you post something on Twitter this week in relation to Jow Poker that had a banner for this promotion. Any questions I can ask this guy I'm rooming with that might help your arguments with in regard to Jow Poker? Uh, not really. He just sounds like he plays on there and he won a package. I don't even know if this guy's an affiliate, but uh, a question I have for you is why you're rooming at uh, the World Series with someone you don't really know. That's I, I, oh. All I can say is do not leave anything in the safe that's valuable. Ruff, you left me a fantastic transition there. So, how much does uh, first place pay for this thing? $42. Or $46. And do I get my bounty? Oh, boy. You won again. $59. You get $59 total. 46 plus 13. Yep. Jeez. Well, see, Cal, look at this. He donates $64 to the tournament 
and he wins back 59 of it. I'll roll it, roll it all back. I don't know how I ended up with less money than I started with, but let's do it. <laughs> roll it all back. We've got to play. We got to pay second and third and fourth. That's how. But uh, yeah, yeah. It is funny that you won the tournament and the bounty, and you lost five dollars. That is. I was kind of determined to to do the best I could when I knew there was a shot I could win my own bounty. Wow. This you've just really been the poker fraud alert. Uh, Poker player of the year on, on the well, free roll. You've been the free roll player of the year, and we're going to have an award ceremony. And uh, you are not, you're not going to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll mention in the middle of some post I make on the forum about you at some point. I got to confess, I uh, I've had some back channel conversations with Belly Buster, and tournaments rigged. It has to be. I can't understand how you keep doing this. Well. Congratulations for this, I guess. But yeah, look, this this guy who's rooming. Well, I'm going to move this as a point for our next topic that uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to get into here before we call Brandon Cantu, and that is. Oh, come on, you're killing me. There are some. I got to create some suspense. There are some people who are considering staying at the Rio. Maybe they've already booked their rooms there. You, you know, if you've booked your room there, you can cancel right now for no penalty. So you can still change your mind, but should you? I saw a post on the Real Grinders Facebook group, shout out to them, from someone saying that you should not stay at the Rio, stay anywhere but the Rio, someone was saying, and not because the property's old or worn down or any of that, it's because they're saying it's not safe. And I said, I have a bit of a different perspective. Every year we keep hearing stories about thefts from the Rio rooms. Supposedly the safes keep being broken into, laptops get stolen. It's basically portrayed that the property is a hotbed of crime that's perpetrated by the hotel's evil staff or others from the outside breaking into your room. For the most part, I think this is false. Now, there are some isolated incidents of crime that's perpetrated by the staff at the Rio. In reality, this is very uncommon. It happens, but it's very uncommon. In most cases, the victims, which I put in quotes, victims, are simply making up stories or covering up for their own carelessness. Now, if you see Rio room theft reports on social media, which you will this year, you're going to see people on social media claiming they got things stolen out of the room at the Rio. You need to ask yourself questions. Number one, is this victim backed or staked in any way? Why? Because often players who come to the World Series, they're at the World Series using other people's money to play events. And sometimes these people, with a large sum of cash to enter World Series events, they can't help themselves. And they go down to the pits, or maybe to a poker cash game, and use that money that's supposed to go toward their World Series buy-in. That, again, is, is it too late to get a refund on your package? <laughs> yes. So rather than admit to having stolen the money and... Losing it, which that's what it is. It's stealing the money. If someone stakes you to play World Series events and you use it uh, to play in the pits or in cash games, then you have stolen the money. So rather than admit that they stole the money, they blame it that upon they blame it on theft. They say someone stole it from their room. So if the person's backed or staked, it doesn't mean that they can't be stolen from, but in reality, there's a good chance that that's what happened. So if anyone is a player that is there on other people's money, there's a good chance the theft did not really occur, except from them. They were the they were the thief. 
Number two, is the victim in Vegas with what appears to be their only money? Are they with their case funds? Are they... Do their backs feel the wall against it? Do they feel like uh, it's do or die here? Win at the World Series or go broke? Why does that matter? Because most people don't like admitting failure. Especially if they hold themselves out to be a successful poker pro. So even when they lose their own money in degenerate fashion and then don't enter the events that they claim they're going to play, they don't want to admit, hey, I'm broke. I brought my last few thousand to Vegas. I stupidly blew it uh, in the blackjack pit. I stupidly blew it in a, in a cash game. Now I'm broke and I can't play the events I said I'm going to play. So when they don't show up in these events, when they don't play these events, and you know they're right there in, in Vegas and wonder why they're not entering, they will sometimes say, that they were victims of theft. Sounds a lot more reasonable. Hey, all the money I brought to Vegas, someone stole it out of my safe. Man, now I can't play these events. This sucks. Rather than, I blew my last money last night, and now I can't enter anything. So if somebody's broke, it may just be an excuse to save face that they got stolen. They got their money stolen. Number three, does the victim have a gambling problem? Of course, this is associated with number one and two. Uh, a, a supposed theft victim with a known gambling problem is far more likely to manufacture a story that's uh, explaining money disappearing than a non-degenerate. So, any someone who says, oh, they stole everything, my room, they, they came in, they took all my money. If this is from a degenerate gambler, take it with a grain of salt. Number four, and this applies to Mr. 615 Eric who texted me, is there a roommate? A surprisingly high percentage of Rio theft victims again in quotes, victims, has a roommate there. And it doesn't take a genius to figure out what probably happened. And this includes money in the safe. If you have money in the safe, and there's somebody else who's staying in the room, especially someone who's officially on the room, they can often get security to open it. And I have heard stories that I believe that security sometimes does not check IDs when they should. In fact, I I just had it happen. The safe was not working in uh, Harris Lake Tahoe when I stayed there in January. It got stuck. I had to have them come up and open it for me. They did not check my ID. Now, it's true that maybe they trusted it more because I said the safe was stuck and not that I forgot the password and they could verify it was stuck, but still, they didn't ask for my ID. I've heard of this at the Rio, too. So, being in the room, especially if you are on the, you know, if, if you can identify yourself as one of the people who's staying there, that gives you a big edge to get the safe opened and perhaps not have security ask anything. And by the way, this could be a little trick, not that I want to give anyone ideas on how to steal it from the roommates, but you pretend you forgot the safe password, you have security come over and open it. If they ask you for ID, then you don't steal anything. If they don't ask you for ID, then you do steal everything, and, and uh, you, know, you can claim it was just uh, stolen by someone who was impersonating you. So... Uh, if there's a roommate and things disappear, it's usually the roommate stealing. And you'll see so many times there's a report of theft in the room, there's a roommate there. Which is funny because most people who stay at the Rio don't have a roommate. Some do, but most don't. So how come How come all these theft victims seem to have a roommate? Number five. Because they don't have any money and they can't afford to pay for the room yeah. by themselves. <laughs> Number five. What, what, did the victim invite others into their room recently, such as hookers or other degenerate gamblers? 
just like I was saying with number four, access is a big factor. If somebody is in the room, physically in the room, especially if you're not there with them, then they have a lot of ways to possibly steal from you. They can steal things that are not secured, and they can often get into the safe in ways I've described. Sometimes maybe, maybe you didn't even close the safe right. Maybe you, you thought you closed the safe and you were, it's really not fully closed. Maybe they saw you entering the password and you didn't realize it. There, there's many ways people can steal from you if they're in the room. So I've heard stories that you know someone brings a hooker there, they, they get drunk together, they pass out, and then they wake up and the hooker's gone and so is all their money. No. Yeah, I've even had someone claim that they had money in the safe and it disappeared. Look, these things can happen. Maybe the the hooker saw you drunkenly open the safe and you don't remember it. Anytime someone had others in the room with them and then things disappeared, even if these are not roommates, especially if the person was left alone with, with in the room or left in the room when you're sleeping or passed out, then there's a good chance that, again, uh, it is partially the fault of the victim in that they allowed it to happen. Contributory negligence, just right. like we talked about, right? right? Number six, did the victim leave valuables out in plain sight? This happens much more often than you think. People just leave things out carelessly. They don't think of it. They just think it's not going to happen to them, and then it disappears. Now, the maids don't generally steal things, but if they're tempted with something easy and valuable, such as expensive jewelry or thousands of dollars in cash, yeah, they might steal. I, the male, the maid's much more, li- much less likely to steal a twenty dollar bill on the table than they are uh, three thousand dollars sitting on the table. Yeah, it's the risk reward thing. So, also, if people can manage to get into your room some way, they can also steal things out in plain sight very easily. So, uh, always lock valuables in the safe, even if you don't fully trust the safe. Number seven, did the victim make his room number public? To numerous people I don't mean telling your close friends what room number you're in I mean just uh, you know, sitting down there Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in room number uh, 1045 you know, like Just announcing it at the table or, or posting it online That's a mistake Because if someone knows your room number And they know you're busy Like in the middle of a tournament They can attempt to access your room in various ways And when I say various ways There are some people yeah, not, not very many But some people who have uh, cracked the ability to get into certain rooms with those electronic keys. I'm not sure if the Rio is vulnerable like that, but someone proved that uh, 25% of the hotel rooms in Vegas are using a system that's vulnerable. Uh, They can sometimes trick the maid into letting them in, uh, trick a maintenance man into letting them in. Security is usually a little more wise to that, but uh, the maid or or maintenance people can sometimes let you in. Uh, sometimes there's even the trick of just waiting till the maid opens the door and then just going in and go, oh, hey, you're cleaning my room right now. The maid usually doesn't say, oh, oh can you show, uh, show me ID? Can I see ID? Like, they don't do that. They just, uh, uh, they'll just assume the person walking in the room is their room. So, uh, you should not make your room number public because then people know when they can get into your room and know exactly where your room is. And, in addition, they could, uh, Wait for you and, and, and mug you. You know, they could pull a gun on you or a knife on you until you get in the room. This happened to Greg Raymer once, by the way. He actually fought them off, but uh, you're more likely to be a victim of a hallway mugging if you make it clear where your room number is, you know, what your room number is, and uh, it's known that you have a lot of cash on you. 
Number eight. Does the victim offer? Uh, what? Ruined it. What? what? I was trying to get some action. Oh, on whether we're gonna go to eight? No, no. We're trying to. We're the the line was set at uh, whether you had ten was the line in terms of how many points you had. And I was gonna say uh, I'll take the under and I'll donate a hundred dollars to the free roll, and whoever books the over will have to do the same. But it had to be done before you went to the next point. Oh, sorry. It's all right. Num- number eight, does the victim often tell look what bad thing happened to me stories? If there's someone who's always bitching about bad things, I don't mean little things like, uh, you know, oh, my, my cell phone company charged uh, $20 too much on my bill. I, I, don't, I don't mean like little things like that. I mean someone who's always telling you about really tragic bad things that have happened to them. Over and over and over. I don't mean like to tell you over a period of 20 years what's happened to them, but you know, like, oh, this happened to me. And, you know, last week I got in a terrible car accident. Oh, you know, uh, uh, my, my uncle has cancer this week. Oh, and next week, uh, um, oh, I... Uh, I got a cold, no. and then I hurt my toe. No. No. Uh, yeah, oh, my, my, uh, my, my room caught fire. I lost uh, half my possessions. You know, it's... It, every. Th- Every week seems to be a crisis for them. If that person is now claiming that their room was broken into and things were stolen, it probably isn't true. It's probably someone who just loves attention. They get they get it by constantly claiming victimhood. If the person who is claiming to have had the room broken into is always in the middle of unverifiable crises, then it's pretty wise to discount their claims. Number nine, you would have won the under because this is the last point. Ah, you would have barely won. Nice. Does the victim often abuse drugs or alcohol? It's hard to remember exactly what you did or even who you were with if you're wasted on drugs or alcohol. I'm being very kind to my cognac drug. I, I mentioned this before that you've... Uh, you, you handle your liquor very well on the show. People can't There's even tell you. There's no that. abuse here. I'm saying very sweet, loving things to my cognac. Yeah, you must be because you're, it's, it's treating you well. So if, if you wake up from a drug binge and find all of your money gone, then again, we're back to the contributory negligence thing. It's, uh, it's probably partially your fault in some way for putting yourself in that position. I'm not trying to blame the victim here. I'm just saying that someone who routinely abuses drugs and alcohol probably made themselves vulnerable and didn't even realize it when they were not in a right state of mind. So why am I listing all these things? I mean, yes, this is advice not to do all this stuff, and it's important to take away if any of these things might apply to you, but I listed all these things because if you don't do these things, if you use common sense and don't do these things, and if these things do not describe you, then you are very unlikely to be a victim of room theft at the Rio. Very, very unlikely. So you can feel safe to stay there as long as you don't make these mistakes. Now, is there still a chance something might happen? Of course. But the chance is very low. We have a listener to this show who we had on here one time. His name is uh, Eric Sonstegard, who was a victim of idiocy at the Rio, where they double-checked in his room. They checked him in, then checked in a second person who he didn't know. And that second person came in. He wasn't there, and the second person stole his stuff, stole some money and stole an iPad. Now, he should have locked it up, and he admitted that, but uh, that definitely happened. And the guy 
admitted to part of it, claiming that he wasn't stealing it. He just uh, he thought it was his own stuff he was taking out. <laughs> but uh, the Rio didn't want to fully make it right. Uh, you know, this show helped publicize the matter, and uh, he got his he got fully reimbursed by the Rio, which is nice. They tried to worm out of it before. But uh, anyway, that's a case where there's nothing he could have done other than lock up his stuff. Uh, you can't do anything if these idiots check you in, check someone else into your room while you're already in there, other than put things away. But in many cases, in most cases, you can avoid being a theft victim and just be aware that a lot of the people who are claiming to be victims are either lying about it or did stupid things to bring this on and then don't tell the whole story because they don't want to look stupid. Someone posted in a thread that I wrote about this that I'm a fucking shill. And you guys know I'm not a shill for the World Series. I I criticize them so much that sometimes even surprised that they give uh, Poker Fraud Alert a media pass. But uh, we're fair to the World Series here. I will call out the World Series and the Rio when they do stupid things. And I will also defend them when I feel that they are being treated unfairly or criticized unfairly. And in this case, I feel that the security situation at the Rio is being unfairly criticized. And I've said this before, and I think it's it was worth repeating and doing this segment. So anyone who is scared out of staying at the Rio by these horror stories should think again. And this comes from someone who's stayed at the Rio for many years during the World Series. So I, I have a very good idea of the whole thing. So, let's try to call Brandon Cantu. Yes. He, he's, he said that we can call... I, I let it get late, but he said he's going to be playing poker all night, and he doesn't care if we call him late. He said he'll just take a break from the game. So we will try. Nice. Now, knowing our luck, we probably won't reach him. We'll probably be stuck waiting another week. I tried to be quiet during that segment so we could zip through it. You're going to try to be quiet during this segment? Oh, that ah, segment. Okay. Oh, oh, the one we just I'll had. No, 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 no. I, th- I, I got confused with what you were saying. You're saying you're no, saying, no. I was, I was trying to, to get right to the feet wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you didn't want it to get too late. You want, you want to. Where's Trederuski? Yeah, why haven't we heard from him in so long? Did he really fall asleep like super early, or is he just? Yeah, why we heard nothing from Trederuski? I forgot he was here. Yeah, he's here, but he's not here. Boy, that's an early. I, I think he's secretly recording. You know. He doesn't need to. We record the show anyway. Don't ruin my theory. Hello? Brandon Cantu, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Hey, how's it going? So are you uh, playing poker right now like you said you would be? Uh, No, actually, I just quit. Oh, good. I forgot, good. How, late, I, I forgot how late your show is. Yeah, I, I forgot how late it is, too. We we, we just let it run pretty we, – we, we do go very late, but uh, – even I feel a little bit bad calling you at almost 1 a.m. But you know, knowing that uh, you're the type of guy who probably stays up late like I do, I thought you'd probably be around. So, Brandon, yeah. I have not been able to eat or sleep for the last two weeks. I've been dying. We've been left with this cliffhanger about the feet. I know. Not, not, not only you, me. not only you, but uh, Brandon Gerson. He he told me. I just had a conversation with him uh, two days ago on the phone and. He he really told me this. I'm not making this up. He really told me that he was very disappointed last week that we couldn't get you on, that, that uh, we couldn't reach you on here when your phone had some trouble because 
uh, he really wanted to know. Everybody wants to know what genocide said to you. And to recap for the few of you who don't know, Brandon Gerson, who was friends with genocide 10 years ago, said that genocide, you know, Jennifer Lee told him that when she was dating Brandon Cantu, which was recent at the time, but it's now 10 years ago, that while Brandon Cantu was with her, that he demanded that she wash his feet with a washcloth and that she did so. And so we were so curious if this really happened. We asked him and he said he did not remember. And he said that he would message genocide for the first time in many years. And he hasn't had any contact with her in a long time and ask her, did you really wash my feet with a hand cloth? And did I really demand or ask that you do that? So uh, you said you messaged her and she responded about this. Yes, and by the way, I was just researching that because you kind of caught me off guard. I forgot you were calling, so I was trying to find my little my little messenger online messenger conversation here. Um, and take it yeah, slow, Brandon. Of, like, give, us, wanted, give us the yeah, build. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I was just kind of like trying to think back. Okay, well, so here's kind of like I kind of want to go back and give you when you know you guys really fired this out. Like when you haven't thought about something in ten years, but again, I'm a slow thrower, and, and I think a Ten or yeah, ten years, maybe eleven, something like that. Like you got to really think back. And the the funny thing is, is when I when I was uh, when I was or when you asked me the question, was it, it you asked me the question like, um, um, is it true that she washes your feet? When I was asked this question, I was thinking about it as I'm sitting on the couch like playing online poker or watching TV and I've got like a little like tub or huge like thing under my couch, like a tub of water as she's like on her hands and knees scrubbing. That's kind of what I pictured too. Right. So that's kind of like, I like, like how I was thinking. I can't tell you guys what I was picturing. Uh Oh, what were you picturing? (laughs) I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> and so, you know, I was thinking like maybe like a dress, like a bow in the hair or something, you know, like a 1930s, like, you know, like a foot scrub. And so when oh, like in your I version, asked, she was clothed. Okay. Yes, in my version. Well, I was thinking like how you guys are saying this. This this shit was going on all the time. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, this this must have been going on like every fourth, fifth day, you know, every other yeah, day yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like how it was asked to me, like this is a normal thing. And I found out it, 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 that's not what was happening. So it kind of it kind of ruined it for me as well. So when asked, but I wasn't correct either about how I answered the question. Because <clears throat> I let me um, let me see where I was here. So I because I asked her the question just to make sure it was asked correctly. I got a question for you. I'm listening to a radio show and they are currently talking about our past relationship. I want to fact check something. <laughs> she must be, at this point, she must be like, "What the? Fuck? Is this is this the way you started out? Like you hadn't talked to her in years? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. She must be like, "Who the fuck is talking going? about us?" <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So her response was, "A radio show is talking about me." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A rather, rather surprised. The show has that little to talk about, so they have to discuss something so long ago. I knew it. And uh, yeah, and I go. <clears throat> I just want to make sure I didn't write anything. It shouldn't be read. Uh, I was did, like, no. Did you tell her, yeah, you blocked no. the guy on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here, here's what I wrote. I go, no, it wasn't that. I was doing an interview last week. The question was asked, when we used to date, did you used to or ever wash my feet? Question mark. <laughs> I, I replied, I replied, no, I wish that was true, but I don't recall that. Uh, I, I said, I'm sure she meant that more as a metaphor, you know, or meaning you have to do everything for me. And I, I just kind of wrote a little more. I just hope, I just hope this really was true. So I wanted to fact check this with you. <laughs> and I have the worst memory for a human. Did this happen? And if approximately, and if so, approximately how many times? So, you know, I want to really, I want to know if I if I forgot about this. Like this was on like the constant. Uh. <laughs> and she says, she says, I don't think I've ever answered that question to anyone who has asked me. Well, yeah, so I put, you did. <laughs> and she goes, this was like 10 years ago. I do remember, I do remember washing you while wow. standing out. But now here's where I was kind of like impressed right here. She's like, I, I do, uh, I do remember, uh, oops, sorry, I just lost where I was. I do remember washing you while standing outside of the shower. Like, uh, but I definitely did not bring that up to anyone. And I remember that conversation. I don't even know what she means here. And I remember that uh, conversation completely. I don't know what that means. I don't recall. The sentence doesn't make much sense, but I don't recall uh, how many times, maybe Whoa. a few. Wow. Yeah. But wait, hold on. Does she mean your feet? And, ne- and, never, uh, and never just your feet. Oh, okay. okay. Whoa. Yeah. You got a I full impressed. body wash from her? I don't. I, I honestly, and I would tell you if I remember this, I don't recall this. And right, and then I just put LOL. Some of the best parts of your life. Yeah, I know. And I just put <laughs> LOL. I said this guy named Brandon... Drexel oh, person. Oh, so don't oh. worry, I, I outed you. Um, uh, yeah. So, anyways, so I talked. So I just had maybe like a five minute uh, I am conversation, and she did tell me one story that I forgot that I will give her credit. Is like right after we broke up, uh, we had this. Uh, I think we played for eight thousand. I think that's what I had in my stars account or what she had. I don't remember who had what at that time, but we played for 8,000 to like settle who was like going to be better at poker. And I mean, this is straight off of like a breakup. And I remember we played online heads up, no limit, hold them. You guys broke up and decided to settle. You decided to play poker as a grudge match. (laughs) Yeah. This is some twisted shit. Yeah. 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 No, this is where it really gets (laughs) twisted. And so we played five ten no limit, and back in those days, it was like a one k. That was the biggest game you could play on stars. And she was playing bigger than I was at that I mean, at that time. She was playing like one fifty three hundred. You could play limits poker bigger. I think one fifty three hundred on UB was maybe the biggest. But uh, we were playing five ten no limits on stars, which was the biggest game that they had at the time, and you could only buy in a thousand. But, uh, so somehow, or no, yeah, I think that's it. You could, maybe you could buy in 2000 at that time or something, but somehow I get in and I'm 7,000 deep and she beats me heads up. And I just remember like, uh, and I remember just taking my laptop at that time and just stomping on it and shattering it. 
I was, I remember exactly. I was like, oh my god, I forgot about that. I was over at Theo Tran's house, and I remember like I was like a twelve year old, like stomping on my computer with like both feet, and he's just watching me. I was like, yeah. So, wait, did, like, she, oh, so yeah. did she? Did she remember that? Did she know you stomped on the computer? Or you're just telling us this now. No, no, I never told her that. Of course, you're not going to tell somebody that. Like, he, I couldn't let her get the. Yeah, idea I didn't think you would go tell her that. Like yeah. a fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Pretty I mean, funny. She, so. Look, she may have beaten you heads up, okay, but she can never unwash your feet. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like so, to, to her right. to her grave, she's going to know that she washed your now, feet now, did multiple she, times. Did she mention? why she was washing you she said it was outside the shower so it wasn't even in the shower so did she mention why she was doing it did she say that you asked her to or you demanded it what was her uh, did she explain how this uh, all occurred you know um, sorry I cut you off I should have let you finish because I have to look that up so go ahead and <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was the question yeah this is like some kind of you know wet nurse fantasy porn right. stuff you know right I put, so wait, you really washed my feet, question mark? Was this in the shower or out of the shower or both? I don't think I read that part to you, to you did I? No. Uh, uh, I didn't read that to you, no. And she, and, and, uh, and she goes, I was pretty awesome. I'd always bake. Yeah, I'd always like bake and, uh, and do your laundry. I mean, well, so, you know, uh, so, I've had, I've had great. women... I've had women bake and do my laundry, but I mean, this whole regularly yeah. washing the feet thing, I mean, I got to give you props. I haven't managed to pull that one off. Yeah, and then she says, no, I washed your entire body. And then wow. I just put in caps. I put in caps like about 40 I do not recall this. So, But whose idea was this? Did she explain whose idea it was or she just did it on her own or did you ask her? Like, I want to know that. Who cares? Um, he, he, he got it yeah. done. He got it done. Who cares? I don't, it's more interesting to me if, if if he had said, you know, you know what I'd really like? I'd really like if you just wash me or you wash my feet. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Like, that's different well, than just her just deciding on her own to do it. I'm going to guess that he asked just because, like, he, it's not something I, that a woman's normally going to just volunteer. Like, hey, let me, let, me, uh, let me wash you, you know? I mean, I don't know. Right. I, you know, I don't know. Um, so you don't know I, if that's I a thing look, of yours. So you, look, you're not like a right, serial washer. <laughs> no, I can. You haven't you asked that. anyone else happened. to do this. That hasn't happened since then. And by the way, I was trying to think. Man, I was a real baller at 25. Here, you know, like when I was 20. <laughs> no, I mean not a real baller, but this. I don't think this is like normal that I know of. <laughs> I'm I'm you impressed. Know? Like, yeah. So that was no, and and the reason I say that is because I think that's the only time I've ever had that happen. Now the best day so, behind you then. So so now you so said wait a minute. if this is not something that you ask for, then maybe it's something I that she, she does. Yeah, maybe there's been other feet washed besides yours. Maybe maybe you're not maybe your feet were not the first feet she's ever had. Well, I'm sure I'm not the first anything she's ever Whoa. had. So let's not <laughs> let's not like Wow. <laughs> Those are some shots well, fired there. That, that's not shots fired. I, I don't even think that's that rude. I mean, it's just really, I, doubt, I, I, I don't know how that would come up, but, and I didn't ask that, that question, so when I don't know. you say that you don't think that you were her first anything at 25, I mean, you know, you're saying that she's been 
taken around the block about a hundred times. You know, I, oh, I don't know. What, what, what would I be the first of? I don't know. Like, I didn't no, he might be, we no, he might be right though. Is and, like, he might be right. You know, she had other boyfriends before him, so yeah, right. I don't think that's like. I don't think that shot fired at all. I think that's just a fair statement. Okay, you know, so, I, I maybe I, I think she was my age. Maybe she, you're yeah, she she's, she's, she was uh, she's born in '84. I know that, so she's uh, she was. Uh, okay. But what, what I'm saying is, I mean, do you think that this was her first feet time, or do you think this was like feet was just kind of like a thing she did? You know? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I can't even answer that because I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't remember. I don't it, really so. remember this happening. So, well, we can rule out it being your thing. Because well, you, maybe maybe you not. Asked anyone else? Maybe right? he had this thing yeah. then, and it, and it kind of died off, and he doesn't remember for some reason. Yeah, that's true. That's so, okay, true. so uh, you said you threw that you mentioned Brandon. Did you mention that I was on the show too? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I I I didn't even say what show it was. I just said that who it was specifically that said that. That's, I don't think that came up. Did she say anything about Brandon? Um, she just said, oh, like, she goes, oh, I didn't think I told him that or something okay. like that. Mm. No, because, uh, yeah, I, 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 she probably wouldn't have reacted well if she knew I was involved with it. Uh, I believe she still has me blocked on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> we, we, it's, it's so, it was so weird with her, as I said before. It, it just went back and forth with her, whether she liked me or disliked me, and really for no rhyme or reason. It's just a... Uh, at some time she seemed very nice and supportive toward me, and other times she had me blocked or, or clearly disliked me. And I, I, I never could figure out what was causing these changes in opinions. I, I can understand people like me. I can understand when people dislike me. I just uh, when people kind of waver back and forth is kind of odd. But that's that's always what. Well, she's why talking. wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she like you? Well. Uh, we've talked about her on a number of radio shows. She's kind of a you know, fascinating character in poker, especially back then when she was more uh, in poker. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think that she sometimes got mad about the gossiping and stuff. So she, you know, she didn't like some of that. Even when she, she would bring it on herself by being uh, the public poker figure she was, I think this got her mad sometimes. But other times uh, she, she was friendly to me and liked me. In fact, I even got, uh, when I made the final table in 2013 at a, at a Limit Hold'em event, she uh, she tweeted me, you know, she tweeted, you know, good luck to Todd Wattel, I hope you win, or something like that. So, uh, like, out of nowhere, and this was shortly after she had uh, blocked me, and then I guess it unblocked me. So it was weird. It's, I, I can't explain a lot of things she does and, and did. So Right. I, I didn't do anything uh, yeah. bad. I, I didn't know. do anything bad to her, though. Like, I didn't do anything like, oh, yeah, I totally get why she blocked me, and I I, I can get at times why she's been, yeah, maybe mildly annoyed with me. So I I don't know. I I, I and I've you know I've said nice things about her before too. I've I've said a lot of things. I've defended her when people have you know people have said oh genocide is a fish and I, I've said no she isn't. I've played against her before in, in online poker. I've I've seen her play very well at times. Uh, I I've uh, you know so I, I don't think she's a fish. I've said that uh, yeah, I, I people. There's been people who've even criticized the way she looked. People say, "Oh, you know, genocide. She's overrated. She's not that pretty." You know, but and I, I've you know, if they complain she gained weight in such and such time, and I, I've said before, I've never noticed this. I said I, I thought uh, genocide was always pretty. I even thought uh, uh, when I saw her last, when she was you know a little older than when she was when she first got into the poker world, I thought she still looked very good. When I've seen pictures of her semi recently, I thought she looked very good. So I was never one of these guys who criticized her looks or anything. So I, it was the opposite. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
I, right. I, I know. She, uh, I mean, who, I, I don't know who couldn't like you. You run a poker gossip site. I mean, everybody's got to like you. <laughs> no, I, as, as I said, I, 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 I do understand when people don't like me for whatever reason, and I sometimes I can give controversial opinions or, or say things that piss people off. I just, I, I always wonder about those that just go back and, that go back and forth. I, I'd rather more consistency that you like me or don't like me, or even the people who, who are consistently neutral. So anyway, uh, well, I'm glad that uh, we got some closure on this, and, and, and yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting us know. What you? Why couldn't we reach you last week? What happened? What happened? Uh, Your phone was, I was just dead. Kind of sleeping, and I turned my phone off a lot when I when I. In fact, I don't turn it off a lot. I turn it off like every single night, and so that was kind of. Uh, so so it wasn't actually turned off. It, like it wasn't disconnected. It was just turned off. No, that's why I, I thought that was weird. But oh. every night that I sleep, I I never get woke up by any of the constant cell phone. Like I don't whether it's alerts or whatever your phone's doing going off, phone texts, and I just couldn't sleep. And so I just had to turn my phone. I had to turn it completely off every night. Oh, okay. so well, that's, that's not. That's and not I was good, just in bed. That's not as good of a story as uh, being disconnected. But either no. way, either way, you're you're back here and with you know with the same phone number and. I'm glad we got a hold of you. I was afraid that, like, I thought, what if Brandon died, and now we never reach him and never find out? What if he just, what if he died and they've shut off his phone and he's gone from Twitter? And what if we just never know? What if we I never find out? Right. Like, I, I would have had to contact Genocide. I would have had to just kiss her ass and apologize for whatever uh, she thought I did. And then, like, after months of talking to her and acting like her best friend just slipped it in there. So, uh, you know, I heard something about Brandon Cantu and, and, and washing his feet. Did that ever happen? I, I would have had to, I would have had to put out that much effort to, to find out the truth. And I would have, but I'm glad you resurfaced. So I don't have to do this. I, I just found the, the, the reason why before, uh, before I let you off and in one sentence, I think it has to do with, uh, uh, it has to do with that she's a submissive female. I think it would be more along that line mm. that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just kind of like a, a night, I, I don't know. Just more, I think that's kind of more along the lines of where that would have came from. No, that makes sense. It makes sense that she is that type and just wants to do things for her man and make him happy. I, I, just, I can say, hey, I mean, Correct. I fully support that. Correct. I mean, the only thing is how can you be a submissive female and be good at poker? Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. She was, she was really good at, uh, I'm not saying she's not good. I'm not saying she's not good. I'm saying that it, it's an interesting personality quirk that she can be aggressive on the tables and submissive off. You know, I, I did play her at limit. Hold'em. It is weird. I played her at limit. Hold'em on absolute poker. In his long session, heads up at like forty eighty or something, and mm. and she knew it was me and I knew it was her, and it went for I think we played ten hours, a long time, and we got nowhere. Like like we ended up breaking even. No, mm-hmm. the, the the site won. <laughs> the site won. <laughs> site won a bunch. Yeah, we site ended won. up breaking even. Yeah. and finally just quit. And I I said, well, you know, she's she's a lot better at, at heads up limit hold than I would have guessed. And I said, well, genocide's actually pretty good. And the um, Did you sit down thinking that you had a sucker at the table, Drew? I, I thought she might. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I bought into the hype that, uh, you know, oh, genocide's a fish. Oh, genocide uh, doesn't know what she's doing. And I said, wow, she's, she's, uh, she's actually pretty good at this. So we we played for like a long time and uh, we got nowhere. Not only did we break around even, and I'm like really close to even, 
uh, when we quit. I don't remember who yeah. anyone was up slightly, but it was so close. It was you know you could basically call it even. Did you smash but your she would crush. She would crush it two and three handed limit hold'em, which is not an easy thing online at the very highest stakes that there was. Which I I I didn't understand limit hold'em. I'll just be honest. It took me many years. It didn't. It took me until about two three years ago before I even understood what was going on in limit hold'em. And or I, I I just I was more just amazed that because I because usually I'm good at every game and I that's one of the games I just couldn't really get heads up when the hold'em. Yeah, she she ran up. I think it was around the time she ran up money in limit hold'em. She ran up like seventy five thousand. I think it was playing mostly on there. And so I was I played her and she. Yeah, it was so close. Not only was it so close to the final results, but there was no time when either of us was like were like leading by much. It, it, it's it, so that also has to do with the cards. I mean, if one of us ran well and the other poorly, then the results would have been different. But it was uh, it was funny. Like neither of us even took any kind of appreciable lead on the other. And finally, we just said, "Okay, we're going to give up on this." Right. So anyway, uh, that's. I'm glad that uh, we got some closure on this. And uh, where, where were you playing tonight? <laughs> Uh, I was playing five, ten, twenty, no limit in a Portland private game tonight. Oh, a private so, game. Now, is this a private yeah. game that has like a an outrageous rake, like twenty five dollars, and or is it the rake was zero? Wow, wow, that's, hmm. that's a good rake. Yeah, how about that? Rake was zero, just tip. How, how did you manage that? And then, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. Whenever that comes, that always surprises me. Like because it's it's not often that I see zero rake. And then I watch people like tip a dollar. I'm thinking, man, huh. this person's doing a lot of work, kind of running it at their house, like struggling. You know, it's not like it's not like those legendary games in like Texas or anything. You know, where they're all raking like a million dollars in a night, or not a million, but like fifty, hundred thousand, or just crazy games. It's not like that. You know, it's like struggling. You know, just struggling to get by, and people like really take advantage of it instead of like, well, you got a really good thing. Don't knit it up so hard, you know, on the tips. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, speaking of the Texas games, do you remember Chantel? Yes. Chantel McNulty. Yeah. yeah. She, she, I was in love with her for a minute. Oh, really? She, she, she originated from those Texas games. She was like a hostess at the Texas games. And that's, was she? I didn't yeah. Know that. and, and that's, and that's how <laughs> she got into poker. Yeah. It's funny because I was, I'm, I was again, Oh six, Oh seven ish. I think when she disappeared in like 07, maybe? 08? She, well, she didn't disappear, uh, but she kind of like went in the background. She wasn't around that much, but yeah. Okay, well, disappeared from poker. That's what I mean. I don't mean disappeared like from life. I just mean from being around in poker. Because she was one of my really good friends in poker for a little bit. You know what's amazing? Is pretty much everybody has this story. Chantel's greatest talent, and I, I still don't know how she managed this. She had a massive number of friends in poker. Just, I think they were all male, but still. Shocking. And, yeah. And, and somehow... She was hot, by the way. Oh, she was, but but somehow she managed to give all of them t- a lot of time. I don't know how she found the hours in the day to do this, but like, like I was... I always wondered that, too. I was friends with her. <laughs> I, I was friends with her, and she, you know, she went... I was friends with her around the time she was going out with uh, with Neverwin. But she spent a lot of time talking to me on AIM, and like like, and she even you know, hung out with me sometimes. We, we never messed around or did anything i had a girlfriend at the time but but she uh she gave a lot of time to me and then yet i talked to so many other guys and it was the same story at the same time and i said she's a pro how, how did she does she have extra hours in the day i don't know about it was weird 
but she was really good at being everyone's best friend yes. and really like being super cool to everybody and including me. I, I had like I had kind of a junior high like minute with her. I don't, I don't know that I've ever really even shared that, but like uh, you know, I don't know over like a month or two. You know, I don't friends for a year or two, but uh, like a little month or two thing, just kind of like flingy. But I feel like it was, it was, <laughs> no, that for sure didn't happen there. But, uh, but it was just kind of like in, uh, was just kind of, it, it was just kind of in fun. You, you know what I mean? And I knew it was, but I knew there was like mutual time going between like a lot of people. Yes. Tons of people. I couldn't, I couldn't even figure out how she fit all these different people in and, Somehow, but it wasn't. It wasn't in like a slutty way. This is what's weird about this. No, it, it wasn't. Was that's in what like I'm a saying. Genuine, a genuine person way. And that, again, you're you're saying it right. She had like a lot of time in her day to really, uh, to really talk and hang out and be a good friend to everybody. Yes, yes. It was it was weird, and so I, you, I so saw so many. She was a really good hostess. <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> Right. No, I, no, I, I'm not saying that. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess the word hostess can mean a lot of different ways and things. I guess I don't mean, that, that, I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is a hostess is someone who's supposed to be personable and make everyone feel comfortable and greet them and do all that kind of good stuff. And she's oh, you mean apparently like, really good at her job. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That, that word can have, to me, could have a yeah, lot no, of no, no, I, I, I didn't mean, yeah. I didn't mean code word for process. <laughs> I meant right, 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 she was right, a good right. host. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I got you now. Yeah, everybody felt uh, at the yeah. time. Yeah, I, I agree. Everybody felt at the time that like she was, she was a good friend. And uh, where I eventually had the falling out with her was was thanks to Gavin Smith, where she was she was with Gavin Smith, and she was uh, they were. Both playing on her account, you know, they're physically together playing on her account on Poker Stars at like the hundred two hundred uh, limit hold'em game, and all of a sudden her account just starts talking shit to me, and not like talking shit from a poker <laughs> standpoint, but just starting to say all this just nasty stuff personally about me. And at first I'm thinking, oh yeah. So so at first I'm thinking, there's a point. There there's a point when she had one too many drinks, and I mean, let's just say her line was five, and if she went to drink number six. Everybody like hide under the table. Yeah. So, so then, yeah, the shipping was talked to me, and at first, I actually did think I knew she, you know, hang out, hung out with a lot of people, a lot of guys. I, I thought maybe this was just some guy playing on her account that doesn't like me, that's just using her account to talk shit to me. But then she started saying things that I had, I had told her, like not real big secrets, but things that, uh, like inside jokes we had had in the past. She said some things that made it definitely clear that it was her, because there's no way that some guy over there would have known. So I got really pissed. And and uh, yeah, I said I'm so, yeah. I started saying you know Chantel, what are you doing? Why, why are you talking this way to me? And and she just kept on with it. She just kept on with it. And uh, so I was pissed. And I, I sent her a message saying you know don't talk to me again. I don't appreciate what you did. You know we're not friends anymore. And, and then so I saw her in Reno. There's a, a tournament in Rio, in, in uh, at some Reno uh, hotel. And she was in it, and she saw me, and she tried to come up and explain. And she tried to say, oh, it was Gavin Smith. He was doing all of this. And I, I said, look, there were things that you said there that Gavin couldn't have known. Nobody could have known except you and I. So obviously this was you too. I believe Gavin was probably there. He may have been saying you know, a lot of it. and He may have been encouraging a lot of it. But you were involved. She just would not admit that she said any of it, which I knew was a lie because I knew that uh, 
she at least had to be there too. I think they were just both there, and they were probably both drunk, and uh, and just both talking shit. He probably started. It was Gavin Smith never liked me, so that's probably what it was. But I, I she kept trying to apologize, but I, I wasn't having it. I just said, "No, you know, you're not even be truthful with me, and you know, don't talk to me." And I just walked away from her. And that was. Uh, then I, I didn't have any contact with her for a while, and then uh, I guess when she got those, uh, she she had various uh, plastic surgeries done, which most people agree uh, did uh, harm and not good to her looks, which was so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't need to get plastic surgery. As you said, she was hot. She looked she looked really good. There's no point to get any plastic surgery. Uh, so, yeah. so I, she first got her boobs done, which is fine. She was always, I remember she complained to me, oh, my boobs are small, my boobs are small. So, like, okay, fine. So she wanted her boobs bigger, fine. But then after that, she started getting plastic surgery on her face, which made no sense at all because her, her face was, was great. There was no point to to try to mess with that. So anyway, I, I, had yeah. made, I had made some comments negatively about the plastic surgery, and it got back to her, and then she really was pissed and, and really hated me and, like, told someone that uh, – you know, that, that she's super pissed. Yeah, I do remember seeing them post-surgery just for a minute. I do, because I, I didn't know there was ever a pre. Well, I mean, I do know there was a pre, but I didn't know, like, it was a recent pre, pre-surgery. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I was really with you right there on that conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so I saw that that was my story with, with Chantel. And then I think I saw her one time... At and she looked so different, I didn't recognize her at first. Some girl says hello to where, me. What does she? What does she do now? Where, where is she? Uh, at oh, now? I don't know. I saw her probably four or five years ago at the Rio with some guy. That she was, she was there with him, mm-hmm. and he was in my tournament. In fact, I think he was even sitting at my table or near my table. Anyway, I I was walking through, and I recognized he was in the tournament. And some girl says hello to me, which is surprising. But she told everyone she hates my guts, and and uh, but then this girl out of nowhere says hello to me as I'm walking through the hallway. And I'm looking, I go, who is this? And I looked more closely, and like I, I kind of just said hi back and walked away, and I thought, who was that? And I go, wait a minute, that was Chantel. But then I didn't go back and talk to her. So that was the last time I saw her. And uh, I don't know how what long she, ago. I, I don't know how long. Yeah, no, like four or five years ago. Maybe five, six. It could be that long. So it's right. it's, it's been a while. Uh, so I don't. She's definitely not a fixture in poker anymore, but maybe she is there every yeah. so often. And uh, Yeah. We're talking about somebody, actually, we should – Pardon ourselves because the ninety-two percent of your well, maybe not ninety-two, probably eighty percent of your audience doesn't know or remember. I had never even older, heard of older her. audience. Here, I, someone someone found uh, one of the listeners just uh, messaged me. I'm going to put this in the chat room and uh, the, the, here. In fact, I'll even send it to you, Brandon, in text. Mm. Uh, a, a, a picture of uh, Chantel with her arm around me from like. Uh, <laughs> I just sent it to the wrong person. Whoever I sent this to, sorry. Uh, I just texted this to the wrong person. But uh, uh, I'll put it in the chat room, too. But, uh, yeah, someone, I got it, yeah. Someone posted that. Uh, someone, yeah, saw it. someone sent that to me. Yeah, that, that, was, that was pre-surgery, Chantel. And that, that, yeah. was, that was when and, I... And I, I even think that's a bad picture of her. Yeah, it actually kind I, of I mean, is. It's, it, it, it's a good picture still, but it's still, it, I'm saying, isn't it like doing her justice? <clears throat> if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I look at that picture, I go, damn, I looked, I looked so much younger back then. Oh, uh, of course, you were checking yourself out, of 
course. <laughs> no, no, I just look at it. I, I say, oh, who's, 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 I didn't who, even realize you were in the picture. No, I, I, I look and I go, oh, who's, who's Chantel? She's got this her arm around some young guy. They go, oh, wait a minute, it's me. Crap. So yeah, <clears throat> but it, it was many years anytime, ago. Anytime you guys want to shoot the shit about, uh, you know, the old, well, not old. Well, that that would be the 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 decade ago. You know, five to ten year, five to twelve, whatever it is, however long I've been around. Year ago, poker girls. I'm. I can be your guys' resident expert on that. <laughs> if you'd like, I can help you out with that. It's probably true. Like I brought up Chantel, you you just yeah you immediately were able to jump in and talk about it. In fact, we had uh, similar experiences. Except except you messed around with her and I didn't. Though you know, if I was if I was single then, then uh, then I would have. Uh, you know, if 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 she would have been willing, I I, w- I would have. So I I don't know if she would have. Or not, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, those are good, good, good memories. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Brandon, for coming back on here. And yeah, well, we'll uh, maybe we'll get a hold of you sometime in the near future and uh, talk about some other stuff. All right. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Good night. All right. Talk to you later. All right. So now, not only are we uh, down one guest in Brandon Cantu, we're down a co-host. It's just me. It's just me. If you're still up here at, at one twenty-five in the morning. It's just me now. Just me in your ear. By the way, uh, I wasn't sure if I should mention this. This is nothing to do with anything we've talked about tonight, but uh, I'm going to anyway. This was uh, texted to me by by a listener who knows... You know, we have a, a mutual friend, me and this listener. And uh, there, there's a listener to this show who... Uh, is in the hospital listening to this show right now. I can't say right at this moment. I was told he was listening live uh, about four hours ago, five hours ago, kind of close to the start of the show. But uh, he was in the hospital for something pretty serious, and uh, he's recovering from emergency surgery. But anybody who's in good enough condition to listen to this show, it couldn't be that bad. So... uh, I'm glad that uh, he's in good enough condition to listen. And uh, this is someone who's a very loyal listener to the show and has invested uh, in the in my World Series a number of times, which I appreciate. He's a nice guy. I've met him a number of times in person. So I'm, I'm still not sure if he wants any of this... Uh, Known, so I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, I'll give a uh, shout out to this individual, and I, I hope uh, hope you fully recover. And uh, it's actually kind of flattering for me that uh, when you uh, are recovering from emergency emergency surgery, you think, you know, I, I, it's Wednesday, maybe I can listen to Poker Fraud Alert. That's cool. I, I'm I'm glad that I'm the choice for people who have just come out of emergency surgery in the hospital. It was something I would really hate would be, uh, I mean, nobody would like this, but just it's hard to even imagine of going through emergency surgery in the hospital and then you, they, they put you under, you don't know if you're going to wake back up. You don't know if you're coming back. You don't know if this is the last thing you're ever going to see. 
So it can be very scary stuff. And uh, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, everything went well enough to where he's uh, recovering and listening. That's great. And uh, when he's well enough to message me, and here's this segment, he can let me know if he wants me to say anything about who he is. But uh, otherwise, uh, I, I hope everything uh, continues to get better. So let me read some uh, some texts we got here. For the 505, the SJW movement is so mind-warping that you're almost afraid of asking a girl out for fear of sexual harassment. And then referring to Andrew Barber, even this guy didn't have a response to the sexually harassed women getting implants. Ha ha. Yeah, the problem with the social justice warrior movement uh, in that respect, I've criticized it many times. And there was even a similar but less offensive and less obnoxious version of that uh, back when I was in college called uh, Political Correctness. That was when all that started. And This is like Political Correctness on steroids, the social justice warrior movement. And the problem is just always looking for victims. They're looking to call themselves victims. They're looking to cast others as victims, even ones that don't see themselves as victims. And yeah, unfortunately... You can be afraid of, of uh, being accused of sexual harassment if you ask a girl out. So it, it can be tough. It can be uh, very frustrating when you haven't done anything wrong, you know haven't done anything wrong, and people are accusing you of all these, these terrible things just because they want to find a victim somewhere or they want to claim they're the victim. Another common tactic by social justice warriors is that something unfortunate will happen to someone that is a result of uh, their own doing. And they blame it on their gender, their race, their sexual preference, their religion. They, they blame it. It's a, they claim it's happening to them because of discrimination, not because they caused it, such as uh, someone getting fired from their job because they do a crappy job or they, uh, mistreat people at work, whether it's uh, co-workers or customers, and they get fired. Oh, you fired me because I'm black. Oh, you fired me because I'm gay. Oh, you fired me because I'm a woman. You fired me because I'm a transsexual, whatever. And they, it's just automatically assumed. If if you get fired and you're in one of these uh, so-called persecuted groups, then it must be because of that. There's no way that person did something wrong. Now, there are cases where things happen to people because of sexism or racism or homophobia, stuff like that. But there's many other cases where that stuff is blamed when in reality that is not the case. So, social justice warriors should always look for something like that that they can blame rather than looking at the situation accurately. which is what I always strive to do when I hear about these things. From, uh, let's see, the 512. This is about me and my situation with Card Player, not uh, letting me go to their party 
their award ceremony and uh, not giving me any recognition for being their player of the year in 2005. This guy says, uh, let me bring this up. I lost it for a second. Yeah, I was going to read it and then I lost it. Too many windows open. Here we go. He says, Druff loses his shit in and out uh, for not being open during business hours, but card player snubs him and he doesn't throw a fit. Sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is saying that, uh, you know, in and out closes five minutes early and I get mad and complain to the corporate office, but uh, if I get completely snubbed unfairly by card player, then I go, oh, okay, well, I, I can see their point. I can't even argue with you. Believe it or not, there are some things like that that have occurred in my life where, where I, I do kind of get screwed and I, I somehow I explain it away and don't complain when I should. Like, There's some things that seem like totally big deal things to me that I should complain about and don't. And then there's minor things, much more minor things that I do complain about. That's not to say that's the regular occurrence in my life, but... Uh, there are a few times I think back to something that's pretty outrageous that's happened, and I go, why didn't I say anything? Why didn't I make a big deal about this? I should have made a big deal about this. I think it's because I recognized that they had a dumb system. When I when I realized I won, I said, oh, wow, I won thanks to a dumb system I didn't deserve to win. That was my reaction before card player snubbed me at all. So when they snubbed me, even though they didn't say this is why they're snubbing me, I said, okay, they're snubbing me because they had a bad system and it's going to be embarrassing for them. In fact, before they snubbed me, I wonder how are they going to handle this? How are they going to promote me as player of the year of the World Series when I really should have been kind of like fourth player of the year of the World Series? So I wondered how they were going to handle it. And so when I saw it, I, I kind of understood, but also was kind of pissed. But I still should have said something. Part of the reason I didn't say something, though, is I, I felt like if I didn't really believe I was player of the year, like, like, how can I give them a hard time for not properly recognizing me as player of the year? I felt like I didn't believe in myself enough to make a big deal about this. And I, I felt like I couldn't even argue that. I felt, I felt like I couldn't take them to task for this. And then if people questioned me, be able to argue my point. In the 410 from Scott from the East Coast, I've got questions about this and ESPN. Can I call in? Oops, this is hours later, but I guess the answer is yes. Northern California guy. Some people have asked me, where has he been? Remember he co-hosted this show for a while? Now he's been kind of gone. He, he returned for one episode not too long ago, and now he's been gone again. Well... He texted me. He texted me today a picture of a pug. A really messed up looking pug. He says, hey Todd, Northern California guy here. I like the direction the show has been going lately. Had some interesting interviews. Was working on a job last weekend and the owners of the house had a pug that I think could rival yours. Is there a show scheduled for tonight? So at first I I saw the pug. It looked so messed up. I said, is that even a pug? Then I looked more closely, so I guess it is. He said, according to the owners, it's a 13-year-old pug that is blind and deaf 
and from the looks of it, is quite grumpy. So my pug, who is 12, is in far better shape than that pug. I guess you know my pug has arthritis, but you know he can walk. Like when he gets excited, you can't even tell he has arthritis. He jumps up and down like a young dog. But uh, you can tell at other times, you know, especially getting up from a lying down position, it takes some effort. In fact, like when he's lying in his bed and it's time to go for a walk rather than try to get him to get up on his own, which he doesn't feel like doing, I just pick him up and put him on his feet. Which, which helps him because this way he doesn't have to uh, raise himself up from a sitting position, which is probably painful. But uh, once once he's up, he walks great and he can run still and all that. So he's not a lame dog or anything. But that's really his only problem. This 13-year-old pug sounds like he's in very bad shape, being blind and deaf. So when he said it would rival mine, I thought he meant that... Uh, it's large like mine is, but that's not what he meant. He just meant by this by its age. I couldn't see by the photo how big he was, but I said, well, how much does this pug weigh? Mine is like 28. And he said, uh, that thing would be lucky to weigh double digits. The typical pug is around 14 pounds. So my pug is kind of like two pugs. And not even that fat. My pug's not thin by any means, but it's, it's not even that fat. It's just large. It's just way bigger than... The typical pug. And then he sent me a picture of his dog, which is uh, a puppy, but getting quite big already. So Northern California guy lives. And he can, he can come back on and co-host. He can even be a third wheel here. with uh, Just because we have Calwat on doesn't mean we can't have a Northern California guy, too. Regarding the direction of the show, you may have noticed, including tonight, we have a lot more interviews. And it wasn't on purpose at first, but I have noticed that those, show get, those shows get a better response. They sometimes get higher ratings, depending upon how high profile the guest is. And people seem to like it in general. So as long as we have something interesting to talk about that is topical for the moment, we'll have uh, guests on. And interviews. I'm not going to strain to have interviews. I'm not going to just put people on because they're known names in poker. And I mean, it's a super big name, sure, but somebody you've heard of but doesn't really have much to talk about. We're not going to go put them on. And during the World Series, we're not going to just grab people because they want a bracelet. I mean, that's that's not exciting for radio. But there's constant drama, constant things going on in poker, and I've been more proactive with asking people, hey, do you want to come on? And fortunately, most people recently have said yes. So I hope you guys enjoy that change we've had in the show in 2017. And you can let me know. You can text me at 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. You can text me anytime. And tell me if you like the format that has more interviews or if you prefer to go back to the old format. Someone else was offering to uh, donate $250 to the show or, or a free roll if... Uh, Brandon comes back And he doesn't even mean permanently He just says next time he comes back 
So I will ask Brandon uh, if he wants to do that. If this guy really likes uh, Brandon on the show. And he, he said he liked Calwat too, but that he really uh, also misses uh, having Brandon here. So that's a, a big fan of Brandon's apparently. So th- those are the texts we've received this evening. Remember, you can always text me at any time. So if you're hearing the show in the archives, don't say, oh, well, the show's not on live anymore. There's no point to text. Yes, you can. You can text me with any comments, with any question, with any criticism. You know, Like if a segment sucks or you think something could have been done better, you can let me know. I I like all kinds of feedback. I like hearing when people like something. I like hearing when people didn't like something. I, I, like, I don't like hearing that they were disappointed with something here, but I'd rather hear something that improves the show than something that's not truthful or not hearing at all. So I won't always take your advice. Maybe you'll say something and I'll say, hey, I disagree or, hey, I know most people don't agree with you. But I'll always take it into an account, into account. I'll always consider what you're telling me. And I, I have changed things over time that were a result of feedback, positive and negative. Like we for a while we were talking a lot about uh, daily fantasy sports here, and I got a number of comments that it's boring. We're not really interested in this. You know, please stop talking about this. And after enough comments like that, I I pretty much dropped that from the show. All right. So I want to talk about Jow Poker and the reaction that they had to both are the article that I wrote about them on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, which I wrote shortly before last week's interview with one of their affiliates, and the interview that we did with Tam Wen, who is both an affiliate of theirs and also in some sort of management role there. Shortly after we had Tam Wen on, he messaged me and asked, okay, now that I've come on, now that I've explained everything, can you remove your post criticizing Jow Poker? And I realized that Tam Wen either misunderstood or was hoping maybe he could just convince me to do this because he was friendly during the interview. But I wrote a follow-up to this based upon his comments on Twitter and his comments on the Real Grinders Facebook group that he had convinced us that Jow Poker was not what we thought and that we were wrong about them. So I, I made sure to point out that his assumptions were incorrect. Now, I do want to thank him again for coming on. Very few people are willing to come on here and defend themselves when we've written a scathing post about them. You know, most poker companies, which we say are shady, they'll never come on here and defend themselves. Never. It's uh, understandable that unless they have a lot to defend, unless we've really treated them unfairly, coming on here attempting to defend something that's indefensible will just make you look worse. 
So I, I give him props for coming on here and attempting to explain Jow Poker's side of this whole thing and to try to counter the accusations and skepticism that I had in my post about Jow Poker and that many people feel this way as well. It's not just me, but there's a, a lot of controversy brewing on Facebook and elsewhere about Jow Poker and whether it's legit. So I want to clear some things up. I still don't like multi-level marketing schemes. I feel they're scammy. I, I think uh, you know, my biggest problem with all these schemes is that almost always anyone who wants to sell for them has to pay in order to become an affiliate. Which, especially in this day and age, is unnecessary because of how easy it is to sign people up as affiliates and let a computer basically do all the record keeping. So there shouldn't be any kind of real back office expenses. And if there is, it should be the cost of doing business. It it, it shouldn't be something you pass along to the affiliate. If I wanted to become an affiliate for online poker sites, they would never charge me to become one. Never. So multi-level marketing, a big flaw with it is that they charge people in some way to become affiliates. Which then changes it from selling a product and getting commission to selling the opportunity to sell. So that's a big problem I have with Jow Poker and all multi-marketing, multi-level marketing schemes. I still do not see any justification for that $250 charge to be an affiliate of Jow Poker. And I felt when Tam came on the show, he trotted out the usual multi-level marketing answer when this is questioned, that the fee to be an affiliate, in this case $250, shows that people are serious about selling for Jow Poker, in this case referring. But that's BS. That's always what's that's always how it's explained. But it doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. Why does it matter if people are serious? Who cares if if a new affiliate refers a lot of people or very few people. The company should be thrilled to get as many affiliates as possible, whether these affiliates refer a few people or a whole lot of people. Either way, they win. If an affiliate even refers one person, then that's good that they had them. So why why does the person being serious about being an affiliate of Jow Poker matter? And it doesn't. The truth is that they're, they just are collecting this 250 because it's uh, a way to make profit. Now, Tam claimed on our show that there are 350 to 400 affiliates at the moment. Now, if that number is really true, which it might be, that means they've collected as much as $100,000 in affiliate sign-up fees in 2017 alone. And we're only in mid-May. That's, that's a lot of money to collect just from people who are going to refer others to your poker site. But okay, let's say we ignore all the affiliate stuff. And say, look, you don't have to become an affiliate. You can you can just play on job poker. So even if you think the affiliate stuff is crap, shouldn't you just be able to ignore that and just play on job poker as a regular poker site? Well, okay, that's a fair argument. And as far as that's concerned, I don't think that the site is necessarily a scam. 
I don't think it's here to just take your money and run. I mean, there, there have been scams we've talked about, poker automatics and other stupid ones, where really the goal is just to get you to deposit and then they just steal it. I don't believe that's job poker. I don't believe that they are actually scamming people. I just believe that Jow Poker is new and difficult to trust at the moment because they're new and because they're unlicensed and unregulated. Yeah, they claim to be licensed in Cambodia, but that's meaningless. Since we have no proof that the money on deposit is safe or segregated, there's no way for us to know whether the money on deposit is actually there or if it's been stolen already. Not to say it's been stolen already, but it could have been. There's no way to know. Now, you can say that about any unlicensed poker site, including big ones like Ignition. How do we know all the money on deposit on Ignition is there? No, we don't. But Ignition has existed in various forms, you know, Bovada, Bodog, etc., for 17 years and has always paid people. So I think it's pretty safe at this point. It's not 100%, but I think it's pretty safe to say if you have money on Ignition that you will be able to withdraw it and get paid. A small Johnny-come-lately site, such as Jow Poker, which has only been around for a few months, you cannot say that. At any time, they can just disappear and go bust. So could Ignition, but the chance of a small site, a new site, disappearing or running out of money or stealing the money on deposit is much higher. Much, much higher. Now, regarding the deposits and payouts to Jow Poker, they do have some backdoor methods such as checks and bank wires, but those will probably disappear at some point due to uh, legal risks or... uh, Busts that may come to, may come down, you know, maybe they'll, uh, whatever, uh, whoever is holding the bank accounts for this money will uh, get in trouble and the accounts will be seized and there will be the money, there will go the money. If the site grows more than it already has, all these things are probably going to happen. PayPal, which is right now an option for depositing and withdrawing, will probably shut them down incredibly soon. PayPal is very, very hard line against any form of gambling. So I could easily see a situation where even if Jow Poker wants to pay people, they just won't be able to. Right now they can, but that may not last very long. I just don't think a poker site has been conceived very well if PayPal is one of the major payment options. Now, I'd more understand this if this was an underground poker site which isn't marketed. There, There are poker sites out there like this secret poker sites that you can play on that uh, they settle with you kind of in the background sometimes with bank account payments sometimes with PayPal whatever and if it's just a small site with people who are brought there hush hush never advertised just uh, referred there by people who are told to bring in players that they know and trust There I can see things like PayPal being an option. But something that is marketed, like Jow Poker, sooner or later the hammer is going to come down with all these payment methods. Now right now it's only micro stakes and small stakes, so your risk is pretty low. If you you play there, you're not going to lose a fortune even if they do screw you. And I think at the moment they'll probably pay you quickly. If you play on there right now and... You withdraw in three days. I I think you'll probably get your money. I don't have any proof of this, but that's my gut feeling. I think right now they're paying people. Not not to set up a long con, but I uh, I just think it's poorly conceived. I think eventually they're not going to be able to pay people because of uh, 
various reasons, such as not being able to have payment methods anymore, getting busted, uh, stealing the money and using it for marketing, a lot of different ways. So while the risk to you is low because there's no high-stakes games on there or even medium-stakes games on there, I do think eventually this is going to dry up and they will shut down and people won't get paid. That's my prediction for the future with them. So overall, I think the multi-level marketing side of the site is the usual scammy multi-level marketing garbage. Stay away from it. The poker site itself, it's for the moment probably okay. You'll probably get paid on there, but uh, once their current payment methods go away or there's other problems, then they could easily just disappear. My verdict at the moment, it's not an outright scam, but you should proceed with extreme caution and avoid the affiliate stuff. Now, something else has happened involving job poker. The following message was sent to a listener of this show who didn't realize that person's a listener of this show and was just trying to promote Jow Poker to them. I, I don't know what started this conversation, but they're sending messages on Facebook to this person and trying to convince them to sign up. <laughs> so this person who listens to this show responded back, it's a scam site. Stop promoting it and put a link pokerfraudalert.com. Now keep in mind, they didn't link the whole article. They just put a link pokerfraudalert.com. So this is what this affiliate said back. This affiliate's name is Daniel Farid, F-A-R-I-D. And he's in Australia. This is what the affiliate said back in response to it's a scam site, stop promoting it, pokerfraudalert.com. He wrote back, poker fraud wanted to be paid to promote the site. When they said no, they meaning Jow Poker, he said he would badmouth the site. Ha. Ah. Does that sound like me? Does that sound like something I would do? Ask to be paid to promote Jow Poker? And then when they refuse, that I go bash them and call them a scam? Does that sound like something I would do? How many ads do you see on Poker Fraud Alert? How many ads have you seen on Poker Fraud Alert? How many ads have you seen on Poker Fraud Alert for poker sites? I'll tell you how many poker site ads we have run in our five plus year history of pokerfraudalert.com. Zero point zero. That's how many. So after taking no poker site ads or, or any kind of gambling site ad, we once ran a daily fantasy sports company ad. And the, that company no longer exists, but as far as I know, they paid everybody before shutting down. But. We've never taken any casino ads or poker site ads. And I've always said I've been offered many times to run such ads, including this week. And I've turned them down when I didn't think the site was reliable or I thought the site might be scammy. I've turned down a lot of those ads. I get offered all the time. Now, I'd run ads for things like PokerStars, but... Unfortunately, that opportunity hasn't been presented to me. But I've been offered to run ads for all kinds of small sites and small online casinos. And I've said, no, 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 not doing it. 
So you think something like Jow Poker, I would try to shake them down for ad money? And then when they say no, I'd badmouth them? Come on. You guys all know that's not true. I'm sure not one listener believes that I did that. I'm sure not any of you believe there's even a 1% chance that I did that. But this Daniel Fareed told that outright lie, which he knew was a lie, to this listener of Poker Fraud Alert Radio who then sent a screenshot to me, which I then posted on Poker Fraud Alert, the screenshot. By the way, I was given permission by that person to post the screenshot. So, can you believe this? Now, Daniel Fareed, if you, if you want to contact him and ask him why he did this, he has a Twitter account. It's twitter.com slash Daniel Fareed sold. That's Daniel, exactly as it sounds, Fareed, F-A-R-I-D, sold, the word sold, S-O-L-D. I think that's, at first I read it as Daniel Fareed's old, which also may be true. He's not a young guy. It's hard to tell how old he is. He looks like a... Uh, kind of middle-aged to older uh, Australian guy Completely bald If you go to Daniel Fareed Sold You'll see he's promoting Jow Poker You'll see he's some kind of like real estate agent He writes there Giving my client is the best service they can expect Which is why I love my job So I think that's why it's Daniel Fareed Sold Like he sold your house can you believe this crap? He must not be doing very well as a, a real estate agent. If, if he's heavily promoting job poker. You know, I can't even be sure that he really is real estate. Let me see. He has a website linked here. Let me click on this. I haven't clicked on this yet. Yeah, he is a real estate agent. Okay. At least it looks like it's, 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 a real estate site. So he must not be selling many houses there in Australia if he has to get involved in this nonsense. Can you imagine telling these outright lies about us here? I mean, just complete outright lies. How, how can you say that, that I was shaking them down for ad money? Does, does this guy even know what he's talking about? Obviously not. But how, how dare you say this about us here? That's never what Poker Fraud Alert has been about or would ever do. And this makes the whole product look bad. Now, I te- I tweeted him. I sent him a message. He didn't respond. But when I tweeted him, I also tweeted a copy to Tam Wynn, who was on last week. And I got a very disappointing response. I was hoping at least Tam would say something like, oh, sorry. That's one of our affiliates. He was confused. You know, he said the wrong thing. You know, he's. I thought I'd get an apology. No, I guess Tam is is done being civil, and he basically said, uh, "You know, all you haters think that you're uh, you're hurting us here. I'm just getting new signups. So thanks for promoting me, guys." <laughs> I, I doubt he got any signups from that show. If he did, oh well. But. Uh, that was his response. He didn't apologize at all for Daniel Fareed's bullshit. And Tam Wen knew this was bullshit. I mean, he, he knows that there was no shakedown. He knows we were not 
demanding the advertising dollars. I think Tam may have responded on, uh, I'm not sure if it was on Twitter. No, it was on Twitter. This is what he wrote. It don't matter. This fraud site is doing me a favor by sending people my way to create an account to play. Thanks, inbox happy. In the end, I have more followers than this lame-ass fraud site and its writers combined. Deuces. Is that obnoxious or what? And we let the guy come on here and... uh, Gave him a chance, weren't even too harsh on him. I mean, we stated our opinions. We challenged a lot of things he said, but we weren't ever rude. We were, we even stopped short of, of, of saying it was a scam or that he was a scammer. Or anything. We didn't say that. We gave him the benefit of the doubt, even though we still disagreed with Jow Poker as, as a site, as a product. But to come out of here and say that uh, we're a lame-ass fraud site, that... We did him a favor by sending people his way to create an account. Come on. None of these guys are are, are being honest. They just say whatever they can to get signups. So it's another reason not to trust them. Huh. Um, someone sent me. This is unrelated to this. Someone sent me a a, uh, a website saying that uh, Chantel is a senior manager at a certain company. I, I won't bother to say what it is because I'm. Not sure how they found this, but uh, probably from Googling it. But it even has her birth date on there. She's born in uh, November 1984. It says she's been a senior manager there since uh, February 1st, 2014. This is probably self-listed, but... uh, Hmm. Senior manager of what? Very odd. But it's the same Chantel. So back when this was all going on that we were talking about, me and Brandon Cantu with Chantel, she was in her early 20s then, but she's now uh, 32 years old. Kind of hard to believe, but that's how old she is. JSTAT is saying that uh, there were World Series of Poker ads here. We did have some World Series of Poker ads that were to win a, a trip to the World Series, but that was legit. That was a real contest run by the World Series of Poker. So, sure, you know, they they want to pay us for that. That's fine. If I said I was anti-World Series and don't want to advertise for them, I'd be a hypocrite because I play it. <laughs> and there is the Amazon banner at the bottom. By the way, if you want to support this site a little bit, if you want to shop on Amazon, before you shop there, just click on the any ad at the bottom of Poker Fraudlers. Go to anywhere on Poker Fraudlers, a bottom ad of Amazon. Just click on it first. It'll take you to regularamazon.com. And anything you buy, I'll get usually between like a 3 and 6% commission. I won't see who you are. I'll never get your name. I'll see what was bought, but I won't see who bought it. So no matter how embarrassing the product, I won't be able to link it back to you. 
and I have no way to do it. That's the way the Amazon referral program works, that they just, they don't report that. So I have no way to find it out. Someone could come and bring a gun to my head and say, tell me who bought that product or I'm going to shoot you and I wouldn't be able to tell them. So, especially if you're buying a bigger product, like a TV or something, but even a smaller thing, if you just want to help out the site, and the price you pay is identical to what you would pay if you didn't use the banner. So just click on that banner in the bottom of the screen, and it's like it's like a free way you can help the site. Will the site continue if you don't do that? Yes. But I do run this at a loss. And some of the reason I run this at a loss is because... I, I don't want to feel responsible to any advertisers. I don't want to feel like I have to control what we say or do to please advertisers. I don't want to be afraid to criticize anyone or anything because advertisers, and often I am just too lazy to get advertisers. <laughs> Little things like that you can do without even taking any money out of your pocket. And believe me, I don't make a lot of money off this, but, you know, it's nice to get uh, a few bucks here and there for this. It's a pretty uh, low-budget site. Oh, by the way, Jow Poker, they're advertising, and Daniel Farid is advertising this too, the World Series of Poker 2017 Colossus Package. You can win your seat to the Colossus event. I guess it's already over. I guess this was this past Sunday, May 14th. The winner and their sponsoring IBO, I guess maybe that's the affiliate, will receive a $1,000 travel package, meaning a 565 tournament entry plus $435 travel expense. And the tournament to win this was $22, $20 buy-in plus $2 entry fee. And as, as I mentioned earlier in the show, someone texted me that their real roommate, who they don't really know yet, won this. <laughs> so they, they gave this away on Jow Poker. I, I, look, whoever may have won this on Jow Poker, I suggest you collect the $1,000 immediately. Like, I, I would not wait until June, because who knows if they can pay you by then. Like, I, I would pressure them, hey, pay me right now. I want my $1,000 now. They may not pay you now, but that's what I would suggest. If you won this $1,000 package, then redeem it immediately. I don't even believe by current World Series rules that they can like directly register you. Like in the old days, sites could do this. They could actually register third parties. But this was stopped a number of years ago, like 10 or more years ago. So I think they're just giving you 1000 bucks and telling you that this is to be used for this, but if you didn't use it that way, I guess they don't care. Either way, get them to pay you now. JSTAT says, your effort to establish an entertaining site has brought many great pleasure. Thanks. I appreciate that, JSTAT. I know you listen to every show, usually live, and... Uh, Glad you enjoy it. I 
see what else we got here. We spent so long on that Andrew Barber interview that uh, it's running so late tonight. We're, we're at 2 a.m. here, almost six hours into the show. And still got plenty of topics to go over. Poker stars went offline. They had some kind of technical issue. This will happen. I'm not criticizing them for having a technical issue. For the most part, they're a very reliable site. But these things happen. Even sites that are kept running by a series of lasers can go down at times. Unfortunately, when a very large site like PokerStars goes down, there are issues that have to be resolved. Namely, tournament-type issues. First problem, spin-and-goes. Remember, spin-and-goes are sit-and-go tournaments where a small percentage of them are given massive bonus money far beyond what they bought in for. Sometimes... At these spin-and-goes, you can buy in for something very cheap, and then the you know, play a three-man spin-and-go, and the top prize for that will be... One million dollars. So there was a particular spin-and-go where someone bought in for $25. You know, three players bought in for $25, and the prize was $10,300. So these lucky people got to buy in for 25 each, total buy-in $75, and they get paid out 10300 Now, the way Stars pays for this is that most people get underpaid. And then from that, they, like I think three people buy in for 25 and the winner gets 50 and everybody else gets nothing. So with the extra money that PokerStars saves from this, uh, some of it goes towards building up these large prizes. So there were three people sitting at this spin-and-go, and someone took a screenshot where it says, all tournaments have been paused while we investigate connectivity issues. We will provide an update as soon as possible. We apologize for any inconvenience caused. And that's fine. They were freezing it. Because, like it even shows on the table one person was disconnected. But someone claimed, I have not verified this, but someone claimed that after that, the tournament was canceled. <laughs> Big problem there is that it was just not awarded. It's okay to cancel a uh, normal sit-and-go of three people and just give everyone their money back, but when people bought in for a total of $75 and the prize is 10300 and then you cancel that, that really screws the players who basically have just uh, earned a 1 in 3 chance to get a $10,000 jackpot on a $25 investment. That should not be canceled. That should be suspended even to play at a later date or chopped. If uh, it couldn't be completed, I, I think it would be fair or at least partially fair to just chop the 10,300 three ways. If they can't do that, then uh, chop it somewhat based upon chip stacks. But here, they just canceled it, gave them their 25 bucks back, and told them to go play. That is not very good if that's what happened. Very unfair. 
They may have it in the fine print where they can do that, but that's very unfair. It was, this is not the player's issue. This is star's issue. Once you start the 10,300 spin and go, you should be able to, it should be completed. Someone should win the 10,300 or it should be split amongst the people if it cannot, cannot be completed due to technical issues. This is something that should not be canceled. Because this is like a bonus they've all won already. They all won over $3,000 in equity there. Even if there's only one winner to be crowned, if it were to complete. When the thing begins, they've all won over $3,000 in equity. So you can't just take that away from them. So that's pretty bad. Even if they return this 10300 to the spin-and-go prize pool, where they, like when this, everything is back online, if they drop it at another table, that still screws the players who originally won it. So that supposedly happened. And then there's something that definitely happened. Justin Bonomo, a guy I don't like very much. I don't like his politics. I don't like his opinions on social issues. I I don't like uh, the tone of some of the blogs he writes. I feel he's condescending. It's a lot I don't like about him, and I don't think he likes me very much either. The last time I played poker with him, he was very rude to me. And this is before I really criticized him much on this show. He was just a jerk at the poker table. So, he's not one of my favorite people in poker, and a lot of people feel the same way as I do. But this is one of the rare cases where I agree with him. He posted an analysis <coughs> Sorry for that. He posted an analysis of what occurred when this server outage happened at Poker Stars and the way they handled their currently running tournaments during this outage and how some players exploited it and how Poker Stars screwed it up big time. This is what he said. At 2.40 p.m. Pacific Time, many PokerStars players were disconnected for an extended period of time. 25 minutes later, at 3.05 p.m., PokerStars paused all their tournaments. Nine minutes later, at 3.14 p.m., PokerStars servers went completely down for everybody. Over half an hour later, 33 minutes later, at 3.47 p.m., players were able to log back in. At 4.10 p.m., some tournaments resumed especially uh, day two tournaments like the Sunday Million Scoop. Half an hour after that, at 4.40 p.m., most tournaments were canceled. Five minutes later, at 4.45 p.m., emails were sent out detailing the refunds. So while he doesn't say it here, I, I think what he's trying to say when giving this timeline is that First, some people got disconnected from Poker Stars, then everyone got disconnected from Poker Stars. Obviously, an issue on their end, not on anyone's internet uh, provider's end. And even though some play- players were able-, able to log back in about half an hour, 40 minutes after these problems started occurring, and even though they resumed tournaments about half an hour after that, uh, at 440, they canceled them. I don't know if it's because they had server issues again, or if they just realized that many people had given up trying to log back in, or maybe not everybody could log back in after that long period of downtime. So they 
At 4.40 p.m., most tournaments were canceled. So this is the refund method. It said, when a tournament is canceled before players are in the money, we refund each player their tournament fee and then divide up the prize pool based on the following formula. 50% of the award of the award pool distributed evenly between remaining players. 50% of the award pool distributed proportionally according to the chip count. So let me explain that a little bit more. It sounds like everyone's making money here. When they say we, we, we refund each player their tournament fee. What they mean by tournament fee, probably, I'm just about sure, is each tournament has the portion of the entry fee that goes to the prize pool and the portion that PokerStars keeps. When they say tournament fee, I believe they're referring to the portion that they keep. That they, you know, that's their profit. They're saying that they're not making any money on this. So, if, for example, if you're entering a $100 plus 20 tournament, they're going to refund everyone the 20 and leave the 100 in the prize pool. And then after that, the money that's in the prize pool, they're dividing in the following way by 50% of it just splitting among whoever's still in the tournament has busted. And the other 50%, they're distributing proportionately according to their chip count. So, Justin Bonomo goes on to write, in several poker group chats, someone, one of them, I'm in several poker group chats, and one of them, someone suggested this exploit. The conversation started around 4.10 p.m., more than an hour after the servers went down. By this time, it was widely being discussed that refunds would be given, most notably to the, uh, by the poker room manager in table chat, and I'm told on Jason Somerville's Twitch stream as well. The exploit was simple. Just register for tournaments and collect a profit from the incredibly flawed refund method. One player in this chat shared his refund email with me. He entered a $2,100 buy-in tournament, the 4Max Scoop, after knowing it was going to be canceled, and received a $3,304 refund without playing a single hand. Keep in mind that this refund comes from the prize pool, the other players not from PokerStars. I'm under the impression that many players took advantage of this, though I have no way of quantifying that. And then he explains why this refund strategy is incredibly flawed. Obviously, the above exploit is a, the above exploit is a big problem, but there's other there's other reasons why it's flawed as well. I saw a screenshot on Twitter of a player named NJW11 getting more than first place money in a tournament. <laughs> He received $5,812 when first place was $5,311. This should have obviously never happened. In the $2,100 tournament above where a player with a starting stack got $3,304, another player I know got $3,100 with only three quarters of a starting stack, and a player with over 6.3 starting stacks got only $8,595. Yes, I know that marginal chip value is a real thing, but... Far before the money, it shouldn't decrease your stack value by 33%. There are a million ways to handle these situations better. The quickest and easiest way would be to use ICM and call it a day. If you can't handle ICM calculations for fields with 50,000 players, then it's fine to have a separate formula for giant fields. A player at a final table shouldn't get brushed over because you're applying the same formula to 5-player fields and 50,000-player fields. There are definitely ways with more finesse to go about handling these situations, but that's way beyond the scope of this post. So 
the ICM he's talking about is called the independent chip model. And it's a mathematical model that they use to calculate a player's overall equity in a tournament. And it only uses stack sizes that is often used to give refunds when a tournament is not concluded. So he's saying that uh, they should have used this ICM to determine the amount of these refunds, which is it's not reinventing the wheel. That's, that's what's commonly used in these spots. But he's saying, look, even you know, for a 50,000-person field, maybe ICM doesn't work very well. Maybe that's not the right solution. But uh, he's saying they could have at least come up with something better. At the very least, use ICM. If not that, then something that would have been superior to what they did here, which was a joke. And I agree with him. So the biggest problem was that people started becoming aware that tournaments would probably be canceled. So they just started mass entering tournaments. Figuring that they might be able to exploit this. Now, people wouldn't enter tournaments that they couldn't afford or games they didn't know. But if it's a tournament you're happy to play out anyway, just in case it does continue, then it's kind of a free roll for you that you're either going to just play out the tournament normally or get some kind of refund that uh, you don't really deserve. Because if it gets canceled very fast, then uh, there's a good chance you're going to get a lot more than you deserve. In this case, you know, someone entered a $2,100 buy-in tournament and and got uh, $3,300 back. And again, he was saying that this is coming from the prize pool. It's not that PokerStars is just eating it. He's saying that they're exploiting the prize pool. Since these tournaments were resuming... This is where the exploits were. If it, if it was a new tournament, then if nobody got to play, then everyone would basically get the same refund. So then there wouldn't be an exploit there. But if a tournament's already running, and some people already have big stacks, some are busted, some have small stacks, then just by sitting, knowing there's a good chance it's going to shortly be canceled, and you're going to get one and a half times the money that you put in, that's a great deal. And who are you screwing here? You're screwing the people Number one, who already entered and busted. And number two, the people who already have a good stack and are going to get underpaid. So that was a huge mistake on PokerStars part. And and to allow it to where some people can get more than first place money is outrageous. So PokerStars had some idiot who came up with this quick and dirty calculation to refund people, which is already a mistake. There was, there was no rush here. I mean, they, they shouldn't wait months to do it or weeks to do it, but there's there's no problem with sending out an email saying, sorry, we had a lot of server problems today. Uh, due to the complexity, we're going to calculate uh, within the next day or so the best way to refund players. Thank you for your patience. Uh, you know, we'll, come, we'll email you shortly with a refund method uh, followed by your actual refund. So give themselves a little bit of time to figure out the best way to do it. But instead, just immediately after most tournaments were canceled, they sent out an email you know, five minutes later 
explaining this dumb 50-50 rule. 50% uh, distributed proportionately according to chip count, and 50% split evenly between all players remaining in the tournament, regardless of what their chip stack was. There's no question this was flawed. There's no question this was highly flawed and exploitable, too, because of the up-down, up-down nature of them uh, of, of their server during those two hours, where people started to realize that this could be pulled off, that they were having so many problems, the tournament would probably be canceled, and that uh, there's a good chance by just sitting and not busting that you're going to get a refund in excess of the buy-in. What should poker stars have done at this point? You know, they made the mistake. So, what is the right thing to do at that point? Number one, they should take a look, and they could do so by running data analysis. They don't have to look at each person's account individually by hand. They can run analysis and see if anybody mass registered tournaments at any point here, where it was clear that they were looking to exploit this. And then, if they saw this, they should just. Uh, Refuse to refund these people, or at least refund these people only their their buy-in and nothing else, and maybe even suspend their account or penalize them in some way. But at the very least, do not let them profit from it. That anybody who mass-entered tournaments as these server problems were happening, especially ones that were, uh, if, if they were registering for far more tournaments than they usually play at the same time, you know, someone who never more than uh, two tables tournaments registering for ten at once. Obviously, don't let that person profit from it, and maybe even suspend them from the site. That's number one. Number two is to make things right for those that got screwed, and just take it out of their own pockets. That's what happens when you make mistakes. That's when a business makes mistakes and. Screw someone, you, you can't just say, oh well, tough luck on you they, the, the, the moral thing to do The ethical thing to do is to make it right And just eat the difference But that's not the poker stars way Poker stars When they make mistakes, they are known to try to Brush it under the rug And cover it up Poker stars does not like establishing the precedent That they're going to pay out large sums of money when they screw things up. This is both on their site and at live events. They're a very competent company. They're very intelligent. They're very good at what they do, but when mistakes are made, you know, mistakes will happen. They're not very good at rectifying mistakes. They're they go into damage control mode, they make excuses, they try to brush it under the rug. They undercompensate people and then shut down the conversation and won't continue. So I haven't heard what's happened since this, but I have a feeling there's not going to be any kind of resolution. Seven seven five fraud is fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Speaking of poker stars, Amaya has decided that they are changing their name. Amaya decided it's kind of confusing that they are the owners of PokerStars, that people hear Amaya and then they have to be reminded that Amaya actually owns PokerStars. So they have changed their name. 
It hasn't officially been approved by shareholder vote, but it probably will be. And this is what it says. Amaya intends to change its corporate name to the Stars Group Incorporated. To more effectively manage its business and affairs, Amaya also intends to effect a continuance under the Business Corporate Act in Ontario, Canada, such that it will become an Ontario corporation and subject to such an act following the continuance and appointment of its new CFO. Amaya intends to move its corporate headquarters to Toronto, Ontario. They did reveal their first quarter results for 2017. First quarter ending March 31st, 2017. And they claim they posted solid growth. Though, before you get excited that poker's coming back, the growth came from the markets other than poker. Amaya's overall growth over the past year was about 10%. They did have a slight growth in poker over the previous year's first quarter, but that was only by 1.1%, so it was basically flat. In 2016, quarter number one, online poker accounted for 75% of Amaya's revenue. However, that figure is only 68.9% this year. So they're they're trying to transition their core customers, which they're mainly playing poker, to other gambling products. And the prediction right now is that by 2020, it will cross the 50% line where more than 50% of their revenue comes from non-poker products. It's hard to believe, but it seems to be going that way. So, as far as their move to Ontario, it will not happen until their new CFO is installed. Daniel Seabag, not Daniel Douchebag, but Daniel Seabag, said that he's going to be retiring. He said that back in January. Uh, he is a good friend of David Bezov, who's no longer the CEO there and had to basically resign in disgrace for under uh, insider trading accusations. So they think it's time for uh, douchebag, I'm sorry, Seabag to step aside and replace him with someone fresh who's not really associated with David Bezov. Um, they have not hired a new CFO yet, and it's not known who it will be. So that's what's going on with PokerStars at the moment. Or Amaya, shall I say. Or shall I say the Stars Group. Whatever. Some controversy in Nevada involving State Attorney General Adam Laxalt, the focus of an ethics probe involving some favorable treatment of Sheldon Adelson. 
If you hate Sheldon Adelson and his anti-online poker efforts, you'll probably be happy about this story. If your name is Brian Mikon, who was once prosecuted by LaSalt, and in fact, LaSalt actually held a press conference about how he's throwing the book at Brian Mikon for running unlicensed poker website Seals of Clubs. He's probably even happier about this. This is what happened. This is from uh, SanLuisObispo.com. It says, A secretly recorded conversation at a Reno coffee shop between the Nevada Attorney General and the state's top casino watchdog has set off a political firestorm that includes a legislative inquiry set to begin on Wednesday, which is just this day that passed. The dispute involves some of the most powerful political figures in the state and could have some implications in the 2018 governor's race. Wow. So there is... (laughs) Here's a look at what happened and what comes next. The players and meeting. The key figures in this saga are Republican Attorney General Adam LaSalt, GOP mega-donor Sheldon Adelson... And Nevada Gaming Control Board Chairman A.G. Burnett. Oh, boy. So the chairman of the Nevada Gaming Control Board, Sheldon Adelson, and the Nevada Attorney General are embroiled in this. What a mess. Obviously, Democrats are leading the charge on this one because... uh, they do not like LaSalt or Sheldon Adelson. So Democrats claim that LaSalt was doing the bidding of Adelson because Adelson bankrolled his run for attorney general. Because Adelson requested an urgent meeting, or sorry, LaSalt requested an urgent meeting with... uh, A.G. Burnett in March 2016. Lixalt wanted to discuss the state's involvement in a legal battle that was unflattering towards Adelson. Lixalt drove to Reno and uh, picked up A.G. Burnett, who I guess was going to be uh, about to be go on vacation. And they went to a coffee shop to discuss the the lawsuit that was going on. So Burnett was very shocked by this. He said he was so shocked by Luxalt's urgent and peculiar behavior that he decided it was in his and the state's best interest to surreptitiously record the conversation. This reminds me a bit of Jeremy Johnson, the telemarketing scammer, secretly recording conversations he had with the then-Attorney General of Utah. So, this is what happened. Luxalt said in a February statement that he was approached last year by representatives of Adelson's Las Vegas Sam's Corporation, which owns the Venetian and uh, Palazzo, And they asked the state to intervene in the lawsuit. 
According to a transcript of Burnett's audio recording, LaSalle took the request to the state's gambling regulator at the coffee shop. The coffee shop. LaSalle asked Burnett to file a legal opinion that would have favored Adelson's company and the confidentiality of gaming audits of gambling audits. And he told Burnett, "Don't go soft on me." LaSalle then said, "I think it's a challenging request because it'll look like the Sands is getting a special thing, and so I wouldn't want to do anything that jeopardizes me either." Then Burnett agreed, saying the optics would be horrendous and said intervening in a civil case involving a casino that's licensed and regulated by the board would be a slippery slope. After Burnett argued the move would be improper and unnecessary, Lixall backed off, saying, I'm not trying to pitch a side or anything on it. So, remember, Adelson is... Very anti-online poker. He's been fighting against the legalization of online poker in the U.S. for a long time. It's been a pet project of his. So, there's currently an ethics probe of whether the Salt was really doing the bidding for Sheldon Adelson to where he rushed to have this urgent meeting with A.G. Burnett of uh, the Nevada Gaming Control Board. And it was trying to influence him to give a legal opinion, officially from the Nevada Gaming Control Board, that would have made Adelson Sands Corporation look good and would have allowed them to be uh, to keep their gaming audits confidential. So I don't believe this is about online poker. I believe this had something to do with a, a lawsuit that was happening in, in 2016. And that Adelson, who had bankrolled Lasalt when he had run for attorney general and won, this is basically the favor being paid back. So how did this become... An issue. How how did this ever get out? So Burnett decided that he wasn't comfortable with everything that happened there, and he took the the recording, which LaSalle did not know was being made, to the FBI. But the FBI said that LaSalle committed no criminal offenses. And that seemed to be that. But Democrats are now holding a hearing to get answers about the incident. Even though there was no intervention, Burnett decided not to get involved in Adelson's case, and LaSalle didn't do anything further. In this case, uh, Adelson's company paid tens of millions of dollars, acknowledging no wrongdoing. But uh, LaSalle is expected to run for governor as the Republican candidate in Nevada in 2018. So this is going to be tainting him here. The salt is unsurprisingly denying that he did anything wrong. He said that the reason the meeting was so urgent is because uh, with the job of attorney general, many things are oftentimes sensitive. He said that the Democrats calling for the hearing are just being partisan. That they're, quote, twisting and politicizing a routine action. 
So lawmakers, Democratic lawmakers, want to question both LaSalle and Burnett at this hearing. LaSalle has agreed to attend. Democratic Assemblywoman Maggie Carlton has has proposed a bill to give the Gambling Board independent legal counsel. She said the legislature has an oversight responsibility to investigate and root out anything that undermines the integrity of the gaming industry, the core of Nevada's economy. Now, the legislature does have the power to impeach assault and other elected officials in the state. And with a simple majority, they could actually remove him from office. Now, the Democrats have a simple majority in the assembly where they need to do that, but they would need a two-thirds vote in the state Senate, and they don't quite have that. They're three votes shy on that one. So they probably won't be able to get rid of LaSalle that way. But they may be able to stretch this out enough to where there can be political fodder to use against LaSalle if he does run for governor in 2018, or maybe this will even uh, scare him out of running for governor. I think that uh, this really looks like he was doing this favor for Adelson. Politicians are always left in a very difficult position. And I'm not defending him here, but they're always left in a very difficult position when someone bankrolls their campaign and that person comes asking for a favor. It's very hard to say no to that because you know if you want to run for anything else in the future that that person will not bankroll your campaign again. Campaign contributions are usually not just being done out of the goodness of a company's heart. Large campaign contributions are done in order to get favorable treatment from that politician. That's how it's always worked. It's not good, but that's the way it's always worked. So LaSalle, who has future political ambitions... probably felt that he had to help out Adelson here. And he felt, hey, this is not really crossing a line. I'm just going to someone with an influential position here in A.J. AG Burnett. I say A.J. Burnett. He was a pitcher. But uh, A.G. Burnett. He felt he's going to Burnett and say, hey, you know, this could kind of go either way. Uh, you know, maybe you could help out Adelson and just give the opinion that uh, you're on his, you know, that you agree with Sands and that uh, their gambling audit records should be confidential. I mean, that's a reasonable position, right? And Burnett's like, uh, no, if we get involved, it's going to look really bad. We're supposed to be regulating them. We should not be giving opinions in a civil lawsuit. So, no. So he thought he could kind of float it to Burnett in a a way that looked like it wasn't improper. And then Burnett was so put off by the whole thing, especially with the urgency of the whole matter, that he secretly recorded it and brought it to the FBI. So even though LaSalle was not criminally charged in any way, Now his political opponents are making a big deal of this. But unfortunately, this this goes on all the time in politics. I mean, this is not... uh, Basically, every politician who receives big money from any 
company or individual who's in charge of a company, uh, th- they owe a favor back. And unless you're never going to run for anything again, you have to do those favors. Otherwise, e- even if you say, hey, I'll get money from other donors, if you get the reputation that you take large money from entities that contribute to your campaign and then give them nothing and refuse to do anything for them, then no one's going to donate to you. So this is wrong. I don't like it, but this is a reality of politics. And until there's efforts to get money out of politics by severely restricting such donations, this will occur. And this occurs on both sides. This occurs with both Democrats and Republicans. And sometimes, like these situations, it's very difficult to prove, even if you can look at it and say, oh, I'm sure that's why he's doing it. Assuming that and proving it are two different things. By the way, when LaSalt went after Brian Mikan very publicly for the Seals and Clubs matter, I always felt this was political. I always felt the reason they made a big spectacle of it is because they wanted to show that LaSalt is a tough attorney general, that he's someone who is good for Nevada. He's getting rid of unlicensed online gambling sites that are running there, coming down very tough on them, protecting the state's casino interests, which of course is the most important industry in Nevada. When he made that sweetheart deal with Mikon's very powerful attorney to basically give Mikon a slap on the wrist, at first I thought, wow, this is embarrassing for LaSalle, but if you think about it again, you go, wait a minute. He already made his big posturing press conference there saying that they're going to go after Mikon. If they, after that, they just quietly make an agreement that's very much favoring Mikon, and Mikon still technically gets a conviction for it, which he did then it's not really in the news after that. Nobody really remembers it, except for people like us following it closely. But what people do remember is that he held a big press conference and made it clear to everyone that anyone who runs an unlicensed gambling site in Nevada, they're coming after him. That's the impact he wanted to make, not so much get Mike on put in prison for years, He just wanted to posture and then wanted uh, a conviction. He got both. So that's basically how Mike on got such a good deal. That and he had an attorney that's an expert at these things. And in fact, the attorney being so good at defending these type of cases, I think this makes the district attorneys, in this case the attorney general, afraid to prosecute them because they don't want to lose and suffer an embarrassment. Or they don't want to expend the resources to probably lose or or have the charges reduced or whatever it is, so they just uh, cut their potential losses and agree to some kind of deal. So it was posturing on LaSalle's part with Micon. I, I think the whole bust really was for political posturing. But as I've said before, I don't think the bust was wrong either. You, you can't just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to run an unlicensed poker site right from my home in Nevada. Screw the law. I'll, I'll do what I want. You can't do that. 
And if you do, you have to expect to be in trouble. And you say, well, you know, it's a victimless crime. What's, what's wrong? Well, what's wrong is that nobody else can do it. There's a lot of other people who would have run sites like that from Nevada if they could have legally. And they did not because they didn't want to go to jail. So when you run something like that with virtually no competition and make a lot of money doing it, then yeah, you're getting an unfair advantage over everybody else who would like to do this but is following the law. So when you do that, then it only makes sense that you will get prosecuted for it. Now, I'm not just saying that because Mike on and I had a falling out and we're not friends anymore. I would say this about the situation if I did not know Mike on. But at the same time, I am not so naive to think that this was not politically motivated. It was. So. Interesting that someone we know got caught up in this whole thing. Okay, let's see what else we have on our uh, agenda here. <laughs> Jay Stats is quite crit- He's uh, correcting my pronunciation, saying it's uh, lack salt, not la salt. Okay. Too late. We're done with the segment. Let's see what else we got here. The American Gaming Association has put out their opinion on sports betting. So the American Gaming Association is a group of uh, casino owners and casino interests They're called the AGA. You can go to their website at AmericanGaming.org. It says, The American Gaming Association AGA, AGA acts as the single most effective advocate for casino operators, suppliers, and allies in the gaming industry, which supports 1.7 American jobs in 40 states. So it, it's, it's kind of like a lobbying group and uh, of uh, and gaming advocacy group. And and they actually have some power in that whatever they're supporting is seen as the voice of the gaming industry. So that's why it matters what they think. So they have announced that uh, they have full support, or they're giving full support, for legalized sports betting across the U.S. Now, there is something that's governing sports betting called PASPA, that's Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992. And that is basically preventing any state from having sports wagering except for uh, Nevada. There's some very limited sports betting, like sports lotteries that uh, exist in Oregon, Delaware, and Montana, but for the most part, it just takes place in Nevada. That's why you can't do sports betting in Atlantic City or at any of these Indian casinos. 
So that was uh, an act passed way back in 1992 and still stands today. There's been some attempts to change or defeat PASPA, but it still is law today. But on that front, the AGA has thrown their support behind the states being able to choose if they want sports betting rather than it just being restricted to Nevada. Originally, this was made law because they uh, they wanted to control the influence, especially of organized crime, upon professional and amateur sports. And if they could confine all sports betting to Nevada, then that's a lot easier to control than when uh, there's teams all over the country. See, in Nevada, there were no, uh, there really weren't teams that were being bet on. But uh, this way, they could uh, mostly prevent players uh, of professional and amateur sports from being bribed or pressured into uh, throwing games or shaving points or whatever. And that was the goal in 1992. However, a lot of things have changed. Uh, there's internet sports betting now which is a huge industry. So people who want to bet on sports basically can. Number two, uh, professional athletes make so much money now, they're unlikely to throw games at this point. It just wouldn't be worth it to them. Uh, yes, there's still the amateurs who could get caught up in this, but a lot of the amateurs uh, who would have influence on these games have big pro money to look forward to. And if they were to get caught up in a scandal like this, this could ruin their pro career. So the the days of point shaving, which were much more commonplace in the past, have really, uh, those really, it's really not a concern much anymore. And that's why there are uh, major professional sports teams coming to Las Vegas. That's why there's already a Las Vegas hockey team coming, and then there's also going to be the Las Vegas Raiders within a few years. They also took polls a consumer a consumer survey of the public's attitude regarding sports betting and in this poll they're claiming that Americans want legalized sports betting it said uh, almost 60% of Americans are in favor of ending the federal sports betting ban to allow states to decide whether to offer sports betting. I agree with that. I think states should decide. They said 72% of avid sports fans are in favor of ending the federal ban. More than 60% of 18 to 36-year-olds are in favor of legalized sports betting. That Nearly 67% of Americans believe that legalized sports betting would allow local communities to benefit from additional tax revenues and job creation. And... If it were legal to bet on sports, about 28 million Americans would be likely to wager on sports, ones that are not currently doing so. The survey was conducted by Greenberg Quinlan Rosner Research on behalf of the AGA between January 24th and 30th, 2017. 1,200 adults were were, uh, surveyed via phone. And then 400 more were surveyed who uh, claimed they were avid sports fans. And that, that 
those 400 were surveyed via an online response portal. So they're, so they're basically claiming that uh, America supports sports betting, especially ones who are big fans of sports. Uh, anyway, that's uh, so the AGA is is, is coming out uh, and saying they really want to see sports betting left up to the states, and that PASPA should be abandoned. Now, as far as uh, non-avid sports fans, even they are more likely to uh, favor legislation that allows uh, sports betting federally, which uh, or let the states decide, that is. Uh, 54 to 36 are for legalized sports betting in states other than Nevada. As for casual fans. And uh, even there's a, a slight uh, a slight weight towards favoring even ones who are non-sports fans, uh, 45 to 42%. And the, the, the other 13% is uh, undecided. Uh, groups that are all also highly supportive of legalization of sports betting left up to the states. Those who go to casinos, 70 to 24. Those who watch the Super Bowl, 59 to 32. And millennials, 61 to 30. People who play daily fantasy sports, of course, they really support it, 88 to 7. I wonder who the 7% are who don't support uh, legalized uh, sports betting at the state level. Men supported it by 65%. Women only supported 46%. I don't see how many are saying no. Like the 46 may still be a majority, not a majority, but a plurality because there may be unknowns in there or undecided. Sports fans who are also male, 77% wanted to see sports betting in other states, while 64% of female sports uh, sports fans did. So I won't go through the rest of these. A lot of different little breakdowns here. So... Basically, they, they were putting out this. They're saying sports betting is not a fringe activity that uh, 28 million Americans would want to bet sports who currently are not if they could. That uh, such legislation actually would have bipartisan support. That uh, legal sports betting would increase the fan activity of sports and uh, fan enjoyment. And the sports fans really, really want to let uh, legalize sports betting. And then they're the ones who really should matter most because this is, you know, they're the ones who are the customers of these sporting teams in the first place. 
So that, these are the conclusions from the AGA. I agree. I, I find the whole thing weird that it's only available in Nevada. Now that it's so easy to sign up for offshore sports betting sites, they're not really saving anyone who wants to bet sports. Many of these offshore sites are shady. I mean, you think poker's bad. These these online sports betting sites are worse as far as screwing people and not paying them. So the fact that people who want to bet sports are going to those sites is bad for this country. And it's one of these things. If people want to do it, let them. And I'll tell you something else. Given how many different ways there are to gamble now and how easy it is for people to reach casinos that aren't that far from them anymore. Just about every state has some form of gambling now. As far as problem gamblers are concerned, they're going to lose no matter what. It's just a matter of where. And that's that's a sad thing to say, but it's true. So the problem gambler who cannot find a way to bet sports will gamble on other things and lose his money that way. That's part of the reason when people have asked me, how can you feel good about being a professional poker player and mostly making your money from those who are losing players? How can you feel good about that when some of these people are probably problem gamblers and you are contributing to their problem. And my answer to that, aside from, look, we're all adults here, we can all decide uh, if we want to play and risk our money. But aside from that argument, I say I don't even think that these people would still have their money if not for me. Or if not for me and other professional poker players. They these people, if they didn't have poker to play, they would go play in the pits or bet sports. Or There would be many other ways they would lose their money gambling. It's unlikely that these compulsive gamblers who lose a lot of money playing poker would not have lost this money if poker did not exist. They would just lose it in other forms of gambling. That's usually the case. So if if the same result is inevitable for these people, then it really is better that it ends up in the pockets of professional poker players than of the casinos. But about sports betting, it's very tough for the government to prevent as far as all the online sites now. A lot of people want to do it. Sports fans seem to overwhelmingly favor it. The sports team seems to want it now because it brings more interest. So what are really what are we really gaining by making it only available in Nevada? And again, since we're not really dealing with much of a threat anymore of organized crime influence upon players on these sports teams. 
since we're not really dealing with that much anymore, what are really we really gaining by leaving it only in Nevada? Because if you're saying, well, let's prevent compulsive gambling, okay, well, what about residents in Nevada? Why don't, why don't you care about them? If you don't want someone developing a sports betting habit in New York, why is it okay to allow people in Nevada to have such a habit? They're all Americans, right? Why only Nevada? It's so strange to have a federal law saying that one state can do something the others can't. It's one thing if Nevada decides on their own, we want to do it, and all the other 49 states say no. That's fine. But for the federal government to say, this state gets to, the rest of you don't, is weird. It's either wrong, or it's not wrong. If it's wrong, then it should be illegal across all 50 states. If it's not wrong, then it should be legal in any state that wants it. And there's really no other way to argue this, or argue against this, Unless you want to make the argument, oh, if we have it in Nevada, then it's unlikely that uh, organized crime in Nevada can get to players of these teams in other cities. Well, that argument's going out the window in many ways, including the fact that there's going to be an NFL team in Nevada very soon. So these arguments to keep it in Nevada are obsolete and honestly were uh, not even very good in the first place. I'll tell you, I like betting on sports sometimes. I, I want to bet on baseball, and it's, it's a pain in the ass. I have to find the few online betting sites that will both pay me and have good lines. They're, they're doing this 20-cent line crap all the time now in baseball. A 20-cent line means that it's the house juice. And the way betting on baseball works, if you're betting on which side is going to win... Since one team is typically better than the other, or, you know, or, or, or at least for the day, you know, the pitcher for one team, the pitcher for the other team, you know, the matchup, one side is going to be favored, one is going to be the underdog. So the way they do this is, you know, it's based upon like a $100 bet. You don't have to bet 100 but they base it on a $100 bet. And let's say the, the lines would be the, the favorite of a game would be a minus 120, and the underdog would be plus 110. And what that means, if you bet on the underdog $100, you'd win 110 and if you were to bet on the favorite, you'd have to bet 120 just to win 100. So that's the way it works. So that's called a dime line because it's the, the underdog is plus 110. The favorite is minus 120. The differential between them is the 10, and that's the house juice. Well, what most online sports books are doing now is they have a 20-cent line where there's a 20 cent spread between them. So instead of plus 110 and minus 120, it would be plus 105 and minus 125. So you're getting paid less if you bet the underdog and win, and you're having to lay more money down to win the same 100 if uh, you're betting on the favorite to win. So it sucks. It's just additional juice. It's double juice for the house, which I feel is unbeatable. So I won't bet on 20 cent lines. And very few online books now have 10 cent lines. And some of them that do are unreliable books, which don't pay people reliably or have other issues. 
So I think I found one. I haven't tried it yet, but Bet Online, they had some problems like five years ago paying people, but they've been pretty good since then. So they have 10 cent lines. I think I might sign up there and bet on baseball. But w- wouldn't it be just nice to be able to just do this legally through a state regulated site? So, hopefully that will become reality. Though it will be a while. Finally, let me talk about a non-gambling subject. The FBI apparently had a program where they got Best Buy to agree to help them catch those with child porn on their computer. Best Buy has a desk called the Geek Squad at basically every Best Buy, and you can bring your computer in there, and the employees of the Geek Squad fix problems on your computer. Maybe it won't boot up, maybe it has a virus, whatever. You, you're someone who can't fix this on your own, you bring it to the Geek Squad. I mean, there's, there's other services that can do this. You, there's private services, but the Geek Squad is the best known for doing this. So, it turned out, it came out, that the FBI was paying the Geek Squad a $500 incentive to report each instance of child porn that they found on any computers they were working on. And uh, this is what happened. There, there was a doctor in Orange County. And his name was uh, Mark Rettenmeyer, Orange County, California. He was actually a pretty prominent uh, surgeon in Orange County. And uh, he, he went to a Mission Viejo, California Best Buy to bring his computer in for some work. It was a desktop computer. It was not booting up. He brought it into the Geek Squad. He did not know, nor did anybody really know, that the FBI had offered technicians at the Geek Squad $500 every time they found child porn on a computer. So... It said in this article, according to court records, Geek Squad technician John Trey Westfall reported that he accidentally located on Rettenmeyer's computer an image of a fully nude prepubescent female on her hands and knees on a bed with a brown choker-type collar around her neck. Westfall notified his boss, Justin Mead, who alerted colleague Randall Ratliff at Best Buy, as well as the FBI. Claiming the image met the definition of child pornography and was tied to a series of illicit pictures known as the Jenny Shots, Agent Tracy Riley seized the hard drive. Setting aside the issue of whether the search of Redmire's computer con- constituted an illegal search by, a private individual, by private individuals acting as government agents, 
The FBI took an under, undertook a series of dishonest measures in hopes of building a case, according to James D. Riddit, Rettenmeyer's uh, attorney. Riddit said agents conducted two additional searches of the computer without obtaining necessary warrants, lied to, to trick a federal magistrate judge into authorizing a search warrant, and then tried to cover up the misdeeds by initially hiding records. So, this is kind of disturbing. The big problem here is that, and this is me speaking now, this is not me reading from the article. What's disturbing here is that they were offering an incentive of $500 to the employees of the Geek Squad for finding child pornography. Well, somebody's a little short on money. Hey, no, let me just slip a little picture on here. Claim that this person who brought it in, it was on their computer. I didn't just slip it on there and bang, $500. Now you may say, okay, you know, that, that could be a serious crime, framing someone like this. Who, who would do that for 500 Well, people would. You, you can't just say they wouldn't. These are not law enforcement officers. These are employees of the Geek Squad, who, by the way, they're, they're not paid all that well. So all it takes is one person to decide, hey, you know, I'm going to slip this on there. And this can ruin someone's life. I, I couldn't believe they did this. I could understand more if they were to warn the Geek Squad that, hey, we're trying to stop child pornography. It's a horrible thing. We need to put a stop to it. So if you guys are fixing a computer and you happen to see child pornography, call us immediately. We're going to come down. We'll get the warrant. We'll search the computer. And we'll take it from there. Now, still, there's it's a questionable situation because the, the chain of evidence is still a little bit tainted because a, a third party has access to the computer and you still can't be 100% sure that someone's not just maliciously putting it on there, but at least there's no incentive for them to do so. Here, when you're incentivizing it for $500, that, that really can be tempting to someone to put something on there. And even when the child porn is on there and was not uh, put on there by a Best Buy employee attempting to collect the money, you can't know. The evidence is tainted. And I I can't believe the FBI did not realize that. This also can be constituted as an illegal search. Now there's an angle if you accidentally run into it. Well... You don't really accidentally run into files when you're fixing computers that won't boot or have other issues. But believe me, I know because I'm asked a lot by friends and family members to fix their computers with exactly these problems. And I do not go through their files or their pictures and look at them. Why? Because it's not necessary. It's not the the problem does not require having to do that in order to get a grip on the problem. You you don't need to do that. That does not... The person fixing the computer that won't boot or the computer that uh, has a virus, uh, going through pictures on the computer is not going to help you solve it. So I don't. 
So you're unlikely to accidentally run into it. It's possible, but unlikely. So what they're really doing is they're really telling the geek squad, every time you get a computer, run a search. And if you can find child porn on there, let us know. $500 for you. So probably every computer they got, they searched it out. That was part of the job. And they're hoping they strike pay dirt and happen to find some. Uh, and then when this was called into question, then the FBI apparently was uh, backtracking, trying to cover things up, blah, blah, blah. There's also the question of whether the Geek Squad technicians were acting as secret law enforcement agents. And again, we're violating the Fourth Amendment prohibitions against warrantless government searches. And I I think they were. Um, When you give your computer to someone to be repaired, that should not provide them the authorization to search your computer. Much like uh, if I hire a plumber the FBI should not be telling this plumber, hey, every person you come in to fix their toilet, when they're not looking, go through all their stuff and see if you could find child porn. See if you can find child porn videos. Just to, When they're not looking, just go through their stuff. I mean, you don't have to go through their stuff. You, you accidentally find child porn around when you're, when you're fixing their toilet. Let us know. We'll give you $500. Can you imagine every time a plumber comes by to fix your toilet and you turn your back, he goes through your drawers to try to find uh, child porn? That would be an illegal search. Now, I am not defending those who are involved in child porn. Involved in trading it, especially those involved in producing it. I think these are really, really disgusting people. I think that the government is currently not doing enough to put a stop to it. But first of all, this was totally flawed, not just legally, but they're going after the wrong people. The end user of child porn, first of all, is the least guilty. They are guilty, but they're the least guilty in that whole chain. The ones who are the most guilty are the ones who actually make the movies or take the photos. The second most guilty are the ones who distribute it. And the third most guilty are the ones who receive it and watch it, but don't distribute it. The problem is that files on a person's computer are not necessarily downloaded by them. Files can be placed on computers without people's permission via viruses, spyware, Trojan horses. Uh, So any file that's on your computer is not necessarily a file you put on there or you knew was on there. Now, I believe in a very high percentage of the cases where child porn is found on someone's computer that they did not put it there. All right, they did put it there. There's very few cases where it somehow appeared there and they had nothing to do with it. But 
It's possible. It can happen. And that's why they especially should not be searching people's computers in this way because if they have no other indication that this person is a child porn collector and then it's found on their computer somehow, you don't know how it got there. This really could be someone who just ended up with it on their computer. You could even have a situation where you know someone who was visiting the house downloaded it one day and it just was on the computer. You never knew about it. And then uh, one day you bring your computer into the geek squad and it's found. Now, these are not the majority of the cases. I agree that most times it's found. It really is the person who owns the computer's child porn and they should be prosecuted for it. The problem is there's no way to know. If they really want to put an end to the problem or severely decrease the child porn problem, they should put more resources and greater effort into identifying the child porn users, infiltrating the child porn trading networks, and then really throwing the book at everyone. And there have been some efforts to do this, but not enough. In fact, there was even uh, an article, I forgot what publication it was in, but an online article about uh, how the author of the article found his way into a child porn network to report on it. So if that person could do it, the FBI could definitely do it. And the more commonplace these busts become the more scared people will be to engage in this. I also think that the penalties need to be extremely stiff for anyone who especially produces child porn in any way, and secondarily for anyone who distributes it in any way. And I think those receiving it, it uh, should be a tough penalty too, but not nearly as tough as the other two, as for di- distributing it or producing it producing it of course being the worst Uh, you catch someone producing child pornography I'm talking about right now mainly ones for you know real little children Uh, producing pornography with you know 16 year olds that's you know that shouldn't be happening either but there's a huge difference between making that and making ones like 8 year olds a huge difference and I've had idiots before have this debate with me. No, no, if they're under 18, it's all the same thing. No, it's just as bad. You can't say some child porn's worse than others. Yes, I can. It's much, much worse to take a little child who doesn't even understand sex and exploit them that way. It's much worse than that you know, to do that than someone who's very close to an adult and understands sex, understands what they're doing, They may not want to do it. They may be pressured into doing it. I'm not defending any of that, but the the harm it would cause to a little child compared to someone who's uh, close to an adult, it's it's vastly different. So And there are tougher penalties. There's tougher criminal penalties 
even just for you know if you have sex with someone who's uh 15 years old for example and it's, uh, you're you're going to you're committing a crime i think in every state right now it's the, the the lowest age of consent is 16 so let's take a 15 year old you have sex with a 15 year old forget the porn aspect you just have sex with a 15 year old and you're caught and you're an adult okay uh you're going to get in some trouble but if you're caught having sex with an 8 year old it's a much stiffer penalty and it should be so, you know, anyone who's caught producing pornography of little children or knowingly distributing it, I don't mean if their computer gets hacked in some way or there's a, you know, someone's taken over the computer with, with a, a zombie type Trojan horse and is using it to distribute child pornography and the owner of the computer has no idea. I don't mean that. I mean knowing distribution. And there's many ways that can be proven. It has been proven. So either knowing distribution or especially the production of it should be life in prison. Life in prison, no parole. That, that's how severe of a crime it is. I'll tell you this, and I'm not kidding here. If someone uh, lined up a bunch of people in a room and I was given 100% evidence that they produced child pornography of little kids. 100% where there's no doubt. And I was told that in this room, you know, that I could... uh, point a gun through the wall, and shoot them all dead. Not only would I do it, but I I wouldn't have an ounce of guilt if I was told I could legally shoot these people all dead. That's how horrendous I think that crime is. So, honestly, if, if there was a death penalty for this where it could be proven this was really done, you know, proven 100% that, uh, these people did this. I would support that. That wouldn't happen. We're not going to see a death penalty in this country for things like that. You can only see it for uh, murder situations. But at the very least, give him life in prison. They, they shouldn't get out in 10 years, 20 years, 8 years, 5 years. They, they shouldn't. Minimum life in prison, no parole. It's a horrible crime. Sick individual. There's, there's no excuse. Um, those that download it, even if you can prove they knowingly downloaded it, they should get a penalty too. I don't think life in prison for them. Why? Because if they're just downloading and not distributing it and just watching it, then they, they aren't directly victimizing the children there. There should still be a tough penalty on them. But that's a little bit of a different story. But anyone producing or distributing, especially producing, they I don't think they even deserve to live. And I, I'd pull the trigger myself if I could. And I wouldn't have an ounce of guilt. So I'm very much for the government 
expending extra resources to go after those who produce and distribute child porn. And some of these networks, they think they're really clever, these child porn networks. Some of them, they will only let you in if, number one, someone refers you, who they trust, and number two, that you give them some new child porn they haven't seen before to prove that you're really not law enforcement. Because they figure law enforcement's not going to produce new child porn and give it to them to distribute just to get into the network. And there's some controversy. You know, let's say the government does have images and videos that maybe were made privately and never distributed of other people they busted. Maybe they could use those to find their way in. Figuring that, yes, it's distributing some child porn that may be victimizing some kids, but, uh, you know, that have been it's already been made, but and it may get distributed, but but then if they can save many more kids by getting into the network, that it's worth it. And I understand that argument on both sides. One idea that might be feasible is given the immense advancements we've had in recent years in CGI technology, what if child porn could be produced to get into one of these groups and gain their trust? by producing CGI movies of children being molested when in reality no one's being molested? What if they could make uh, phony child porn that appears to be appears to be real people, real kids getting molested, when in reality it's just being made to prove the legitimacy of the uh, undercover law enforcement agent that gets into these networks and then infiltrates them and busts everybody involved? I think that would be a great idea. And otherwise it can be tough because then it, it introduces how, how do you get your way in there if you've got to give them something new and you're in law enforcement. You may say, well, CGI, you can still kind of tell. You think of watching movies these days, you can see even today when things are CGI versus real life, but Remember, a lot of the child porn that's made is kind of, this is not a high-quality production. It's usually grainy. It's done, uh, just it's amateur video. So I think they could hide behind that. Well, it's an amateur video. You know, that's, uh, it could be made grainy enough to where they can't tell the difference between a uh, computer-generated image and uh, a real child. If that's not the solution today, if they can't quite make it convincing enough today, it, it's coming very soon. But they, they have to find more ways to infiltrate these child porn networks and then really, really throw the book at those that they catch involved in this. But this was not the way. This was foolhardy. So what happened? This the story I was uh, reading you was from January. So why are we doing this story in the middle of May? Well, there's an update to this story. All evidence was thrown out. A federal judge in California this week threw out nearly all the evidence in a child pornography case but rejected a key defense argument which had the potential to impact many more cases around the country 
that the investigation was tainted because it had started with a discovery made by a Best Buy geek technician. The case against Mark Rittermeyer had gained national attention after the defense contended that uh, technicians at a giant Best Buy computer repair, repair facility in Kentucky. The reason they're saying Kentucky is I guess they shipped the computer out to Kentucky, and that's where this stuff was found, not there in, uh, in California. We're working so closely with federal investigators handling child pornography cases that they should be considered government agents and therefore need search warrants. However, U.S. District Judge Cormac J. Carney on Monday found that Redemeyer had given up his right to privacy by consenting both orally and in writing to the search of his hard drive. Carney did find fault with the government's case against Redemeyer, though, ruling that searches of his home and cell phone were illegal because an FBI affidavit for a search warrant misstated key facts about the case. While only one of the questionable images found on Rettmeyer's hard drive ended up as part of the criminal case, the search of his home and phone produced thousands of alleged child pornography pictures, according to federal court records. But Carney said that the image found in Kentucky was not pornographic and that the FBI did not disclose that image was found in, quote, unallocated space on Rettmeyer's hard drive, and that the FBI misstated how many times they searched the hard drive before applying for a warrant, according to Rettmeyer's lawyer, James D. Riddett. The ruling deals a possibly fatal blow to the prosecution of the five-year-old case. Federal prosecutors in Los Angeles declined to say whether they plan to appeal. Riddett said if the government appealed, he would cross-appeal and re-raise the issue of Best Buy's seemingly close relationship with the FBI. So I guess this is still going on. So, uh... There's more to this article, but I, I won't read. So it, it's not really so much that it was thrown out because of this uh, close relationship with Best Buy, where basically the defense is making the argument Best Buy technicians are not government agents, but in this case they were working for the government, so they should require a search warrant. It's different than just someone running a private citizen running into something. So. Like, for example, let's say you have me over to your house. And you knowingly let me in your house. You let me spend the night there. You let me use your computer. While I'm using your computer, I find child porn on it. I go, oh, my God. So I uh, make an excuse to leave. I run down to the police and say, oh, my God, you don't know what I just found here. I just found on this guy's computer all this child porn. You've got to go down there. You've got to get a search warrant. You've got to go down there and get his computer. And then they do. And they found child porn. Was this an illegal search? No, because you knowingly let me use your computer and I happened to see it and I reported it to the police who then believed me and then got the search warrant. However, if I just came into your house as a law enforcement agent hoping to find something to incriminate you but didn't have any warrant and when you weren't looking went through your computer and found child porn on there, that would be an illegal search. So there's a difference. So there, the attorney was arguing that they became de facto government agents at this point since they were working directly with the FBI and told to look for this and that uh, therefore they needed search warrants. So that the judge in this case actually said, no, I disagree. Because... Uh, he did have to sign some paper that mentioned that they, they can go through his hard drive, which is it's funny that he signed that. I'm, I, if I saw this and I brought my computer to the Geek Squad, even though I have nothing to hide, I would say no way. 
but a lot of people just sign these things, these long documents, without really reading them. But I guess he also consented orally, but they probably just read him a statement. Uh, As we are fixing your computer, we may go through your files. Please let you know. Please give us consent to go through the files in your hard drive in order to fix the problem. Oh yeah, sure, 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 sure. I guess he thought he deleted all the child porn off of it, but there was one image of like a naked young girl, like a naked eight-year-old or something, on her hands and knees or something like that, uh, that followed a pattern of very similar images that were going around. And he had deleted it, but not completely wiped it off his computer. Because what a lot of people don't understand, you delete something, uh, it's still there until it's overwritten in some way. So that's what they meant by unallocated space. So they found that one image and used that to get the warrant for other electronic devices he had. And there they found thousands of child pornography pictures. So obviously this guy's guilty. But the judge ruled that... uh, the one image that was found wasn't technically pornographic. It was just a naked young girl, but she wasn't doing anything sexual, so that wasn't a proper basis for the uh, for the search of the other stuff. Plus, uh, the, I guess the FBI lied about some details. How many times they they, they searched his hard drive for uh, for these pictures, and it ruined the whole thing. But I, I think this. Best Buy thing's a horrible idea. And again, they're going after the end user rather than the distributors and the producers. They, they need to cut off the centipede's head, not its back leg. And I'm going to tell you guys a personal story regarding a pedophile, not about child pornography, but about a pedophile that I ran into years ago, many years ago. As you guys know, I, I've spent a lot of time in uh, chat rooms on the internet, on computer bulletin boards. I've run into a lot of uh, unsavory characters that have hung out on these things. In one case, I ran into a pedophile. Now, I was not a uh, pedophile going after like eight-year-olds as far as I know, but he, he went after, uh, he was a guy in his 40s and he went after teenage girls. A lot of times ones that were... Uh, 14 years old, you know, as young as that. And very sick guy, used a lot of mind games to manipulate them, uh, did have sexual encounters with some of them, other ones he was grooming to eventually have sexual encounters with him. An awful individual, very sick guy. Um, someone had told me about him and then another person told me and eventually I realized that uh, this was really happening. It wasn't just rumor. And it it sickened me so much that I, I wanted to stop it. So, um, yeah, this was a system that had a lot of adults and minors on it. It wasn't like a teen chat system, but it wasn't just adults. It was a mixture. 
So I, I got to uh, I got some information as to which girls he was talking to. And you know, some of these girls had had contact with me before, just in the you know, in the chat system. These weren't, you know, I didn't know them very well, but they knew of me. And I talked to them, and uh, you know, some of them confirmed that he was doing this, but they they weren't feeling victimized. They thought he was uh, you know, such a nice guy who cared about them, who the only one who understood that the only grown up who understood them, blah, you know, that uh, he's unlocking their potential, all, all this complete manipulative bullshit that he was doing. So I attempted to report this guy to law enforcement. Now, this is many years ago, so maybe things have changed, but I tried to go to law enforcement after I had the names of his victims, the ones he'd actually had sex with, the ones he had done other sexual things with, the ones he's currently grooming but hadn't done anything sexual with yet. I, I had it all. All they had to do was a little bit of investigation that would have gotten everything. I went to law enforcement and I told them. I told them everything. They asked me if I had personally witnessed anyone being molested by him. I said no. I was told about it, but I said I have not seen it. I didn't see it with my own eyes, no. They said, okay, are you the direct relative of any of these victims? I said no. But you know, I talked to these girls. I, you know, first I heard rumors about it, then I talked to them. I verified it's really happening. You know, th- this is this is all really occurring. I was told directly by these victims that th- this was done to them. I was told, "Sorry, we can't do anything. You can't make this complaint." I said, "Why can't I make this complaint?" Well, because it's hearsay. How is it hearsay? The girls told me they're underage girls. They're telling me what this guy. Nope, it's hearsay. Uh, we can't know if you're telling the truth. And you can't represent any of the victims because you're not related to them. And you did not personally witness any of this happening. So without these factors, we cannot take action. Sorry. I said, okay. How about I give you the names of these girls that he did this to? How how about I... uh, Show you. I'll, I'll show you which uh, system you know system this guy is on, where these girls are on, how you can talk to them. Then you can talk directly to the victims and find out. No, nope, we're not doing that. Thing, I was told. Again, a complaint has to be made by the girl themselves, uh, the direct relatives, or anyone who personally witnessed a molestation occur. So I said, this is freaking ridiculous. So I gave up. But I said, I've still got to do something. Even if I, I, law enforcement's not helping here, but I've still got to do something. So I, I put out the time and effort to find every single girl from that system he was talking to. He may have been on other systems, but from that system, I found every single girl he was talking to after a lot of... Uh, Asking around. And by this point, he was aware I was doing this, and he was trying to warn people that that I was really the bad guy, that I was trying to uh, get in the way of of him helping them reach their potential because uh, I'm working for evil forces. You wouldn't believe all the dumb shit he told them. But anyway, I, I was able to 
get to just about all of them and convince them to stop talking to him. It took some work, but I, I, I talked just about all of them out of continuing contact with him. And uh, I was told behind the scenes he was getting really pissed about this. So finally, you know, I got all his info. And I called him up. And I got a lot of info on him. I told him everything I had. I told him everything I knew. And I had him convinced that I had put together a whole case against him. And that uh, he was about to go to prison. He didn't know about the roadblock I had run into. But he got so freaked out, he left the chat. He ran away. Probably went elsewhere, but from this chat, he was gone. So I, I felt at least good that I, I helped stop some of this. But uh, this was a long time ago. Maybe things have changed. Maybe it's easier to report now. But I was really frustrated that here I was handing it to them a silver platter and uh, they did not care. They did not do anything. So if that's still the case, uh, this needs to be made easier. In fact, I'd love to see some sort of resource where you can give tips about uh, child porn, about pedophiles and not to where you can frame anyone who uh, who isn't guilty, but to where you can give tips and, and told, you know, give them as much information as possible. And uh, anything that looks like a, a legitimate lead will be followed up. So if it's just some, like, you know, bitter uh, ex-girlfriend who leaves a message, hey, you know, John Smith, you know, he actually molests young girls in his spare time. You should look into it. You know, that, that, that wouldn't be followed up, but, but someone who provides concrete-looking information that could be followed up upon, then... Uh, those would be taken seriously. Things like what I wanted to provide there many years ago. So that would be useful. I think a lot of people may know of something, but they don't know who to report it to, or they attempt to report it and run into a roadblock. Uh I think maybe there should be rewards uh, for an arrest and conviction for these type of offenses. And and I mean arrest and conviction where it's uh, you know where where they not not that you could just load child porn on someone's computer and then report them and then get them arrested. I'm talking about. Uh, were a real investigation were to clearly reveal that the person is knowingly producing or trading child porn or knowingly molesting uh, underage children, especially children who are uh, very young. And I think there should be an increase in the stiffness of sentences for people who are caught doing this. 
And the funny thing is, whenever you see propositions on state ballots for increasing the penalties for child molesters, they win by an overwhelming margin, like 90 to 10. Very few political propositions ever have that kind of margin. 90 to 10. That That's unusual. So if there's something that 90% of the population wants, it, it's probably correct. If 90% of the population would want these people locked up for life, then you lock them up for life. Obviously, that's the will of the people. Obviously, that's... Uh, and this is not persecuting anyone. <laughs> this is... The, the, this, these are very unsympathetic characters to where the punishment is being increased. And there's really no excuse for any of it. It's not like uh, you can make up the excuse that uh, you know someone stole because they were broke and unemployed and they had to eat or they had to pay rent. I'm not saying that these are good excuses to steal, but for for molesting young children or making child porn there there's no possible excuse and again i'm not talking about uh the guy who has sex with a you know with a teenage girl who uh is underage but uh doesn't exactly act or look underage and while that that shouldn't be happening while that's wrong you know that guy shouldn't be locked up for life, but the the guy molesting an eight-year-old should. The guy making child porn should. There's some really, really heinous sex crimes against children to where those convicted should never get out. And and these people can't be cured either. They it's, it's, Even if you want to say, okay, well... They should be able to rehabilitate. You can't rehabilitate these people. You can't. It's been shown that they have the highest rate of committing the same crime again. An incredibly high rate. They're just a ticking time bomb. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again and again and again. Some of them just can't help themselves. So they need to be locked up for life. And as I said, if, if uh, these people could be put to death, provided that it was proven 100% they were really guilty, great. Those people don't deserve to live after doing something like that. It's, it's, it's incredibly selfish. I, I don't care what your urges are. I don't care if, if this is something that really turns you on and you can't help it. Because you think about it. Think about what turns you on. And most of it, or all of it maybe, is uh, is legal. And probably, I hope, uh, you don't have any fantasies about uh, molesting young children. But let's say you do. Let's say that happens to be what really turns you on. And, and you know, if, if you think about what does turn you on, did you choose for that to turn you on? No, you just you just have certain things that uh, that turn you on. 
it just developed for whatever reason. So for those that what gets them going is, is things with little children, you could say, well, they can't help it. That's uh, that, that's just the way they are. But there's a difference between having those urges or desires and actually doing it when you know doing it is going to harm a human being so much. And to harm a little child like that just because this is what you feel you need to get sexual gratification is incredibly selfish. That you would ruin a little child's life and traumatize them to satisfy your own urges. So no matter how strong your urge is to do something like that, you, a good person would say, no, I just can't. The good person would say, I don't like the fact that I have these thoughts in my head, but I'm just not going to do it. But some people don't. Some people say, well, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to do it. So hope nobody catches me. But there's currently not enough being done to prevent this. There's currently not enough proactive enforcement by the FBI, by local police forces, especially the federal agencies which which have the budget to do this. Like like individual police departments, they they really have to worry about just what's reported to them. It's harder for them to set up stings like this. They just don't have the budget. They don't have the manpower especially small cities. They, it's a lot tougher. Unless it's a large city that has a big cybercrime unit, then they can do it. But you know, a typical city police force does not have the manpower or the money to set up ma- massive stings like this, but the FBI does. So maybe, maybe one day we will see a change as far as that is concerned. And maybe we will see them focusing in the right direction instead of worrying about uh, going after end users and having to prove the end users actually uh, knowingly put the files on their computer, blah, blah, blah. And even if you find someone who has thousands of images over several devices where you know there's no chance it was an accident or put by someone else. Um, You're going after the third tier offender at that point. You're not cutting off the source. There was an interesting story, by the way, and this actually involved uh, one of the uh, same FBI agents that uh, was involved in uh, busting the extortion of Joe Seabach some years ago. But uh, they went after uh, a pedophilia ring. And it was very interesting because the way they did it was it was through the Tor network where people thought they were anonymous. But... uh, the FBI actually seized one of these uh, child pornography networks 
and then continued to run it for a month. And then what they were doing was uh, using that to insert uh, forms of spyware or other identifying tricks to capture the IP, the real IP addresses of the people using that network, including some administrators on it. And all this, you know, that for that month, everybody thought everything was fine. <laughs> they didn't realize that the FBI had taken it over. And they caught a lot of people, and they're in the process of sentencing them. So that type of stuff is good. You need to see more of that. By the way, if you're wondering where Calwatt went, he actually didn't just fall asleep. For whatever reason, his internet went dead. And I noticed he just disappeared. He usually doesn't... Uh, he usually doesn't just disappear without saying goodbye. So that's what happened this time. Was uh, His internet cut, and then he sent me a text message, which I just saw right now. If you want a river phone call, you can call in. This has been a very long show. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Scott from the East Coast saying, are you still on the air? The answer is yes. This is live. From the 505, does this Tam Wen guy know who he's messing with? You don't antagonize the trolls. I don't know who the trolls are. Is it me? Is it is our listeners? I don't know. But yeah, you know, I, it pisses me off because I, I gave them a chance and it was very fair and, and was very... Uh, I went pretty easy on them. I, I, I wasn't uh, complicit. I wasn't kissing their ass or, or not mentioning the problems. I, mean, I challenged the guy with everything he said, but I was very polite. I didn't come at him like, hey, you're a scammer, you're this, you're that. Like I, I let him explain his side and I, and I told him where I agreed, where I disagreed. And for him to say that the loser fraud site or whatever he said about it was and then uh, brag about how this got him more signups, which probably isn't even true. And then this other guy in Australia, Daniel Fareed, to put out these lies that we try to shake them down for advertising dollars. I mean, what a, what a piece of crap site to this jow poker. By the way, uh, Jason Song, who was mentioned by Tam Wen during last week's interview, I guess he was a poker player at one point. I think he had like a six-figure score at one point, like a low six-figure score. But he's very much involved in this. He may even be the owner or one of the high managers, but he, he seems very involved in it. Someone was trying to arrange a conversation between me and Jason Song and Listen, whoever's in charge of this thing, you, you've got to get control over your affiliates. You, you've got to tell them to stop doing crap like this. Telling lies about sites that call them into question. If if someone calls you into question, I mean, everything that was called into question about Joe Poker, th- these were legitimate questions. They really were. Even Tam Wynn admitted on the air that a lot of these questions were legitimate. And honestly, they were all legitimate. So when you have a site that on the surface looks like it could be shady, you, you can't shoot the messenger. You, you can't get angry at the sites for questioning you. 
you you need to come back with concrete answers that calm people's fears, that explain what you're doing and and try to decrease the skepticism. You don't attack the sites that are asking these questions. Make up lies about them. You guys need to control your affiliates and stop this crap. And I honestly I there are some people who are on like a, a quest against Jow Poker, like they, they want to see it go down. They there's some people who are really, really, really anti Jow poker to where like every day they, they wake up thinking about this and just want to destroy it. I'm not one of those people. I'm I'm just reporting what I see. And I even said I think at the moment they're probably paying people. I have no evidence of that, but I that's my gut feeling. If I really wanted to destroy them, I could say, oh, it's a scam. They're just going to take all your money. They're going to run away. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying right now they probably are paying. But it probably won't last. And that's what happens with most of these small sites, especially ones that don't really have a concrete uh, payment method that uh, they've gotten that will stick around. I mean, PayPal, come on. Just got a text message from the 215, a Philadelphia number. The bit about pedophilia was interesting, not on subject matter, but your style throughout the portion of the show sounded a lot like Dan Carlin in a good way. I hate to tell you, I don't know who Dan Carlin is. I know of George Carlin. He's not alive anymore, but I knew of him. Dan Carlin, I don't know. But at least he says it's in a good way. So. It is 4 a.m. Oh, he's saying it's the hardcore history guy who does that podcast. I know a lot of people like that hardcore history. I've never listened to hardcore history. But I've heard good things about it. I was also told, unrelated to all this, that uh, Chantel, her name is Chantel McNulty. If you Google her and go to Google Images, that I'm 20th, like the 20th result is the picture of me and her. Let me see. I'm going to scroll down. No, I'm not. Not for me. You know, Google results are different for each person. I don't even. Oh, here. No, I'm kind of more like 40th. But I am on the. I guess would would be the first page. It's not really a page anymore on Google. You just scroll, 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 and it just keeps coming up with more pictures. But I think I would kind of be on what would be considered the first page. Definitely the first or second. Oh, it's for. That's funny. It's 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 something from the two plus two archives. Let's see the context this was posted. I remember when this picture was taken too. Yeah, 2 plus 2 has, uh, what they did is their older posts, they moved to a separate system. And it's a much slower loading system. In fact, sometimes it doesn't even work. And a lot of the pictures are broken and the links are broken. But at some point, they just chopped off all their old content and moved it to this archive server, which isn't as good. Yeah, it's not even loading for me right now. This picture was originally posted on Never Win Poker. That's where they got it from, whoever reposted it on 2 Plus 2. 
And I remember we went over to Chantel's apartment. And I, I think at that time she lived uh, in in a building where Brandon lived. She didn't live with Brandon or anything, but I don't think she was living there because of Brandon. But now Brandon can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, we went to her apartment, and I remember I was there. My then-girlfriend, Miri, was there. Uh, Miss Idaho from the forum then, who doesn't really post anymore, but uh, I know still lurks on Poker Fraud Alert. She was there. And there were a number of pictures taken. I forgot who took them. And Neverwin was there. She was dating Neverwin at the time, Chantel. And I'm trying to remember if Brandon was there or not. I, I don't know if he was or not. I, I didn't know Brandon that well at that point. Oh, I see. This was on a, a 2 plus 2 post. Someone named Stavros T posted on uh, September 22nd, 2006. They reposted a something I wrote on Neverwin Poker about Neverwin and Chantel's relationship. This is actually mentioned in the Ship at Halabala's book. And in 2006, Neverwin broke his engagement with another girl he was dating for a long time named Marie. He broke that engagement, and then Chantel broke up with her then-boyfriend, and the two of them got together. And at first they did this kind of in secret to where the public wouldn't know, but they were afraid it was going to get out. So they wanted to beat the rumors. And they wanted to announce it to the internet in some way, but they were afraid if either of them posted it that it would get a lot of hate. So... Neverwin came to me and said, hey, Druff, you know, you're a good writer. I, I bet you could put up something that makes us look a lot better. You know, can you do this for us? And, and by then, I, I was friends with Chantel also. Like, I was friends with both of them at this point. So I said, okay, I'll put something out there, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to put anything out there that isn't true. But I'll, I'll write something with a positive spin to it. So I did. And I wrote kind of like a semi-humorous account of uh, how they got together with with pictures and captions and stuff. And uh, a lot of people thought it was amusing. And this kicked off a big thread on 2 Plus 2. Back in uh, September 06. (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Some of you have probably been... Some of you who love the long shows are probably uh, happy with this one. Because last week we had fewer than five hours. and You know, I couldn't do the shows as long when I still had the cold. But now I just have a little bit of a cough left and that's it. So I said, hell, I'll... I'll do a show that I didn't expect it to run this long, but it happens. Can anyone defeat Calwatt in the 
Poker fraud alert, free roll. That's the question. I remember when I, earlier today, when I was putting together the prize pool for the free roll and mentioning that Calwatt donated as much as he did, I, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if he wins it again? And then he won it again. I just had a feeling he was going to win when he said, oh, oh, I may be out real fast. And then it turned out he was getting in with bottom set. I'm like, <laughs> no. He's going to triple up. And sure enough, he tripled up. And just cruised in from there. So congratulations, Cal Watt. And thank you for donating the money back. Cal Watt's a very, very generous guy. Very unselfish individual. So I'm happy to have him as uh, part of this show. And hey, Northern California guy, if you're listening, we'd like to have you back on too. Brandon, you know, Brandon has been listening to this show, even when he's not on it. So, Brandon, uh, I'd like you back, too, even if just on a sometimes basis. When will I be back? I will be back next week, a week from now, May 24th, a Wednesday, at 8 p.m., uh, shall I say at or around 8 p.m. Pacific time? We will have uh, a few more shows on a regular schedule. My first World Series event is on June 12th. So prior to that, we should be on a regular schedule. After that, it will be between events when I have the time to do the show, but I'll try to get it done at least once a week. No promises. That is all for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, whether live or in the archives. I do appreciate all our listeners. Text me at 775-372-8355 with any questions or comments. I I will respond to you. Good night and shalom.